All my party people in the house throw your hands in the air and say yeah. I am a nasty boy, and a big boss man. Is that a banana there inside your pocket, or are you just happy to hear this new episode? Oh snap! I think the party is about to begin my homeboys and homegirls. This shall be dope, chill, lit, gucci, and funky fresh. Hello and welcome to the Watsy Party Whore Show, where we're fighting the good fight for the whore nation. The only party on the Horophilia Network. Baby, that is damn true. We're a three-act podcast released at the beginning of every month, and each episode, you can expect to hear a comprehensive list of upcoming genre releases, followed by a horror topic of a discussion, and finally, an in-depth breakdown of a horror film of our choosing. My friends, this is episode number seven of the show, 007 if you're nasty. We most certainly are nasty, baby, yeah. I'm your host, Mr. Watson, podcasting from just outside of Olympia, Washington, and my co-host here at the party is... Dave Z, Buffalo, New York. <sighs> winter, winter, winter has already begun. So, Brr. yeah. Tell me about it, man. What's uh, what, what's the what's the weather like over there in 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 Buffalo, buddy? Pretty mild here, man. It was a rainy day. Pretty mild. Sixties. Oh, oh, lucky yeah. you. No, we've had freaking freezing, below freezing weather all week long. Snow. I've been trudging through snow at work and snow, huh? But you drive. I drive and I walk. I'm walking up frigging houses, reading meters, and I'm walking up people's driveways, slipping on ice and delivering packages and all this. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's, it's it's been treacherous, that's for sure. Oh, goodness. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, man. A lot of my job is travel as well, you know, going from job to job, doing the remodels. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it, it can be... It can be crazy, but in, in the Pacific Northwest, it's usually always kind of gray, cold, and rainy. In the winters aren't really much of an exception. If we get snow, we're all kind of amazed up here that it even happened because we're not as far northwest, you know, like up in Canada where they're going to get snow for sure. You never know if western Washington will get the snow, but... Uh, well, how about how about a little more ha- happy topic? Uh, you know, this is our post-Halloween yeah. episode, buddy. Might I ask, did you have a splendid All Hallows' Eve, Dave Z? Yeah, I mean, I had to work the next day, but I had a lot of trick-or-treaters, even though we got hammered back to weather we got we had real bad weather there was ice there was rain it was a ice dude yeah yeah it was cold and 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 the rain was making things kind of icy but it was there was a lot of rain i mean people got poured on and stuff but when we had a break in the rain my area is so popular for trick-or-treaters that i still had a bunch of kids so that was still good but again back to last show that's why i want that stuff (laughs) that's why i wish they would change it to september 31st i really do because i'm tired of (laughs) This friggin', you know, I enjoy it, but man, you know, I feel bad for the kids getting poured on out there and being cold and, you know, but it was fun. Watched my movies, like I said, I was going to do, ate my candy, ate my pumpkin seeds, did my stuff, you know, how about you? Man, uh, what did you watch actually uh, on the day of? What did you get in? On the day of, I came home from work and I started with Halloween 3 and I'll tell you what, the thing is, when I watch that movie, I want to watch it, so... (laughs) What I did was I had to keep pausing it every time trick-or-treaters came. So I really didn't enjoy it the way I wanted to, but I I was only going to have time for two movies. So it was going to be Halloween 3, 
and then it was going to be John Carpenter's Halloween after. When I by the time I watch Carpenter's Halloween, trick or treating is over. It, it, it's an, I want to go to bed by like at a reasonable hour. So for me, that's like ten ten thirty. So eight o'clock when it ends, that's when I put the movie on. So I watched Carpenter's movie after like eight, but you know between like six and eight, I was watching part three, and I had to keep freaking pausing it. But <laughs> the best I could, you know. Yeah, good. Oh, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, man. The weekend before Halloween is when my son and I had just a, a blast, man. We went to an event called Fright Fest at Enchanted Village here in Washington State. It's like an amusement park. It's basically just this, yeah, this 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 haunted amusement park come Halloween time. So I spent the extra money to get us fast passes, man. So we're kicking ass, taking names, riding roller coasters, hitting up their special haunted attractions. Just a total blast. I am, though, I am bummed to say that we missed our annual tradition of going to an overnight film festival in Olympia called All Freakin' Night. And they hold it the week after Halloween every year. But this time, for whatever reason, they held it the week before. And I didn't even clue into that. And so my son had turned 16 years old the week after Halloween. So I was hoping to have the, you know, sort of All Freakin' Night incorporated into our celebration of that. But it was it was not to be. But as for Halloween itself, man, I'll tell you what, when the clock struck midnight, I watched Halloween 78 before going to bed. And I managed an early-ish day off work. So, man, I came home. Grabbed the bowl of candy for my trick-or-treaters. I watched Halloween 2018, trick-or-treat, and Terrifier just back-to-back, just in all one big go. And yeah, like I said, I had this big bowl of candy for trick-or-treaters, but Dave Z, none came. We had great weather, man. It was just, it, it was it was kind of warm out, maybe a little, 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 little bit of that chilly bite, a little foggy. It was fine, man, but that's... Yeah, no trick-or-treaters. So, so we just had this uh, huge bowl of candy in our house, and at one point I threw it in the garbage, and then I, I see my son had pulled it all out of the garbage. It was like basically like, fuck you, Dad, I'm eating this. I'm just like, well, uh, all right, hand me some of that shit. But yeah, he was just like, Dad, we're not throwing away good candy. This is money. <laughs> That's what he said to me. This is money. I'm like, all right, whatever. It's also a diabetic coma. But uh, <laughs> of note, uh, folks, despite all our setbacks last month, we were we managed, Dave Z and I managed to get our October episode fully edited out to Jason Lloyd, our Horphelia network leader, just in time for him to release it on Halloween day. If you've not heard that, if you're listening to this, you haven't heard that. It's not all Halloween. So if you, it's not like something you just have to listen to around Halloween. We do talk Halloween. We get in the spirit, but we're talking other movies. We're talking other things. Every episode is something for everybody at all times per year. But I count that a victory, Davesy, that we got our October out in October. I'm down with that. Speaking of victories, let's talk about what li- <laughs> what what lies a- what lies ahead here <laughs> on this seventh episode of the show. We'll start things off as we always do, my friends, with the party favor segment of the show, Act Number One, where Dave Z will lead us through a list of the November 2019 horror releases. Next, my friends, next. In the horror deep dive segment of the show, act number two, Dave Z and I are going to talk a little bit about movie trailers, expectations, hype, these external forces, if you will, that influence our views of the films we watch. And finally, in the showtime segment of the party, act number three, Dave Z and I will give you a spoiler free review of The Cabin in the Woods 2012. After all that, we'll pick our film for the next episode, like we always do with that coin toss, give our plugs, bid you all that fond farewell, party going to close them doors, but... You've seen the cabin in the woods. You want to stick with us? Hear a spoiler-filled discussion of the film? Then please stay for the after party where we go all out. So that's that's the episode itinerary, Dave Z. We have no listener feedback this time around that I'm aware of. Did anybody send you anything? It looks like our email is clear. I've gotten no DMs. Uh, uh, no, I, I got nothing either. Cool, right on. Okay, the only emails we did get uh, <laughs> were a few automated messages from some filmmaker or author 
who's putting out his or her feelers trying to promote some horror project they've got going on. And listen, let me go on just a quick little rant here. Look, I'm all about people getting their horror art out there into the world, right? More, The more horror, the better. But let me just put this out there, that spamming people's email inboxes or their podcast pages is one of the worst ways you can go about getting attention. Daisy, this is happening right now on, you know, probably exploding heads. It's definitely happening on the Watsy Party Facebook page. You know, we got some people out there with shows films, YouTube channels, and books who spam the hell out of the page. And you know what I do? I ignore them or I delete them. And if that sounds rude, let me clarify that these are people who have never once, never once checked to see who runs the page. Dave Z and I are admins on the page. No one's ever checked to find out that, okay, those are the two names that are admins. Let me say what up. They've never DM'd you or me, Dave. They've never even made a personal post to say that they listen to the show. Or even if they don't listen to the show, at the very least, man, engage with the group in a genuine fashion, right? Make a post. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, just comment, post memes. Simplest thing you can do. Then hawk your wares. But no, I'll see their posts on our page as well as identical posts on other pages, Dave Z. And the response, if it gets a like, uh, it's like probably the person themselves. And no one cares, and they shouldn't. So if I were to actively promote this podcast right here in certain avenues that lie outside our normal network circles... The last thing I would do is just blindly post links to new episodes, you know. I'd make friends over there, I'd make jokes, share memes, see who else might have a podcast, listen to them. I'd I'd be a real valued member of their community before I even thought about promoting my stuff. And that's the way it works. You establish relationships, you don't spam. It just doesn't work organically whatsoever, and it comes off as cringy as all get out to me. What do you think, Daisy? Yeah. <laughs> cringy. <laughs> right. Cringy is a good word to to say. Yeah, I you know, even though I'm on a show, <sighs> Sometimes I should just keep my mouth shut. And uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just I'm just going to, you said it. I, I can't add anything onto that. I'm just, I'm going to keep it cool because that's what I try to do. And yeah, I'm, yeah you're no. right. Uh, you're right, buddy. That's all there is to it. I, I can't agree more. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I just did a bit of an impromptu rant because, uh, you know, I've been, no, I noticed it on YouTube as well in comment sections of people are like, oh, check out my vid. And it's just like, okay, well, it, Spamming people doesn't work. You're not going to see any more subs. You're not going to get any more downloads. I mean, hell, we have a hard enough time, you know, in our friend, you know, circle of f- podcast friends when we, you know, when everybody posts their their episodes onto everybody else's pages. I mean, even amongst our friends, it can be like a bit much sometimes. And right. so I, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm <laughs> no, I'm just buddy. talking about the listen. What, what's that? Tell it. I see it all the time, and it's got. I think that people should. I, I'm I'm actually kind of loosey goosey. I think people should. Say what they want as long promote their their wares as long as they contribute to the conversation in yes. different ways, shapes, or forms. That's fine. Don't just come someplace or go to a, a thread just to do it and then peace out. That's something that like people that have like uh they want to give you links to like uh what what are those sites ca- called like, th- like those Vimeo sites that will have like movies that that are filmed on cam in the theaters and they'll say oh you get oh, someone's talking gotcha. about Doctor Sleep but they just came out oh see Doctor Sleep here out of nowhere at this website and then you go there and it's like get the hell and it's some sign up thing and then it's a cam <laughs> and it's a scam or even whatever it is th- people like that I expect they're from because they're strictly soliciting and they don't care about the genre as a whole or the people that create it or have any friends in it. But if you do that, if you're if you're part of this great big circle that we're in, and and you do create, and you listen to other creators, and you give a damn about you know what goes into things, and and having friendships and respect the genre, then I don't think it's cool to do that. It's just it's yeah. just it's just lame to do. If you're gonna contribute in other ways 
then do it. Like, I, I'll tell you what, I confess. I used to do it a lot more in all the groups I'm in in the early days of podcasting, Banana Laser, mm-hmm. and when I first started Exploding Heads and stuff, because I was newer to it, and I just... Now, I only put it up, like, like Watsy and, and Exploding Heads and ABCs, I might put up in, like, four or five groups, and, like, that's it. But in those groups, you will catch me having conversations as well. So... That's all there is to it. I'm not going to go to everything that has horror in the title and, right. and every group and advertise it. I have done it in the past and I learned from it. I never got kicked out, at least not that I know of, of any place. But <laughs> I, I've seen it happen so much in groups that I admin that I've got aggravated because it's it's from people that don't do anything else but that. If they're going to do other stuff, by all means. And even then, it can sometimes be annoying because some people are on like six shows. You know what I mean? And if every single day they're putting up a new show... That could end up being a bit much, but I tolerate it because they're you know they're in our group and they're friends of ours, etc. So it's like you said, yeah. the people on our crew can make it a little aggravating, even though they still contribute. Imagine what an outsider does that comes there strictly to do it. I mean, it, oh it's yeah, not, right. It's not cool. That's why in the exploding heads group, I've changed it uh, a few months ago. Been a little more than that now, but in the group page on Facebook, everything is pre-approved. So they put something in. Somebody posts something, and uh, an admin will look at it, and if it's good, we approve it. Now, people that we trust get to be put on this list. It's an option, and it'll be like, let's say the first time you put up anything, Watson, immediately I go there, and it says options, and it'll say approve post and pre-approve member. That means that that person can post anytime. I know they're not going to spam. They're friends. We don't have to worry about those people. So I I, I probably have about... uh, 200 people in there that are already pre-approved. So I don't have to sweat them, but that's, yeah, yeah. you can't do that on comments on the YouTube section. No, for unfortunately. sure. Yeah. I, I could go on and on buddy. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, and I'll tell you somebody who's doing this right. And it's our buddy, David Michigan, uh, Garrett jr. He has a new show, um, a new podcast called, I think, Journey with a Cinephile, and it, it's it, he just released it. He got inspired by, like, us, and, you know, our show, and, and he also has his website where he, you know, does reviews. He posts them, like, every day, and now he has his show, but let me tell you why he did it right. First, he wrote into Horror Corridor when I was still doing that show, and then he has been praising this show. He DMs me every, you know, every time, hey, would it be okay if I post here? He's a friend of the show, or a friend of mine who is like, hey, you know, and he gets approval. He he comments on other people's posts. He's not just this guy who shows up out of nowhere. Hey, I, I, I want to hack your audience, you know, and I respect that, that he came to me, that he wrote into the to Horror Corridor and had his own insight and, you know, separate from his own thing that he's selling. I just dig it, man. And that's organic to me. That's a friend and he can post whatever he wants now. And that's all I'm saying. Anyways, that was a bit more of a rant than I wanted to go on. I just got annoyed because it's been happening much more. And what what inspired this was, I think it was wasn't on on exploding heads, but it was on one of our other one of the other pages in our circle where this filmmaker kept posting his or author. I won't say who it was. No names. We don't need to go like that. That's that just be mean. But they were posting their they were hawking their wares and getting no likes. Well, I see this person. Somebody engaged them in conversation and mentioned the names of the hosts of the show where this guy was posting. And this guy had no idea who they were. He even goes, who's it'd be like if it was yours. Who's Dave Z? And but like he's posting in exploding heads it wasn't exploding heads but it'd be like that it'd be like wait who's brandon christian and dave z but he's posting all his like links over and over in exploding heads and people were like laughing at him and it was just like it was like dude come on like you didn't even know who the host of the you know, ugh, like i know don't, dude don't 
don't be that person. You know, if you're sitting there and you got something and you're fired up about the horror community, man, honest, organic engagement is the way to do it. And pl- trust me, that's something uh, my, my buddy Melissa, who emailed and DM'd into the show last week, Melissa Swan, she works for social media for her job up in Seattle and manages their social media for whatever it is she's doing. And she like sends me articles about how I can be better on social media. And I'm just like, (laughs) so that's where I get some of this. I'm like, okay, an organic engagement. All right, Watson, just get out there. Post on Twitter today. And so I don't know, uh, you know, but anyways, whatever. Just just a quick little rant here. And I, I do have a couple super quick shout outs before we go into party favors. Our buddy across the pond, Dave Z, Duncan McLeish of the podcast yeah. Under the Stairs, gave us an extremely generous shout out on one of his recent episodes. Delighted as all hell to hear that love right there from him. And our new friend, Travis Maxwell Boone of the Nightclub podcast, also gave us a tremendous uh, shout out as well on his, one of his latest episodes. Just we're feeling the love, folks. Uh, we're right back at you guys. If you want to pour a little bit more love upon us, uh, if you want your voice heard on the show, Email us at watsypartyhorrorshow at gmail.com. That's W-A-T-Z-E-E-P-A-R-T-Y-H-O-R-R-O-R-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. All right. We kept this intro short this time around. The last one on last episode, man, what an intro we had. We were we had emails. We had topics. Man, it was crazy. It was like 52 minutes before we got into party favors. So, Dave Z, what do you say we get into these party favors right now, buddy? Yes, let's go. Let's do it, baby. It is now time for the What's Z Party Horror Show Party Favors segment to commence. My friends, as we go into the month of November here, as we cruise through the fall season straight toward winter, it's high time that many of us here in the Northern Hemisphere keep ourselves toasty warm. And folks, the absolute best way to do that is to join us for a piping hot cup of party favors. Now, folks... Before Dave Z takes us into the November 2019 releases, we're first going to do a callback to episode 6 and give you all some quick few sentence long mini reviews of any of the October 2019 movies that we mentioned in the party favors segment of the last episode. Dave Z, how many October 2019 releases were you able to catch, buddy? Only one. I was able able (laughs) to catch The Lighthouse. Now, let me say this. I think in future Hmm. installments of of this show, I will... I'll be a little more active in that respect because I'm catching sure. up. I since like mid-October to now, I am going deep into the 2019 releases, but I I kind of started watching them chronologically. So I just watched like The Perfection, you know, last oh. month even though it came out in like I don't know, February or March or of last year, of this year. So I'm just I'm slowly catching up. I'm I'm almost there. I think like in the tall grass is something that came out like last month. I'll probably get to it in the next like you know three four weeks. So I'm I'm coming around. I'm getting there. There's a couple that are going to be on this week's release. Pardon me, this month's releases that I have already seen as well. So I am catching ah. up. So I'll get better. But for right now, all I saw was the lighthouse. Did you see the lighthouse? Man, it was not playing anywhere near me. Ooh. And how about this? I have a feeling that is going to be the main event of this segment. So if, if you permit it, Dave Z, I saw four. May I go over my four really quickly and then we end with the lighthouse because I have a feeling that's going to be like the thing to talk about. Please do. And I will do my best. But again, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it and uh, you know my memory, but <laughs> gotcha. we'll do yeah. the best we can. Okay, okay. Well, uh, the first one, because uh, I'm excited to hear about this one. Uh, so the first one I saw was called Harpoon. 
Rivalries, dark secrets, and sexual tension emerge when three best friends find themselves stranded on a yacht in the middle of the ocean under suspicious circumstances. So this one has a a real sense of intrigue to it that is more or less a con you know because it's it, it's it's more or less a contained film where three people are trapped on this boat with nowhere to go and they've got all these secrets to hide. It's got some good blood and realistic gore. But my issue is that two people of our three-person cast were absolutely grating to me. And it's not even the guy that the story tries to paint as the movie's asshole. The girl and the whinier dude were just too much for me. Like, I, I actually stopped caring about the central mystery about two-thirds in because they're, these two characters, they had this, like, shared hypocritical sense of self-righteousness that just ate at me, man. At least the jerk in the movie was honest about who he was, yet the script didn't have his back even though he was no worse than the other two. I, I don't know, man. It, it, despite it being well shot and really well acted, I just did not enjoy my experience with this movie at all. I'm happy to hear that people are enjoying this, but it, man, it was not for me. I'm at about a 4.75 out of 10. Uh, that's Harpoon. Now, Dave Z, have you heard of that one? It's on my list, actually. Yeah. yeah you know, I, 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 I want you to see it because I, I hope you rate it at least a 7 or above because it's well filmed. It's just, man, I just didn't enjoy it. I don't know. I, I was just, it just missed me, man. It happens sometimes and it, right on. So the next one that I saw on Netflix, we actually didn't talk about this one, but I watched it on, on, on the old Netflix, kind of at random, was called The Influence, uh, when Queenie, the Faraday family's grandmother and oppressive matriarch, is finally laid to rest, no one could foresee the horrifying extent of her evil influence, which continues even beyond death. If I had to compare this to anything you party peeps might know, and if that synopsis didn't already clue you in already, The Influence here is like hereditary light, but in Spanish. And I, listen, I do not mean that as an insult or even a backhanded compliment either. Like, while it's similar on paper, this really isn't all that much like Hereditary. It'll probably, I think, appeal to many folks who didn't enjoy Hereditary, actually. That said, I really enjoyed this movie. I found it scary and effective. The visuals and sound design were so good. Very good work there. I felt the story was compelling enough to draw me in. It goes to some pretty dark places and I liked it about it uh, about that whole production what I don't understand though check this out is how this film can have such a low rating on IMDb folks I cannot understand this it's at a 4.5 out of 10 with almost 1300 ratings I am baffled I don't feel like I saw the same movie as these people who brought this rating down as low as it is because like Harpoon which I just mentioned stands at above us I think it's at a 6.1 on IMDb with like nearly a thousand ratings and I can't understand that either. Maybe I'm falling out of step, people. But I'm in the neighborhood of an 8 out of 10 on The Influence. So, folks, this is on Netflix, at least Netflix US. If you like dark haunted house movies that look great and get, you know, get a little crazy at the end, then turn your lights down low and watch The Influence. The next one is called Eli. A boy named Eli with a rare autoimmune disorder is confined to a special experimental clinic for his treatment. He soon begins experiencing supernatural forces turning the supposedly safe facility into a haunted prison for him and his fellow patients. It is strange, Dave Z. I am hearing people talk about this movie, and I, just like with the other two, I, I'm feeling like I'm falling out of step with everybody. I swear that I'm the opposite of everyone I've heard review Eli so far. Most people are just okay on the first two acts. They're like, eh, then they get totally on board when act three hits. Now, I actually enjoyed the first two acts and kind of fell off on the third act. It's weird. The story takes a turn that is pretty cool, honestly, but the ending pulls this trick on the viewers, I think. Now, no spoilers, but from a story standpoint, it fools you into thinking it's taking a risk 
but it's actually a pretty safe ending disguised as a risk. That's all I'm going to say. It's not bad. Great setting, good acting. I think people should hop on Netflix and check this movie out. Uh, check this movie out. Uh, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I started speaking the Italian. I, I'm a little bit of the Italian too, my quarter. Uh, it's good. Uh, I'm at a 7 out of 10 on it. That's Eli. And uh, Dave Z, did you catch Eli? Nope. Also on my Not list, yet. but I'll okay. probably be getting to it, um, I don't know, by December, hopefully. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Now, here's one that you will need to check out. It's called Sweetheart, which we did talk about explicitly last episode. Jen has washed ashore a small tropical island and doesn't take it long to realize she's completely alone. What? Hold on. This, this, okay, that she's completely alone. I, I, I said the whole thing that she's not alone. Anyways, the synopsis reads <laughs> that it doesn't take it long to realize she's completely alone. She must spend her days not only surviving the elements, but also fend off the malevolent, malevolent force that comes out each night proving she's not alone. This, freaking, this is what happens when I get my synopses from IMDb. It does this to me. I should have gone to Prime. Anyways, <laughs> I thought this movie was a lot of fun, uh, everybody. Our lead is great. The creature design is solid. The story and built-in scares are effective. Think Castaway meets Predator via the creature from the Black Lagoon. And you've got an idea what's going on here. I recommend it. And Davesy, I think you and your daughter will get a kick at it. Uh, kick out of it, rather. I'm at a 7.75 here. Good stuff. That's Sweetheart. And that's what I've got, Davesy. I want, I want to hear about the lighthouse, buddy. Tell us if you, you know, what you got, buddy. Okay, uh, the lighthouse, I will say this, uh, it's not the witch, but that's not a bad thing. I, I did quite enjoy it. You basically have a, a two-man show here. You know, Willem Dafoe as the uh, older grizzled gentleman who's a, a, a wiki, they call themselves. Or he, he I, I think like the way Eggers uses the, um, the dialogue here is similar to the way like he was, I believe, what he did with the witch, where he, you know, was using uh, scriptures and whatnot from that time period uh, to be as accurate as possible. I think he did the same thing here with um, seafaring folk or sailors or whoever in the 1890s. That's what I'm thinking here, this language, because I can't imagine that he's going to, you know, not do that after everything I've seen him do with the witch and... Uh, his attention to detail and, and everything in this film as far as just what you're seeing. So I'm going to say that he probably is, you know, being as accurate as possible with stuff like that. So he calls himself a wiki and hmm. basically, you know, it's someone that works, you know, I think he's a retired, he used to be a captain of a ship or used to work on a ship or whatever, but he's been married to the sea, if you will, for, for many years. And he is, has a, a new person coming in and see, I'm not sure how this works, but I don't know if this is the way it's supposed to be. But basically, um, Robert Pattinson, that's his name, correct? Because I'm not looking yes, at... Yes, sir. Yes? Okay. Because I'm not looking at the B. I'm just going by uh, my my memory here. He's coming in to help out. Uh, this is his first time. The lighthouse is like a two-man operation. So it's, it's, it's very much isolation here. It's for the most part, it's a two-man show. Initially, when the film comes on the screen, it was filmed in, in, in a way where it's not letterboxed, where you have the, the aspect ratio is done a certain way, where you see the bars on the right and on the left, so it looks like it's a smaller film than a smaller thing. I, I'm, I oh, can't wow. explain it. I'm not good at that. I, I'm not going to pretend I know the aspect ratio and what it means and why, but sometimes you get bars at the top in widescreen format, letterbox. In this case, you're getting them on the right and the left. So it's like, hmm, they're only using, you know, a certain percentage of the screen. And it takes 
a little bit, it's jarring at first. I understand why, though, because it adds to the isolation feel of the film. You have these two people coming in, and they're being dropped off of this boat, and they're going to this lighthouse together. And like I said, Pattinson's the new guy, and Defoe is the old guy. And Defoe right off the bat saying, okay, listen, I'm going to stay up all night long and man the lighthouse, and you are going to be the person that does the work in the daytime. That, you know, helps with whatever they do around, or, uh, whatever, whatever the duties are, you're going to be the guy that stays up during the day, I'm going to be the guy that stays up during the night, and we have our sleep schedule. They get together for dinners and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, there's not a whole lot I'm going to say. It, it, it becomes something that it's very... You feel like you're you're right there with these guys. First and foremost, the way it looks is beautiful. As far as what you say with the witch, what we saw with the witch, pardon me, it's the same type of stuff. It's black and white, and it's done. It's filmed beautifully. Every shot is... You could tell the love that went into it and, and the time that went into it and what Eggers is doing here. You know, it's a great follow-up in that respect story to me isn't the same obviously it isn't on the same level as something like the witch but the presentation okay. is great and the isolation and the paranoia uh, of these two men and what happens between them and that that's really all I'm, i don't want to give anything away at all okay. i just i don't know what the trailer shows i don't know who watches the trailers i will say that there is something afoot here obviously it's a film <laughs> uh, but there's something <laughs> afoot here that i consider it horror I don't, Ooh, okay. I thought going into it, it wasn't going to be horror, but watching it, I was like, yeah, you know what? Of course this is horror. What, what, the, what, what's, what the hell is this all about? What else are you going to call that? So to me, it worked. There are some people that may like it more than the witch. I don't know because it's very dialogue heavy and it is very slow. Like my wife was bored by it. So oh. hmm. yeah, my daughter fell asleep during it. I oh, wow. Not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was in on it, though. I was in for the ride. I felt the isolation they felt. I f there was this thing going on with the, with um, for the, uh, a, a, a great duration of the film, maybe the entire third act, where you hear this um, emergency horn going off that, from the lighthouse. And that just adds to the feel, the atmosphere of the film. That, that's the word I'm looking for. The atmosphere of the film is, is something that's either going to take you in or it's not. I think it's a, it's a movie that's almost best watched alone and taken as Ooh. an experience. But he still has it, man. Eggers hasn't, Eggers hasn't dropped off or anything. I don't like love it as much as I, I love The Witch or anything like that. But I'll be damned if it's not going to end up in my, you know, my, my top films of the year. So, oh, wow. I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. Davesy, you got me pumped to, to see that. I can't wait. And I will see it alone, just like I do pretty much everything. So, nice. uh, yeah, you're all right, right man. Uh, I really yeah, nine out of ten. Oh, I'm sure I will, dude. Rob Eggers is like, I, I, I don't care if he's making a romantic comedy. I'm sure it's probably going to be good. So, <laughs> oh, well, all right, everybody. That does it for our mini review recaps for the month of October 2019. Davesy, bring us into them party favors, my friend. All right. Now, first thing going on is from a television show. Well, not television, but I don't know. Do you call it television when something's streaming uh, hmm. uh, on, is a, on Hulu as an ongoing This program? is a tricky one. This is a, yeah, I I guess I would say it's a, would you say it might be accurate that it's a streaming movie series rather than, say, an episodic show? I, yeah. I this is, It kind of defies easy description because there are, this isn't a thing that normally happens with Hulu's Into the Dark's, uh, you know, series. It's kind of strange. It's different films. There is a central theme, but it's streaming, so it's not technically like uh, I'm at a loss, Dave Z. 
I am too, especially with this one. And I have not seen any of them. I have not seen any of these Into the Darks. And I know that some people were high on some of them last year. And I, yeah. I think I even heard a few year-end shows where people included some episodes. Because they're considered movies, I suppose. Uh, yes, they, they are movie length, man. I see, I've seen one of them. And it, it's, a, it's a movie. These are movies, man. These aren't episodes... Of a, of a of an ongoing show that are like say you know 50 minutes or, or even maybe an hour even these are hour and a half long movies man yes so I guess they count yeah well okay Let, let's now that we've settled that kind of uh, Pilgrim <laughs> <laughs> Pilgrim is the uh, it came out on the first on Hulu I don't know if they always come out on the first of the month but I know every month they have a new horror related uh, specifically for that month type of program I I, I tell you, see, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was about to say I almost want to start a podcast where I just watch those freaking Into the Darks <laughs> and, and review each one. But see, see, this oh, is, I was just Z. bitching to Mr. Watson here before the show that these podcasts freaking are causing me anxiety. And this is why, because I get to all these crazy ideas. My, It's like my mind writes writes uh, checks that my body can't cash. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's because it's damn mind of mine. I won't stop moving. Anyway. Um, <laughs> this one is called Pilgrim. It's, it's, it's the uh, episode or the movie, pardon me, for the month. A woman invites reenactors to produce an authentic first Thanksgiving for her family and friends. However, things take an unexpected turn when the actors refuse to break character. Hmm. Now, uh, Interesting. I know, like I said, and like you know, and like our listeners most likely know, they have a new one of these every month. Uh, I also know that I don't recall us mentioning any of them before. But this one has been getting a lot of buzz. I've heard a lot of people coming in kind of high on this one. So I, I thought it worth the mention for certain. It's got a 5.7 out of 10 on the B. So that's good. I'm not yeah. going to judge it by the poster art because with, with, a, with a streaming program, it doesn't really... It's right. It's you, you get what I'm saying. When something's streaming, it doesn't... It's not the same as like... You want something's just made for v- a regular VOD or, or to the theater? You get what I mean? Sure. Or no? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, my friend. Okay, it, it's hard to put into words, but it just seems like it's like the rules don't apply to that. I don't, I can't say why, but they just don't. I don't know. Either way, uh, <laughs> Pilgrim. Have you seen this one? I know it's it's been out since the first. I don't. Even, do you even have Hulu? I, I don't have Hulu and I have not seen this, no. But look look who's directing it. It's Marcus Dunstan. And yeah. I did note this when, because uh, right now, folks, we're doing something we haven't done in a while. And we're actually, we're back to using uh, the realqueenofhorror.com's uh, list, yes. which we haven't been able to do because we're oftentimes our, uh, she didn't put one out for October and we recorded before she put her list out in September. So we've been missing the queen. And so, you know, and, and uh, we, we've talked to the queen and, you know, she likes us and we like her. So it's good to be able to use her list again. But I'll, t- I'll tell you what, when when you sent me that, hey, we're, we're going to use this list. I was like, oh, sweet. Good to be back with the queen. But, yep. dude, I didn't realize that Marcus Dunstan is the director of this and, you know, I mean, he's written, he, you know, he's more known for his writing, his writing. You know, he's did the the collect the collector, the collection, the upcoming collected. He did a bunch of the Saw movies and Dave Z of note, my friend. He it says here on IMDb, if you click on it, the, the thing that's in pre-production is called Halloween Retold. I don't know if this is a short film or what it is, but listen to this synopsis that he, he's going to be doing. This guy who did the uh, Pilgrim here. Halloween Retold will pick up directly where the original 78 classic ended and retell the story of Michael Myers following that fateful night. I don't know if this is a short fan film. I don't know if this is, you know, going to be after 
David Gordon Green and Danny McBride do their trilogy and and then peace out and then you know now the the whole thing's open to whomever wants to tell the new Michael Myers story uh, this sounds like it's that night still but not Halloween 2 I I don't know man uh, have you had you ever heard of this I, this is brand new to me I <laughs> wow what a discovery you just made no I have not heard of this Halloween retold in pre-production written written by Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton who yeah they're the guys who did the collected movies collection uh, that's They've got quite a pedigree, a bunch of the saws, like two, three, four, five, six, like, you know, they, they, these aren't, these aren't just amateurs here. They know what they're doing. So I don't yeah. know. I'm a little shocked. So breaking news, folks. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's great. And yeah, I, I do like Dunstan's stuff and I, I am going to watch this. I'm probably going to be, uh, have fun with it and watch it like Thanksgiving Eve or something. Pilgrim like that, here. It, okay. It fits in. I like the idea of people not breaking character and something. That's, that's cool. You know? Yeah, I dig that too. Yeah, this might be a good, uh, good Thanksgiving watch. I can only watch Blood Rage so many times every <laughs> every Thanksgiving before I'm like, okay, I, I got you, I got you. <laughs> right, right. And, and and did you see? I don't know if you're familiar with her, but the lead uh, it goes by the name of Rain Edwards, uh, a very beautiful young woman. She was from Hellfest, and she I, said yes, she was the yeah, she was the best friend. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. She, oh, she was the she was like very. Uh, very aesthetically pleasing in the aesthetically pleasing sense of the word. <laughs> well said, yes. So she's one of the uh, major reasons I will be watching it. And okay. yeah, I'm checking this one out. So we can, that's one I assure you next month when we come back, I'll be able to say something about it. Oh, very nice. Very nice. All right. That was Pilgrim. Okay. What do we cool. got next? Oh, this cover right here is interesting. It's catching my eye, Dave Z. Tell the people. Okay. Now, are you looking at the Paradise Joint here? Yes, sir. Okay. I was going to skip it, but let's talk about it. Because oh, okay. It's okay, though, because it does It does have a very interesting look. And uh, once again, I, I am always happy to talk about my girl, Emma. There's, <laughs> I, will, I will discuss her. I don't think this is horror. I basically oh, okay. uh, took some of these and, and did not. Some, on the Queen's list this time, there were a few that I didn't take just because when I looked them up on the B... They didn't really come off as horror, and it did happen sometimes. So, but sure, okay. What the hell? It's called Paradise Hills. Um, Emma Roberts is in it. It, it is a pretty uh, crazy cover. Um, a bunch of people dressed like I don't know people from mm. the past. Uh, see, I, I'm no good. Um, it's got that Elizabethan sort of uh, you know Victorian they, almost, but it's, it looks it looks sleek though, very modern and clean, all whites. And there's like, you know, whites and greens and pinks on this cover. It's very, it's very eye-catching. Indeed it is. So this is what I'll say. This is the synopsis on the Queen site here. It's limited VODs. Oh, pardon me. Limited theater slash VOD November 1st. Paradise Hills. Uh, Uma wakes up from an apparently idyllic school from young ladies. Pardon me. Four young ladies called Paradise. Meant to reform her and her new friends. But there's a darker secret behind its walls. Okay. okay. It does sound horror enough. Yeah. There was a reason I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, what was the reason? Let's see. Paradise Hills. Let's see what it says here. Fantasy sci-fi thriller TV 14. Okay. That's oh, interesting. It's got a 6.1 out of 10 at, with almost 4,000 ratings here on IMDb. That's, that's, that is pretty impressive, but it, that, could not, that might not be indicative of how the horror crowd might take it. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, see, the Queen is very detailed with a lot of things on her thing, uh, on her site when she does it, 
and there are some things that I, that I leave off. There's some sci-fi things that make their way on there, and there's some other things mm-hmm. that are kind of horror adjacent. But I I try to stick to the stuff that I know is you know is going to please all our listeners to a degree. You know what I mean? Where something like this may or may not, but hey, I'm always uh, it does sound okay, and I'm always proud to give uh, Miss Emma a shout out. So I was yeah. just watching her last Pretty night lady. on the American Horror Story. You watch that show or not? You know what? I, I've seen seasons one through four and adore it. I The only reason I ever fell off is I think around the time season five was coming out, I was like moving for like the fourth freaking time in like two years and <laughs> have just never fell back into step with it. But I'm so glad they're on Netflix because I can't wait to binge this show. I, I do I do enjoy it. And Emma Roberts, the reason I like her is because she is like everything a lady in my life always brings to the table. A small blonde girl who is uh, a little bit into that domestic abuse. Uh, from, you know, I, right. You're right. Buddy. <laughs> she's getting arrested for beating up her boyfriend. That sounds yes. like exactly the type of girl I've dated. If, if I yes. told the stories, you guys that I have, it's and I've never hit a woman. I've never. But I'll tell yeah. you what, when she's got a knife i I, all gotta do what i gotta do but uh (laughs) hey buddy (laughs) i know i i I have been chased by a woman with a knife and i still didn't hit her but believe me i I just found ways to run away but i mean (laughs) but oh when when a woman stabs herself with a knife man and says she's gonna call the cops on you for doing it your your jaw just drops emma is like that's why she Mm -hmm. she she, uh she she could be the future ex uh, mrs watson and i and i love her for it but (laughs) It's crazy actress types, but anyway, yeah. I, all that aside, just the way she approached, just personal stuff aside, she is a, a really good actress, and I do enjoy her. Um, hopefully, she's uh, stable now, and who knows what goes into those types of fights between the rich people and the things they bicker about. So I'm not making a value judgment on that people. I'm just making jokes. So Paradise Hills, it, you know, fantasy sci-fi thriller that might not be something that our audience would go toward. But if it sounds interesting to you folks, it, you know, Mila Jovovich is in it and, you know, Emma Roberts, yeah. those are two names that horror, you know, horror people are fond of. I don't know. I'd like to hear about it. It's any, if anybody watches it, tell, tell Dave Z and me, man. Yeah. And who is Aquafina? There's a person that goes by that name. A-W-K-W-A-F-I-N-A. Are you familiar with this? I think I've heard that name before, and I'm not. I can't remember which movie it was. I think she was in a remake of something recently. I gosh, I, I I clicked away, so I can't click on her IMDb page. But I feel like it was a. Uh, oh gosh, it's escaping me right now, and I don't want to take too much time with it. I feel like she was in Crazy Rich Asians or o- Ocean's Eight, or maybe one of the two. And because I do, I do know she's you know Asian, and I'm not trying to not trying to be a jerk here. My mom's Asian, so I, you know she's Filipino, so. Uh, okay, I just clicked. She was in Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians. That's how I know who she is. Heard the name. There you go. Oh, I've never yeah, heard of that good. before. I was just looking at the other people that were on it. I was uh, kind of zooming in because there's, there's a couple little crazy things going on with that poster art. So I was like, hmm. It looks very... The thing about that poster art is it's cool and it's nice to see Emma with that pink hair. But it looks I really... Oh, everything she does, I dig. It, uh, blonde or brunette or even pink. Man, and, and I'm with you. With, with the whole um, crazy female thing. I've been very attracted to them all my life and, and vice versa. So I, I'm with you. And I think you and I have a lot. could probably swap stories for hours. Oh, jeez, Dave Z. One day. Yeah, one day, right. We'll have a, a drunk um, conversation, you know. Uh, but yeah, it looks very Photoshopped, right? It looks really weird. Like if you zoom in on any of it, it just looks yes. off. I don't know if that's done on purpose. It's supposed to look silly that way or not, but... You know, it's a lot like R- Roberto Almanza told us about the difference between covers. When you when you play your cover game, there there are the t- the ones that are deliberate 
photo shoots where it's done there the lighting is designed for the cup you know for the for the shoot itself but here i mean all these pictures are probably taken separately they're not all standing there taking a picture these are they're, they're taking an image of emma putting it here this guy this guy this guy this background mila here you know so i can see why it does look a little uh too crisp and a little too uh manufactured because that's exactly what it is he uh, roberto was uh spot on there yeah yeah, it's weird. Well, either way, we I think we spent entirely too much time on this movie, you, which may we not sure be did. horror at all. But <laughs> <laughs> what do we got next, on. Dave Z? Okay, check it out. This one is coming, or pardon me, it's already on Prime right now. It was released on the 5th of November. This is VOD, yeah, but it's on Prime. And it's called Holiday Hell. Okay. Another holiday horror movie. A mysterious shopkeeper narrates four horror tales. Each set during a different holiday. Man, doesn't that sound inviting? Okay. <sighs> Sounds inviting. I, I don't think it's going to be any good. Uh, 3.9 out of 10 on the B. Only 108 people have seen it. The The cover art, to me, mm, it's it, fair to middling. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's for me, it, it, I'm going to have to wait on it. I, but I am a sucker for anthologies, and I'm a sucker for horror, horror um, holiday horror so it's, I don't think I'm going to watch it, but I don't know. We're going to look at other movies on this list that I, that I, I think I'm going to be personally more interested in seeing this if I had to choose, you know? Sure. I think the one aspect of the cover that is clever, folks, is that, you know, you, you've got, you know, what the, what the cover is, you know, this present with a bloody axe inside the present, you know, and it's it's open and you can see what's inside. But the, the, the actual word holiday and then the actual word hell the word holiday carries within it the, I guess you could say, the four holidays that this film is likely going to highlight. The O is like a heart to indicate Valentine's Day. The I in holiday is a knife, probably Thanksgiving, I'm guessing. The A at the end of holiday is a Christmas tree, and the Y is a menorah. So, you know, we've got... Uh, we got mm -hmm. something that uh, your your co-host on Exploding Heads would enjoy in the what, you know the, the Jewish the Jewish celebrations of Hanukkah, and so I, I'm guessing it's going to highlight those four holidays. So that is clever in itself from a creative standpoint. But with that 3.9, Dave Z, ah, gosh, I don't know, buddy. Yeah, I don't know either. Especially when it's only a hundred, and usually the high ones come first. Mm -hmm. You Definitely. know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get drunk on Christmas Eve or something and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you know yeah i might do that i'm i'm trying to make the holidays more fun and i guess uh, maybe that could help <laughs> right, i dig already, it man i'm already cursing the holidays okay i better stop okay down <laughs> the list we go uh the next one we have here is ghost in the graveyard november 5th again bod okay ghost in the graveyard i have not heard of this one See, it's weird because it's November 5th and, you know, truth be told, here we are on November 17th. So it, yeah. it's odd <laughs> to not hear anybody speaking of it. So actually, it's kind of cool because now people may be hearing it from us. For the first well, that's time. what I love about this segment that so much, Dave Z, is when you at first when you brought it up, you know, hey, the monthly releases at first, I thought, oh, gosh, like, you know, we're going to be pressured to have to be sure no matter what we get it out the beginning of every month. But man, so many times, so many people like don't even hear about these movies unless they're deliberately going out to look. But 
you know, like just clicking all the different links and doing these things, but things fall through the cracks, man. So it, this, this, this segment's so great in that we can release this on the last day of the month and people could still listen to the November releases and go, Hey, I missed that. Oh, I didn't hear about that one. That one sounds good. Didn't catch that. So this is great. And Dave Z, I've never heard of this either. Yeah. Weird. Uh, check it out though. Action, drama, horror, romance, thriller. <laughs> what? They're covering a lot there, but horror's okay. in there. So horror and thriller <laughs> that, you know what? Yeah, we, we should talk about it. Uh, the okay. town of Mount Moriah comes under the thumb of Martha, a ghost who comes back to haunt the teens who witnessed her death as children during a game of Ghost in the Graveyard. Wait a minute. They witnessed her death as children during a game. So did they witness her death during the game? Or they witnessed her death and she's haunting them during the game? Hmm. <laughs> Dave Z, the, that, that, you know what? The, 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 it's <laughs> these commas... Don't mm -hmm. clarify that at all. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. I'm feeling you. I got to tell you, I I don't like the look of the cover. Uh, I've seen it. There are some positives to it. The stuff that you see on her hand, it, it's kind of funky. That's cool. I've just seen this some things that look like this too many times. I'm tired of seeing a hand covering a mouth on a horror cover. And I'm tired of seeing what looks like maybe a nun. I don't know because of that white thing above her face and her head and... and the, the font on Ghost in the Graveyard, it's kind of a popular font, but I don't know. As far as the particulars, 4.9 out of 10, 877 ratings. I don't right. know. What do you think? I'll tell you the one thing that catches me about this, you know, having just, you know, well, two things. First off, Jake Busey's in it. Mm -hmm, and of course, you know, I, you know, my, you know, about my love of the Frighteners. And so, but I recently became friends with, so when we did our Starry Eyes episode, which was episode five, was it five? Starry Eyes? Uh, what that, episode is this? That was five. That was episode five. This is seven. Uh, this was, uh, yeah. So when we did episode five of the show, we did Starry Eyes. And so, you know, we like like we were talking about earlier, we post, our, we tend to post our episodes when they drop in here, you know, in the Watsy Facebook page, in the Exploding Heads Facebook page. And then I usually make an exception uh, and go for the Dark Discussions Facebook page because, you know, I have a relationship with them. And so it's just those three pages really where we'll post our stuff. And a friend of the Dark Discussions podcast is a lady, an actress named Marielle Olson, who was in Starry Eyes. In fact, they interviewed her when Starry Eyes was brand new. She was the director's assistant who was like the casting woman who like appeared out of nowhere in the bathroom while she's yanking her hair out. Do you remember that? Of course I do. I know who she is. Yeah. Olivia Olson. Yeah. Or Oh, Maria Olson. Yeah. And so she is the witch in this. Well, let me just tell you, she actually, I guess, I don't know if she heard the episode yet, but uh, when Phil from Dark Discussions, the, you know, the host there was like, Maria, you, you know, tagged her, you got to check this episode out. And she said, oh, she would. And then she immediately friended me and, uh, you know, thanked us for, you know, I think like, devoting time to checking out her movie and she'd try to get to the episode when she could. And so I was just really tickled by that. And she's the witch. She's titled the witch in this movie here. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, yep. I didn't see that. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, me neither. Oh, I'm just scrolling wow. down. I was looking at, I was too busy looking at um, Kelly Bergland and Olivia Larson. I, I didn't get, where is she? Oh, okay. Maria Olsen. Now I see her. Okay. Yep. Witch. And she, and she is a cool lady. She, yeah. Wait, she was also the witch in, she was credited as the witch in. In this movie Starry here, Eyes? Goes in the Graveyard. Oh, no, no, no. In Starry Eyes, okay. she's that, that assist, she's credited as the witch capital pronoun there in this movie here so i think okay. she's our bad in, in ghost in the graveyard that could even be her on the cover it doesn't look like her but i i, I don't i don't know <laughs> yeah you know she was in paranormal activity three hmm wow she was 
Yeah. Brief part, creepy lady. So it's hard to say. Oh, I think I remember. Okay. I know who that is when they go across the street to the house. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or, hmm. Well, whatever. I, I don't want to go down that. that yeah, yeah. Hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's worse choices you can make this month than this one. So hard to say. I don't know. Jake Busey. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you said, Maria Olsen and uh, these two girls. Um, yeah. Oh, one might actually be a girl, so I better watch what I'm actually saying when I say girl. Olivia Larson. Um, gotcha. She might be too young to, to be saying anything about. Who knows? You just don't know. You know, and it's, that's the thing. They don't say the ages on the B half the time. So you see a no, picture, you don't. look, and you're like, well, I don't know. She could be 19, 20, but then again, she could be 16. You don't know. That's Dude, years back, I had a 17-year-old buy me a beer in a bar, and... Yeah, that ever since then, man, I'm paranoid as all get out. It was a college bar. I mean, like, I don't know how she even got in there, how she bought a drink. It, it was it was insane. We played pool and then her sister yelled at me to get away from her and we didn't even touch. And I'm just like, what? Like, I didn't do it. I, she, then she's ushering around. I find out later she's still in high school. I'm like, hey, thank God someone intervened, though. <laughs> thank God. Right. <laughs> but I got a free beer out of it, man. No. Got a free beer out of it, my friend, and I'm, that's, that's all I'm saying. That was like where I was, you, that makes me happy. A, a, a free beer or free whiskey is the the way to my heart. Um, for, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I'm just saying that. Yeah, I mean, and she she looked 24 to me, man. I, I don't know. I'm not. I may not even include that part in the episode, or I just might as a as a fun uh, aside. So, Dave Z, what man. what do we got? Uh, what do we got next? Before I go to next, I'm going to tell you that oh. I 100% am skipping this movie. I was only half-assed doing what I usually do. As soon as I went to the rating section, the user reviews, and I started seeing one, 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 two, 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 oh. three. Oh, tell it, yeah. I, I, okay. I'm pulling out quick. So yeah, sounds good. Okay, the next movie, <laughs> the next movie here is a movie called Prey. P. Oh yeah. Y. We this talked about is, this a little bit, Dave Z, I think, before. Is it getting a physical release now? Did we? I apologize, and I'm going to skip it. Yes, DVD okay. on November 5th. Yeah, so we have talked about it. If that's the case, we could go right All by right. itself. Cool. You got a better memory than I do. Wonderful. Okay, <laughs> how about this one? Reborn. I cannot believe we have not heard about this one, considering that it's on Shudder, November 7th. Reborn. Um, hey, my son's birthday, yeah. Whose birthday? My son's. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, he, he was reborn that day. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> I think I should have watched it. Uh, a legend covert soldier with a mysterious past now decides to once again unleash his beast inside of him to stand up for what he cares about. Interesting grammar. Uh, yeah, not, right. Not, yeah, not, not such an interesting cover. Um, reborn. Maybe I'm wrong. Barbara Crampton. Uh, okay. Four out of oh, ten on the okay. B. Michael Paré. So, Dave uh, Z, I'm going to tell you this. I was going through Shudder one night, and I start, I just, you know, I have insomnia, like clinical insomnia, folks. Not like, I stay up past midnight sometimes. I have insomnia. No, I, it, it's a pervasive condition in my life. But I'll tell you what. One night around 3 a.m., I put this on. And I got about 10 minutes in and fell asleep. So I, I'm not not because of the movie. It was an action. You know, it, this guy was going around killing a bunch of these SWAT people. And that was all I really caught. I didn't even see Barbara Crampton yet. So that's that's my experience with this movie so far. I don't really remember a thing about it. But yeah, so I, I did know about this. I just randomly finding it on Shudder. Just, oh, what's this? Click. Hmm. 
it's yeah. weird. Usually when something's on Shutter, we hear about it right away. So it's weird that one sneaks under the radar. But well, it didn't seem horror to me. That it was. Didn't want? I mean, it, maybe it goes that way later, but it just seemed like an action flick. And and, and Shutter does have those too. It has sometimes, you know, just goes. It might just be a dark action flick. You know what I mean? Kind of bloody. Right, but the, the, it only goes under horror on the B. It's oh, the only okay. Category. So. I don't know, but I, I'll tell you a little bit about it. A stillborn baby girl is abducted by a morgue attendant and brought back to life by electrokinetic power. On her 16th what? birthday, she escapes captivity and sets out to find her birth mother, leaving a trail of destruction behind her. Wait a minute. We're talking about two different movies right now, Davesy. Oh. There is a movie called Reborn with that plot, and what you're talking about right now, I have seen that cover, but this one is like a martial arts action movie you know, the, you read the synopsis uh, just a second ago. Yeah, like, uh, you know, the the covert soldier with a mysterious past, you know, is going to, you know, come, in, come out of retirement to do some killing. This movie you're talking about is something else. You are right. This one that's on Shudder was made in 2016 and just came here now. Oh, I okay. apologize. You know what I did? I did the search and I see 2018 and think, okay, that's the closest one. There's another one from 18 that was a comedy or something. So if yep. you scroll down a little bit, you see, because there's a colon in there. There's a re, R-E colon. Born. Space born. That's how you, I just typed that now. And yeah, this one says action, crime, drama. And Shudder will do that sometimes where it'll have like Kung Fu Killer and you can watch Donnie Yen beat ass, but it's not horror. And so Shudder has those. And I think this is another one of those. The one you're talking about though with with Barbara Crampton, um, that is right. That does ring a bell, and I, I have been wanting to see that one. What? <laughs> but I, I don't think. When did that one come out? Even. Well, let me go back to that. It says 2018. So. Oh. Let's uh. see. Barbara Crampton. It's on Prime for four dollars to rent. And uh, when did it come out? I'm, I'm slightly curious about it. Um, <laughs> October third. Oh, that was AU. Let's see. Did it come out in the states? Is it even out in the states yet? <laughs> Imagine if it wasn't. Let's see. Yeah. Right. All right, listeners, this is some great stuff you're listening to. Uh, United <laughs> States uh, Horror Film Festival, October 25th, 2019. So I think... It's coming. Oh, wait. United States, September 19th. Pardon me. September 17th. Streaming platforms. So this does count as a 2019 movie, and there's a horror movie called Reborn. So I just might have accidentally stumbled upon something which might be watchable. I don't know. <laughs> because it's okay. funny, though. As soon as I clicked on the, you know, the picture of the cover art, it was different than the other one because the other one looked like an Asian man yeah. or something. And I clicked yep. on this and it's just this red thing in this door and this, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Interesting. Sorry. Okay. Sorry for the confusion, everybody, but maybe, just maybe, this Reborn movie, this other one is good and maybe that other one is good too, but it's not necessarily horror at all. I, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, look at That's this. That's what Ray it sounds Dong like. Chong is in it. Huh, haven't seen her in a, quite a while. So yeah, um, I, I guess we can skip Reborn and All whatever, right. guys. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay, now, 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 now. Now mm. we get to talk about this movie called Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, November eighth, two thousand nineteen, in theaters. Years following the the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance meets a young girl with similar powers as he tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. How about that? Yeah. Hmm. The True Knot. I never read a synopsis. I never did a thing. I wasn't even going to see it at first until I saw the poster. 
And then all of a sudden, it kind of woke me up. I was like, you know what? All right. Now you've caught my attention. I talk about this, maybe not in depth, but I go in deeper on it is why I was going to skip it. If you listen to um, the Fresh Cuts episode that I guest starred on last week. so I'm, I'm I just downloaded that, Dave Z, because I saw this two nights ago. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So I haven't so, heard the show yet, but it, okay. it's geared up for my tomorrow. You know, I have t- tomorrow off work, so I'm going to do chores, and that's going to be my uh, like one of my first things I listen to. Awesome. Okay, yeah. I, I do talk about why I had I had a bit of an aversion to it. But that, that's another show. I won't bore the listeners with the same story. But yeah, when I see the true not <laughs> spelled out, T-R-U-E dash K-N-O-T, I didn't think that at all. I thought it was just some weird name, like... Uh, T-R-U-N-U-A-T. It was just some weird name. Oh. The True Knots. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought until I just read that there. So I was like, hmm. But I didn't know anything about growth powers. I didn't know it was going to be a crew. I knew nothing. And, you know, I apologize if someone's listening and they don't need synopsis. But then again, that's what we do here. So you have to. Explain. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, maybe we can dive into it a little bit next month. You want to do it now? Well, what do you think? Should we wait until next month and get it in our mini review recaps? Or do you want to just like go into it now? I think we should we should stick to the precedent and do it the next Let's do it. for the, the recaps. You know? All right. Sounds good that, to me, that, man. That's what we always do. Why change now? That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Okay. I, I agree. Yep. Let's let's do that. I, I do got to say, though, I was really happy that I, I went to go see this because I did a Shining mm. Uh, I watched The Shining and then I zipped right over to my theater two minutes down the road and caught Dr. Sleep just in time. A great double feature, especially to see back and back. Folks, if you're on the fence about checking out Dr. Sleep, which I guess nobody went to go see the damn movie, do, do, see, the, see the flick and do a double feature and you're going to see shots like Flanagan. I, man, I, 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 I'm not going to get into a review of it, but just from a filmmaking standpoint only, you know, how can you how can you do a sequel to The Shining after all these years? Well, King knocked it out of the park with the book. And I'm just going to go ahead and say that after all those years, and I do think that Flanagan took uh, well, King's work and Flan- uh, and uh, and Kubrick's and also did his own version of knocking it out of the park as well. Check it out for yourself. And I think that's all we'll say on that, unless you have any last things you want to say before we move on to the next movie, Dave Z. No, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be too late by the time the people hear this to go see it at the theater, probably. It didn't that is money, true. It should have. I saw it twice, so I did my part. Oh. And, yeah. As a matter of fact, my whole family saw it twice. We saw it on Thursday, then we went again on Tuesday, all three of us. So, you know. Oh, very good. Say, I, we all quite enjoyed it, and I'm very glad I've seen it. So, that's Dr. Ah, Sleep. Excellent. Check it out if you still can. If you can get somewhere and you can see it, just go. Just go. You agree, right? Oh, baby, do I ever. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Now, moving on, moving on. Uh, here is another one that I did hear a lot about. I think I heard a lot prior. I just watched it the other day uh, again. Now, maybe we talked about this before and it's just coming to format now. If so, mm-hmm. go ahead and tell me like you did for the other movie. But okay. this one is Bliss. Have we talked about Bliss before? I talked about it, but you did not. Okay, but... We didn't talk about it on the on the releases because it's just coming to DVD now. I want to say it probably came out to VOD earlier this year because it seems like it's yes. been out for a little we, bit. No? We talked about it on the, I think, as the September VOD release. Okay. And then on October, on the October episode, I talked about my take on it. But I think that the fact that it's getting its physical release now in November and you saw it for October, you can either... Talk about it now or wait till next show to talk about it uh, as a November release. How, how do you want to approach it? 
Yeah, I'll wait. I'll do it. I'll do the same thing. I'll wait till next show. Okay. To talk about it. All right. So, Good. I just I just didn't want to cover it as a, you know what I mean? We, yes, we don't want we, to cover. We did talk the, about it. We don't want to have party favors have, having repeats. You know what I mean? I mean, it's okay yep. to say something in passing. Like I probably should have said, you know, uh, 47 meters down is dropping on November 12th on DVD or did uncaged. You know what I mean? Something yeah, like that. I true. know we've done that before. We've talked about something yes, on VOD and then later on. That's okay to, for in passing, but we don't want to repeat ourselves. I mean, shit, no. we talk enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's bliss, <laughs> so folks. So next, The Lodge. The Lodge. Here's one I've been hearing a lot of hype about. Same here. I don't know a oh, thing about it, dude. I don't know a thing about it either. I know that today is the 17th and it came out on the 15th. Oh, oh. whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me. Looks like no wonder Tell I it. haven't heard anything. It's been pushed. It's been pushed. Release date, February 7th, 2020 now on the B. So oh. now the Queen says theaters November 15th. So there is okay, a, a okay. major discrepancy. Hmm. Yeah. Now, Sorry. <laughs> Jason Lloyd, I think, has seen this. Our, our Horophilia Network head leader, I think he saw this at um, what? What is the what is the the one? I think Fantastic Fest. I think he saw this at. Okay. Or where? Excuse my grammar. Where he saw this? Jeez. <laughs> yes, he he. Okay, he does go to Fantastic Fest every year, so it's quite possible. Okay, well, we won't have to say anything because apparently, uh, it's been bumped. It's February seventh, and when I click on the thing, there's no show times yet, so. I know it's not playing anymore. So well, that's a shame. Isn't this a Christmas themed movie? Or no? Maybe a winter themed? Well, there's a snowflake on the cover, so that's something. Yeah. I mean Okay, well. Yeah, it looks like it. Well shoot. I was really hoping to I was really hoping to see this. Oh buddy. Isn't that isn't that just the weirdest thing when that happens though? Like mm -hmm. like when the Halloween movies come out in August and stuff? Like what yeah. are you doing? You know what happened? I remember with the Black Coat's daughter when it was still called February. I caught mm. it in uh, at the Seattle International Film Festival in the theater, and then I was told that okay, it was, this was when I had only done two episodes of Horror Corridor. I catch that movie, and so I'm gonna make episode three about demonic possession, and I'm gonna end it all with February, which then got changed to the Black Coat's daughter. And then so I'm like, all right, it's coming out on this date. I'm gonna coincide the release of my third episode with this date, and it wound up not not coming out till the next year, and so. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was getting a bunch of shit yeah. from people like, did you pirate the movie? How'd you pirate it? I'm like, I saw it at a film festival. Oh, sure you did. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. There's so many yeah. ways you could see it. And there's so many people that we talk to in the community that <laughs> people always assume it's pirates when a lot of people get screeners on top of it. Yeah. You get screeners on their computer sent to you through emails from companies. And, and, and sometimes Jason gets thumbs things. It's not, if we talk about something on a podcast, I mean, that's, that's what they're putting stuff out there for. So yep. to get word of it, I'm not. We're not. I'm not saying we're anybody important in the grand scheme of things. But I'm saying if regular Joe just sits down and watches the movie and doesn't tell anybody anybody about it except maybe a friend at work, then yes, that's just straight piracy. But if if we mm -hmm. could see something and we get it and we can review and talk about it and and say you know give it some publicity, whether it be you know. They say there's no such thing as bad publicity. So, I mean, especially in, in film. I mean, we could sit here and say a movie's terrible, but we could also say the synopsis and say, talk about a person that's in it or an aspect of the film or something that someone listening is going to latch onto and say, well, I'm not necessarily trusting these two guys. I'm going to watch the movie because I'm a horror fan. I like something that they yeah. said. So, anyway, I don't mean yep. to get on a, on a tangent there. But it's like, no, I'm there with you, buddy. Don't accuse me. 
uh, of piracy. You know how hard it is to pirate these days too? Like those torrent sites and all that stuff. I'm not gonna say I've never done it because I have, I have in the past. There's no question I have, but I've also have talked about things and it's also, usually it's been when there's nowhere else to get it. Like right now, that movie Rabid, nobody can see it. You know, you cannot see this movie Rabid and there's oh, really? no release date for it or any of that stuff. But I know a lot of people that are watching it. I know they're, it, it, it's being passed around somehow. But Oh, wow. I haven't seen it yet, obviously. But I, yeah, I didn't know that it was relatively unavailable. That's crazy. It is, and a lot of people are seeing it, and there's nothing on the horizon for release date. It's from the, the, the Soska sisters, and, you know, it's the remake of Cronenberg's movie, and a lot of people yep. are talking about it. Now, I know people are torrenting it, but yeah. these days, it's not what it used to be. The The United States or whoever, they did they cracked down on what's going on with those torrent sites. A lot of them are shut down, and to do it at all, you're really risking your computer to a lot of stuff. So, oh, absolutely. Even if I don't don't do, torrent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Even if I wanted to torrent, these days, I just don't. It's just it's out of hand. So I'll get yeah, there are okay. there are streaming sites you can use that you don't have to torrent or download anything. You can just like hit play, kind of like YouTube. But they they go those things go in and out, and you never know what's gonna still exist in a week. It's pretty crazy. But yeah, <laughs> yeah anyways, mm-hmm. uh, so that was the lodge, and I guess uh, that's doesn't count as a as a November release. Sadly, that's a bummer. No. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it uh, in February or before. We'll see what happens. We sure will. What do we got next, Dave Z? All right. Next is The Shed. This one, 2019, it's a drama horror. This movie is uh, release date of November 15th, VOD. Haven't heard anything about this one either, so... Okay. No, me neither. Yeah. Um, you can rent it right now on Prime. Uh, Stan lives with his abusive grandfather and tries to protect his best friend from high school bullies. When he discovers a murderous creature has taken refuge inside his tool shed, he tries to battle the demon alone until his bullied friend discovers the creature and has a far more sinister plan. Hmm. Feed me, Simo. Feed me all night long. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's coming to mind. Yes, you can do it. Feed yep. me, Simo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting my blues voice that. out because I coming out coming off this cold. So yeah, no. Uh, what, what do you think, Dave Z? I'm seeing a 3.9 out of 10 on the B here with 145 uh, ratings. <sighs> well, I don't like the cover necessarily. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be good. <laughs> I know that sounds very basic. I don't like the cover. I don't think it's gonna be good. I sound really ignorant, don't I? Um, <laughs> but. I'm just shooting from the hip. By the look of this and from the executive producer of the Saw franchise, which means literally nothing except uh, he had more money than I did and he and he invested into the Saw, something in the Saw franchise. <laughs> That's literally, that is what that means. You and I can be executive producers of anything right now that that, that we can contribute to and, and be in an independent film in its credits. Yeah, I mean, that's what GoFundMe and all that stuff is for. That is true. Anybody can do it. So it's not necessarily a bad cover. It just doesn't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think I want to see it. <laughs> cool. I'm yeah. being very dismissive, I know. Uh, maybe it could be interesting. He lives with his abuse, abusive grandfather and protects his best friend from high school bullies. So I see the aspect of, I'm guessing they're going to find this thing in a shed and they're going to say, hey, let's sick this on our bullies and, yeah. and our grandfathers and kill them something yep that's yeah that's why i'm thinking that's why i was getting that little shop of horrors vibe probably minus the music and the comedy but <laughs> yeah hmm right exactly dude, dude i haven't seen little shop and horror of uh, horrors since 
I was a kid, so I generally did forget the plot of it. I remember Feed Me Seymour, I remember Steve yeah. Martin, the dentist, and of course I remember the Audrey 2 creature, but to know anything about the plot, nope, not one bit. So, it's about revenge on bullies, huh? I guess so. <laughs> no, well, I'm you asking know, you about Little Shop Oh, it, it, does, it does sound, it does sound, oh, oh no, that's just about feeding a plant, uh, it, it needs uh, humans to survive. Okay. And so that yeah, the, the Rick Moranis has to resort to some murder to to feed this plant, and that's what it sounds like might be going on here. Might be luring uh, these bullies over to the shed. Hey, go in there and check out what's in that thing. No, don't go in there. That's where I keep my thing. I like. Oh, I'm gonna go in there and destroy the thing you like. Oh no, a monster. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can dig it. Well, but I don't. I don't think, I don't think you're being this. dismissive, Dave Z. And I'll just say, there's only so many hours in the day, so many days in the month, so many movies you can fit in. You got to make room for the things you can get to and you want to get to. And you know, if this isn't it, that's okay. That's just not it. Are you? I, I don't know. What's your take? Are you seeing something that I don't? Do you see see something no. that promising here? No. It, this this is probably won't be on my list at all, unless all right. somebody convinces me. Yeah, wait and uh, wa nobody wait and Z. watch it. I, yeah, yeah, wait and Z. I have a feeling the only people in the world that'll watch it will be uh, Mark Nato and uh, Mr. Venom. And yep. um, they'll probably both not like it. And I'll say, yeah, should have listened to me. Or us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're listening, but I got to say that. Because I know that they'll, they'll watch just about anything that comes out. Yeah, they God listen, they them. listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God bless them. They. You know, they're also fighting the good fight for horror. So can't not. That they are. Okay, next on the list, The Divine Fury, action horror thriller. Jason this Lloyd's one... been talking about this. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Jason and Mark Nato. You just mentioned Mark Nato. He's been talking about this, too. Really? Why don't I have yeah. this written down? Or maybe I do have it in my watch list, and I just forgot about it. Okay. So, DVD, November 19th, after waking up with, a mysteri with mysterious wounds on his hands, a champion fighter finds himself in an otherworldly battle against evil forces that wreak havoc in the human world. Okay, so what have you heard about this? It seemed like I think Mark Nato really liked it. If I remember correctly, it had something like, I'm, I, you know, I'm hearing those wounds on his hands, and I think he's like a, if I remember correctly, the lead character, you know, I was, I was in a thread yesterday where Mark Nato, I think, was talking about this movie and about how he enjoyed it, and I think it has something to do with this guy, this fighter in this movie just lost his faith, and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing his fighting, kicking ass, taking names and doing all that. I think in the ring, maybe MMA, I think. And then, you know, what I'm, I'm seeing these mysterious wounds on his hands. I'm thinking stigmata, you know, to mirror the wounds of Christ. And maybe he's going to find his faith again by fighting demons or something like that. Okay. That's just an impre well, my impression, man. No, I can dig it. This guy is also in that movie Parasite that, that people are talking about that recently came out. Uh, if you're talking okay. about the lead, that is. Uh, yes. CO June Park. I don't know if that's you know, what we're talking about. Yeah, I think so. And let me let me just tell you something. Uh, the, my the last remodel I was doing for work was for this elderly uh, Korean couple, South Korean couple. They they were so nice that the as I'm leaving, uh, they 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 were watching some Korean movie, and she made a joke. Oh, you know, I'm sorry, we're watching this movie you can't understand. I'm like, oh no, I was like, I watch a lot of South Korean movies, and then I wound up like spending about a half hour talking with them about different Korean movies and 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 that we watch, and they knew all about Train to Busan, and and but where she was a little scared to see it, and he wanted to see it, and this is just this you know nice old Korean couple, and it was great. So he wrote me down a list of movies I've got to see, and he said that this actor here is like a heartthrob over in Korea. Hmm. Yeah, if I, I think I think that's the name. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
there's nothing really to say except what I said about the description here. It's two hours yep. and nine minutes. No big surprise there, knowing where, where it's coming from. Good rating. 6.2 out of 10. Okay. Know, almost 800 ratings. Interesting. Hmm. I, I I will see this. I will see this one. You know what? So will I, man. Oh, you know what? The the, the B has a slightly different and just one sentence, uh, one <laughs> sentence synopsis here. An MMA fighter helps an exorcist fight evil. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh. That's all we got. Okay. Then below we got a long one, which is probably just full of spoilers. Oh, I see that. Yeah, I'm not going to read that. Okay. No, yeah. I'm not going to either. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy knowing what I know, the recommendations that we, we've heard, the ratings, just a few of these pictures uh, on the front here, uh, on the B with all that blue and white lighting that looks really pretty. And I see that. Yeah, a beautiful okay. cinematography is the headline and the only user review I see before clicking on them. So, yes, uh, this is going on my list. Divine Fury. Nothing about... Now, this was supposed to come out on the the 19th, and today is the 17th. So, oh. let's see what happens in a couple days. Maybe it's just going to pop up somewhere, whatever. At least, okay. at least to, to rent, you know? So, as soon as we get off here, that's going right on my letterboxed wish list. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't really care about the, the cover being kind of ordinary, especially when it comes to foreign movies. That's another instance where it's kind of, I don't know, all bets are kind of off, I think. I don't know. It's weird. I, I know I have these weird, you know, idiosyncratic friggin' rules when it comes to these box covers, but it, what can I say? <laughs> it, it's worked for me so far, I think. So. Yeah. What are you going to do? Okay. <laughs> so that's that. I think we only have one more left. And All right, tell end. it, buddy. Yeah, uh, and well, it chapter two is being released. Uh, wait a minute, it's being released also on November nineteenth. So I can promise you, people, I will run right out on the nineteenth and get it. I am really looking forward to watching it again. Okay, the last one here is Necrotronic. The speed is Necrotronic. Remember that song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we talked about this uh, for its VOD release, I think, in September. And then on October, I believe it was, or maybe it was on September, I gave a quick little review of it. it it's 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 a, lo it's a lot of fun. It, it's okay. It's okay. It looks very sci-fi-ish by these pictures. It is. Yeah. And Monica Bellucci's over the top. And uh, it, it's just this kind of fun sort of Ghostbusters meets the Matrix light. Uh, it, it's okay. It's a, I think I gave it like a 7.5 or like a 7 to 7.5, somewhere in that neighborhood. Not great, but pretty... Pretty, pretty entertaining. Okay. Would you consider it a horror at all, or is it just like it's, a it's horror movie? action because it's all about demons and capturing demons and things like that that are sort of wreaking havoc via the internet and kind of that's their medium of travel. And it's it's fun. It's but uh, horror not for scares, but just more for imagery because it's really bloody. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. I don't know yeah. if I'll watch it. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if again. you'd like it, Dave Z. I think you, you'd probably give it a six at best. Okay. That's fair. I won't watch. I mean, that's it. at there's best. No, like if <laughs> no, it's not bad. But there's barely enough time for me to 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 watch the horror movies that I'm putting on my watch list as is. Where to me, uh, January is the month that's a free for all where I will watch anything, things that I've taught heard about for the past year. Like that, I'll watch that movie, the the new Joker movie, in January. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people are loving it, but it's not horror, and I'm dedicating myself to horror for eleven months out of the year. So when January yep. rolls around, I watch things I love for the hell of it. I watch movies that aren't horror that I would like to see. And it's just January is my month to, to do that stuff. So, Dude, maybe. I think you're going to like Joker. I just I just saw it uh, last week and I 
don't understand why people would say it's horror, but it is dark, and I can see why horror fans like it. So, all right, right on. I'm not going to take that away from anybody, but I'll tell you what, it is a good movie. Oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I still have to watch that movie. Uh, I was just talking about it earlier, um, that Freddie Mercury film. I own these movies, too. I just never get to them. You oh, know okay. What, I mean? um, what was that? Yeah, called? Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody, correct. Oh, what a fun movie. Yeah. Oh, dude, like, because I'm a queen aficionado, so I, watching the movie, and they'd be on certain sets, I'd be like, oh, wait, that's the set for the, the music video of Killer Queen, and oh, the, this is this, and yeah, I, I I love Queen, man, they're 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 fantastic. I can dig it, okay, yeah, like, I, I have a list a mile long of movies that are, are, are saved, and, uh, you know, I always say January, January, and I end up getting to, like, ten of them, <laughs> but, but I, I do the best I can, but each January, uh, it seems to be when I, when I will visit more stuff like that. At least yeah. I do that. Some, at least I, I take the time to do that. Some people never watch anything but horror, and some people watch everything, including horror. But to me, you know, I only have so many hours, so I'm dedicating it to my genre, and then I'm January, I'm doing what I do. Cool. You know, and I do know that this month also, I, I think at the end of the month, uh, and the only reason I remember this offhand is because it's on my sister's birthday on November 26th, but I do know that Ready or Not is getting, I think, a physical release then. And uh, or VOD, I think. No, it's VOD. It would, of course, it's, it was just in theaters, and it, it, yeah. So it's getting a VOD release on my sister's birthday, November twenty sixth. And Dave, I really please see that before the end of the year, man. Oh, I'll definitely see it. Not but cool. not by the end of the year, but January. Yeah. Oh, but ready or not, the horror movie. Oh, ready or not, with uh, Samara. Hello, sorry, I, I misunderstood. <laughs> ready, I, I confused ready or not with something else. Oh, gotcha. dude, yes, is it out? I don't think it's out on physical yet. I think it's coming out. This week it came out on VOD, I think maybe, and it's coming out on physical this week. I don't know. Okay, do yeah, so it's coming out in out. some format. Yeah, it's coming out in some format this month on my sister's birthday. That's the only reason I remembered it before we end the segment here, and I just wanted to yeah make sure that yeah put put people know about that and that they get on that movie before year's end because man, I had such a blast with it. I, I man, I had so much fun. It was exactly what I wanted, and you know I like it. And, you know, when obviously at the end of this episode we'll be talking about movies that. You know, some could say, oh, it goes off the rails or, or it, uh, you know, it, it, it just became too much. But sometimes if that's what you want and you get it, man, I'm down and ready or not did that for me. And maybe a movie we'll be talking about, uh, you know, in Act 3 maybe did that for me. I don't know. We'll see how that went. Mm. But uh, anyways, right. okay. um, yeah, yeah so, I'll tell you what, to be specific, ready or not is the in order. My, the second movie that I'm going to watch. So I don't know when, as soon as it comes like right now, my yes. number one for new releases is a record of sweet murder and then ready oh. or not. So this is what's left. I'll write a lot real quick record of sweet murder. And this is what is, hold on Daisy Clown before you go, what is yeah. record of sweet murder? Okay. Record of sweet murder. It's an Asian movie. And oh, okay. is this the one that, um, is the, the found footage or not? Um, I think it might be, but, uh, I heard about it from a few people. I've heard good things about it, so it's made my list. Uh, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> but I don't think it, it was available until this year here. So. Okay. But All right, read I'll off your list. Sorry, left. that one I hadn't Check heard of. What, buddy? Oh, that was one I hadn't heard of. That's why when you started off, I'm like, wait a minute. If Davesy's going to be starting off with things I haven't heard of. I got I to gotta clue in. <laughs> okay, well, check it out. I'll rattle off like the 12 or whatever I have here. Here's what's left. Record of Sweet Murder, Ready or Not, The Furies, In the Tall Grass, Harpoon, Eli, Satanic Panic, the Wrath, um, The Dead Center, Headhunter, Daniel Isn't Real, Extraordinary, although I think I'm going to remove that, uh, The Deeper You Dig, and Lose, or Luz, the movie that you and I talked about. That, yep, Lose, that, yeah. That Duncan has really been uh, 
promoting. So I I, I, I want to see it now based on what he's been saying. Yep, but I talked about it last show, and uh, I think I had it somewhere oh, like sorry, at like buddy, yes, at an eight and a half. <laughs> That's okay. You're no, I, I yeah, I think I had it like an eight point two five or eight and a half or something. I really enjoyed it, man. Such an interesting movie. Yeah, well, that's my list, and then the one that we talked about earlier that I said I was going to add, which I've already forgotten, but I'll put that on when we finish it tonight. So that, that's <laughs> okay, what I cool. Divine Catch Fury, I think, was the one you were talking about, and yeah, and I'm glad you did finally get to see the Laplace's demon. I feel like I'm screaming at the wind for people to see this movie, and I think like only like me, Duncan, and like Tim Tim Walker are the only people I'm seeing like even talking about this movie, and I'm just like, come on, people, like <laughs> check this movie out, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, I, I told Brandon to watch it. I think it's a total B type of movie. I think. He's oh, it is. It's it. so cerebral and. But yeah, folks, that's not a, a November release. So you know, sorry to sorry to have hijacked our own uh, our own segment. No. <laughs> it was a weird segment. Some of the stuff we talked about, we already talked about. Some of the stuff we talked about isn't coming out at all. So uh, <laughs> bear with <laughs> we, us, we folks. We did the best we could. Yeah, bear with <laughs> us. Thank you. I hope it was at least entertaining. Yeah, right. So, well, all right, everybody. I guess that concludes our party favor segment, which brings act one of this horror show to a close. It is now time for the Watsy Party Horror Show Horror Deep Dive segment to commence. All right, folks, we're here right now in the horror deep dive portion of the party. And this is our topic of discussion segment. This time around, Dave Z and I want to bend your ears about a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. We've talked about these things over and over in passing uh, on Horror Corda episode 13, which was my hereditary show. I had a topic of discussion about a certain facet of this larger topic, but here and now, Dave Z and I are going to, we're going to chat with you about trailers, expectations, hype, and these external powers that be that shape our views on the films we watch. And Dave is the one who initially brought this discussion to the table this time around, folks. So if I'm not mistaken, your wheels got turning because of the film we'll be reviewing later. Is that right to say, Dave? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Okay. And so, uh, t- so tell us, uh, kind of what 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 got uh, those those gears going, buddy? Okay. Did you watch the trailer that I sent you, the original? I did. Yes. Okay. Now, I'm not even a hundred percent sure that that's the trailer I saw back then, but but it says it was the official. Now, if you're going just by that trailer, given what we see with, with Cabin in the Woods, I don't know. Do you find it a bit misleading? When, when we get right to it, like I was literally expecting a Cabin in the Woods movie when I went to see it. I knew that there was something outside of hand here that wasn't normal, like not normal, that wasn't in the usual, like an Evil Dead or a Friday the 13th where something in the wood is evil and it could either be a killer or something, you know, supernatural or, or demonic or what have you. I, I knew there was, there was going to be another angle to it, but... When I went to the theater and I saw it and the way it opened up, and I really don't want to talk just about that because we're going to talk about Cabin in the Woods next. But yeah. when that happened, like I said, I was expecting a, for the most part, straightforward horror movie about kids going to a cabin in the woods and, you know, horror business ensuing. Now, do you think that that was a misleading trailer as to the final product? You know, it's funny. I had never seen this trailer until you sent it to me earlier in the week, and I'm a little shocked. I'd, I'd always heard that it gives too much away uh, rather than that it was misleading. 
And so when I finally saw it, you know, I, I would think that there's got to be other trailers out there for this movie that do maybe a little more to spoil the film, uh, you know, other teasers and TV spots and such. But regardless, you know, in our circle, you know, you and I are fairly vocal about our tendency to avoid trailers. And so I have avoided this one thus far until you sent it to me. And I would say that this trailer builds intrigue. But uh, as far as it, I wouldn't say it's say misleading like it comes at night. That one is misleading. This one is intriguing and maybe confusing. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's fair. And again, it says it's the official one, but my recollection of that film is me going to the theater. And this is when I was still watching trailers. I didn't stop Mm -hmm. until the last, when I decided I wasn't going to watch trailers anymore, it was 2013 and it was the first Conjuring movie that made me quit, specifically the, the clap game scene. Oh, okay. Um, they showed that thing and the thing, you know what I'm talking about, right? When, when yes. the woman's playing the clap game and the thing comes from behind her and they show her doing that. Okay. I remember seeing that because I was doing uh weird, I, I literally said it on, the, on the show banana bites, which is a little bit similar to some of the stuff we do here. When Matt and I just did the, uh, that little in between episode, as we called it, when we all, all we did was talk about new releases and horror news. And we just did it now and again. And, we would talk about new releases, and back then we were watching trailers. So we'd say, oh, a new trailer came out for this new James Bond movie, The Conjuring. And we watched it, and I remember saying, okay, I wish I wouldn't have got that jump scare spoiled for me. I thought that was an effective thing, and now I know when it's going to happen. It's going to do nothing for me when I go to the theater. I would rather have get that feel. So that is when I stopped, 2013. That's when it happened. That I, okay. That was it. That's when it happened, and I have not returned, of course, and, and I'm, you know, I'm better for it. I'm happier. Now my now my recall of this trailer isn't even necessarily the one I showed you. Even that showed a little more than I see. My memory is this: I saw a movie about the kids going to the woods, and they showed most like eighty percent of the trailer I sent you just showed those scenes, and then there was some other stuff sprinkled where they did show some other, you know, something else at hand here besides what we're yeah. used to seeing. I recall seeing another one where it was just that other stuff, where it mainly focused on. The kids going and, and you know and, and and horror things happening and being really excited and going to the movies expecting to see what I thought Cabin Fever was gonna be because when I saw the trailer for Cabin Fever from Eli Roth which is a good movie I, I am okay with it again I was expecting a slasher I was expecting old school American horror what Hatchet calls itself which it really wasn't because I didn't feel like an eighties movie to me but I was expecting <laughs> for both of these movies for Kids go to the woods, so either an Evil Dead or a Friday the 13th. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay. uh, um, kids go to the woods, kids get killed. That's what I was hoping to see both times. And neither really delivered in that sense. I'm not saying that either is a bad film at all. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying yeah. that my expectations were that. And it was the same thing when I went to see Cabin in the Woods as when I went to see Cabin Fever. I was expecting to see that. And that's not what I got. That's all. No, you know, I, I, I feel, you know, it's funny, Dave, recently I was watching one of my favorite YouTubers, Peter McKinnon, and he had a video that really caught my attention. In this particular video of his, he and his team had recut a trailer for the new Terminator Dark Fate movie uh, from this year, 2019, and the studio had given him raw, unedited footage to create his own version of the existing TV spot, right? The, the one that you can see if you turn on any channel, because I think Dark Fate's still in the theaters, right? Or maybe not as, you know, as this comes out, but I think as we record, it's still there. But you know what? Peter McKinnon's version, 
of the trailer was so much better than what the studio put out by quite a bit, actually. And it's not just because Peter McKinnon is a talented guy, which he is, obviously, at, you know, at filmmaking and editing. But the reason his trailer was better boils down to his idea that he voices that you and I, Dave, are fully on board with. And that's the notion that if you are going to watch a trailer, it ought to raise more questions and intrigue than answers. And that right there is the absolute right way to go about cutting trailers for movies. And I wish studios in general would allow their marketing editors to take that approach. You know, two trailers, Dave Z, come to mind for me, and they're completely opposites of one another. The first is the trailer for The Matrix Reloaded 2003. When you watch that trailer, you have no... I still watched trailers back then. You have no idea what in the world is going on. It gives nothing away. You're mystified. You're curious. You want to see what's in store because you're seeing all this exciting imagery with no context, no answers, just mystery. And I distinctly remember appreciating that even... Even back then. Now, consider the trailer for The Island 2005 with Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. Now, listen, I love Ewan McGregor, but dude, this trailer gives 100% of the movie away. It's like a two and a half minute cut of the movie. And I remember watching it, going out to see the movie with friends, and, and you know what? I was legitimately angered at the fact that the movie held no surprises because of this trailer. I was angered at the fact that trailers like this exist. I remember thinking to myself that I would have enjoyed myself entirely. I would have loved the movie if it weren't for that trailer, that trailer spoiling everything. I remember thinking about how often this happens and that it's not even the movie's fault. That was like where I focus. This isn't the movie's fault. And so back in 2005, that's when I told myself that I was done with trailers and I've kept to that pretty well ever since. If I'm planning to see a film, you know, the associated trailers off the table until after I've seen it. I mean, Right, Dave? I mean, trailers are supposed to be designed to get people to watch, so if I'm already going to watch, there's no reason for me to view the trailer and risk selling my viewing experience, right? And right. it's it's funny, because I have in my, my bullet points here, uh, talk about the Matrix trailer and the Island trailer, and then I was gonna, I have it next, ask Dave when he stopped watching trailers, and you already answered that for me, so... <laughs> Yes. Now, when did you stop? I'll ask you. It, yeah, it was about 2005, 2006 after seeing The Island Man That because it's basically just a two and a half minute long cut of the entire movie. You find out the twist and it's just like, OK, so Ian McGregor and Scarlett Johansson are in this society, uh, this utopian society. A twist happens and now they got they're on the run and that's what the trailer shows you. And then that's what the movie shows you. And it's like, oh, so there's nothing else to this. Wow. And I remember thinking, how often does this happen? Wow, okay. And it, I, I, I think it happens a lot. And I realize, you know what? Screw trailers. There, there's no reason why I should watch these at all. And unless it's like, yeah, I mean, if it's a movie I'm not going to see, okay, I'll watch them all day, man. But yeah, like not, not for the ones I'm going to see. And here's the deal. The marketing department in charge of putting out these advertisements, they're not concerned with the artistic merit of this content. You know, let's not kid ourselves here. And, and the filmmakers, as I think a lot of us know, often have nothing to do with any of it. It's just a practice that is totally divorced from the art. And that disconnect is what, you know, Dave, I think we can agree, that disconnect between the marketing and the arts, what we don't want any part of. And now, don't get me wrong, you know, I realize that movies are made not just to entertain, but to make a return on investment. I get that, that's fine. But for me to get a return on my investment, you know, my time, my money for movie tickets, rentals, purchases, what have you, I want to maximize my viewing experience and I want to take in the art with as little external baggage as possible. You know, I, what, what do you think about that, Dave? I'm with you. I, I think everything you've said, again, I'm repeating what I said before. I, I have to echo everything you said. It's 
I'm with you again. There's nothing I can add to that. I don't think. Okay. Well, I'll ask a question here. I'm gonna I'll, I'll like so. Uh, well, over the years, man, I've abdo- I've adopted this Zen approach to watching movies, and maybe that's why I'm I'm generally a happy and accepting moviegoer. You know, I'm not sitting down to watch a film crossing my arms and challenging it to blow me away with some smug face, you know, you know, scare me or, you know, nor am I, nor am I, but just as much as I'm not doing that, I'm also not quivering with excitement, expecting a masterpiece in my mind that can never live up to what comes across on screen. I'm, I, I, I'm just doing my best to go in with as few expectations as possible so that the art can speak for itself, no matter what it is. And I guess, I guess that's the whole issue, you know, with, with an art piece exists on its own terms separate from what we ourselves bring to the table and project onto it as viewers. That art is what it is. But how do we go about putting that understanding into practice as we consume all the films we watch? Like Dave Z, when you're gearing up for a first time watch with a new horror film, what do you do to keep yourself as neutral as can be? Like, do you have anything you do specifically? Mine's a mindset. I just, I've kind of accidentally stumbled upon it since probably about maybe The Cabin in the Woods was one of the first movies where I really... Well, I also hadn't heard of the movie, by the way, when I went to go see it in theaters. But I, I, I really thought, man, to maximize my viewing experience, just be zen. And, and, and that's one area where over the years I feel like I'm getting it. I don't know if it's perfect. Nothing ever is. You know, we're not machines. But I feel like I got it pretty well. You know, so what do you do when you're gearing up for a first time watch? and You just want to keep yourself, you know, neutral as you can be. What do you do? Do you do anything? I just avoid at all costs. I, if I'm listening to podcasts and I hear anything about, I don't even want to hear, like some people do kind of like what we were, what we do here when we talk about a movie we saw. Like when I was talking about The Lighthouse before, or you you talked about your four movies. If I'm listening to a podcast and they even start talking, if they're doing a what we watch segment or whatever, even if it's a little brief synopsis and some discussion about the movie, I don't listen to that. I don't want to know anything. If I, if I, I was mad because I found, not mad, I was disappointed that I found out the what the antagonists were actually going to be in the movie Bliss. And I only heard it just in passing in a conversation between two people that weren't even talking about it. And they said, oh, oh yeah, like those so-and-so. <laughs> I saw Bliss, that new quote-unquote movie, something yeah. movie. And it gave away what I was going to see. And the same thing happened last year for freaking Hereditary when I heard somebody talk about freaking... And I was like, son of a bitch. I don't want to know that. I So when I hear anybody start discussing a movie at all that I haven't seen and that I want to see, I unplug my podcast. I, I hit the fast forward button. I do what I do. As far as being on Facebook and whatnot, if someone puts up a trailer or something, I don't look. I mean, the only thing that can really be spoiled for me is occasionally a picture will come up with a spoiler on it. And that did happen. Yeah. For Halloween 2018, I saw a picture of Michael's hand going through the door where, where Jamie, where Jamie, where, yeah. where Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, where, yeah. where Lori was standing and, th- th- and now I go, okay, well, now I'm going to be expecting that when I see the movie. And I know it might sound oh. uptight to people, but I, that's the most that could ever be spoiled to me is, is a picture. I even saw a picture from the new Halloween coming out and look like it was Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis in a bed or something. And it said something and I just scroll right past it because usually they come with headers. So when I see a header from a link that says Halloween 2020 or whatever, or there's any movie that I haven't seen yet, and it says the title could be any movie title, whatever it is, if I have never seen the movie and it's not a movie that's out yet, and I see the name come up in a link, I just, my one of my favorite phrases as of late, scroll past. 
scroll page. Yeah, like the incident we had uh, recently at the in the Watsy Facebook page. And you know what's funny about that is that we, we could probably name names because I don't think any of the people involved in that because I don't think uh, the person who posted that, even though he's a fellow podcaster, I don't think he listens to this show. And uh, the person who posted it, I don't think they they used to listen to Horror Corridor when they used to be on their own podcast, uh, you know, years back. But I don't think they know about they even really know about this show. But yeah, we just scroll past like because I yeah, we folks just to clarify, we had a big blow up on the page where somebody posted something that someone else thought was offensive and man, it, it blew up. I'm at work and I'm getting notifications, but I'm like just at a signal so I can text Dave, but I can't view anything on Facebook. So I'm just like, Dave, if you could, you know, just take a look and tell me what's going on. And he's like, uh, just people just are mad about some things and you know, whatever. I'm not trying to take sides or anything like that, but it's just, yeah, scroll past man. And I, I'm all about that too, you know? And, uh, and Dave, you know, I want to piggyback off what you just said because you know, we're talking about maximizing our viewing experiences. And, you know, I know people like our buddy Mike Merriman. Uh, he just loves trailers. He, he likes to watch all the trailers. You know, he's he, he thinks we're silly for not watching trailers. And and that's cool. Like if and you know what, if as long as he's not like, oh, I hated the movie because of the trailer, the movie sucks. because that's not the movie's right. fault. But but I'll talk about that in a second. But I, I found that I tend to draw a line in the sand, man, when it comes to this subject. And it's a, it's a line between the external forces that play upon us as we watch films and the internal forces that do the same thing. So the external ones, that's the stuff folks that we just got done talking about. We're talking trailers, editorials, puff pieces in horror magazines or websites, podcast episodes like what you're hearing right now, social media, the word of mouth hype that manifests there. All of these things are the outward influences that we can control our exposure to. These are things we can, like Dave said, scroll past. These are things that we can bookmark get back to after the fact if we want. That's what I do, just like you were saying. When our buddies, you know, put out podcast episodes on certain movies, I download the show, and then I'll watch the movie, then listen. That's how I best mm -hmm. derive value from these things. And and also, there is a little bit of, and this might be partly on me, but I, I don't know if it is, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody specifically. I have no names in mind. It's just that, you know, not everybody is as careful about spoilers. You know, I mean, even when, you know, as Dave, and, you know, Dave, we're probably two of the people that I can think of that are really just pretty hardcore on not spoiling, you know, in passing. And we're pretty good at it. We might not be perfect, but man, we really do try. And I, I would hope that people who have our sensibilities can understand that. But I, I, but I want to talk about the internal forces that influence our movie going experiences. You know, I said that I draw a line in the sand between these things. And I do this because of the factor of control. Like I said, before I watch a movie, I can control which trailers I see which reviews I read, which podcasts I listen to, but as free from all those things as I tend to keep myself, as much as I, really, I do, as much as I believe and acknowledge that the artistic work stands apart from these things, as much as I take my neutral Zen approach I just talked to you all about to, you know, that helps me temper my expectations, I still have within me my own biases, my own baggage, my own worldview, my own intricate sensibilities that inform my unique viewing of every single movie I watch. And so, whereas I avoid the external forces that influence my first watch of a film at all costs, these days, I find that I readily embrace a good portion of the internal aspects of a first-time viewing experience. Because for me, it's important that I have a, how would I, how would I word that, a sort of dialogue with the film, I guess you could say. That's why listening to hype and watching trailers is not a factor for me. You will never hear me say, oh, the hype got to me or the, tra you know, the trailer ruined it. These are other people's voices. And frankly, they don't matter 
Dave Z and I say this all the time. They don't matter in the scheme of me forming my own conversation with the films I watch. And that's exactly what's going on. I want my inner voice and the voice of the film to talk. Does that make sense, Dave? Yes, it does. Yeah. Cool. I wasn't sure if that was too abstract. uh, (laughs) No, listen, as long as other people don't get uptight about it or upset that, that we do it the way we do it, because we're not getting uptight with them. No, not but, at all, man. You know, but some people do. Like, they, they want to come at you, like friends of ours even. They'll, they'll say, oh, well, uh, oh, you're, you don't watch trailers, Dave, so uh, what can you say? Or they make a little Snyder marker joke. I have seen And this. I know it's all in fun, and it's because they do watch trailers. But, again, I don't begrudge anybody for watching trailers. I mean, no, not we're, at all. we're in the minority. I know this. Although I am always going to throw that flag up and say, hey, <laughs> you know, I'm a no trailer guy and I'm going to push it on people and say, hey, you should stop watching trailers. I think you'll enjoy movies more. But that's where it ends. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be preaching all day and every day and, and saying, hey, well, if you, if you didn't watch a trailer, you might not have known that. I'll talk <laughs> about it on a podcast like right now. But I mean, as long as people don't give me a hard time, because just like just like my game or, or my method, if you will, uh, of deciding what I'm going to watch and what I'm not going to watch, uh, you know. If somebody's happy doing something and they're not hurting anybody and they're not being intrusive in any way on their beliefs, then, you know, let people do what they want to do. That's what I say. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have and and I'm going to be just complete honesty here. I have zero positive or negative, just a complete. And this is where I can I can honestly say this. A 100 percent neutral stance on. Oh, you watch trailers. Sweet. Oh, you don't. Sweet. It's 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 not. It's, that's your life, man. And, and I and, and right on like that's 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 other people's way that they feel they are optimizing their viewing experience. And, and that's cool, you know, because trailers can be fun, especially like those older trailers and even new trailers. If they're done right, they build intrigue. They don't answer questions. They raise que- or they don't answer questions, but they raise questions right on, man. If that gets you hyped, man. And like maybe some people might be like, man, how can you be somebody said this to me a while ago on Facebook? How can you be excited for literally anything if you don't know, you know, what you're going into? And you know what? That's a a legitimate question for that person. They got to know a little bit. They got to see the trailer, hear a synopsis, see what a few other people think. And then they're good to go right on, man. I, I, I'm not going to hate on that ever. But, you know, it's funny, though, because I used to do everything, Dave Z. I used to do everything in my power to be 100% neutral and objective. You know, I took my first film course. I thought that's what you had to do, you know. I thought that was the only way to be able to critically analyze the text, the film, you know, what have you. But nobody can really gauge art that way. It's just not how we work as complicated beings, you know, and humans. And so, man, I've just loosened up and relaxed a lot, even from my days of first podcasting back in 2016, man. You know, right now, you know, these days, I do what I can to put in my research into what the film and the filmmakers are saying, then I weigh that against my own interpretation to synthesize my opinion. You know, I'll ask myself like, all right, what am I feeling? What does the film want me to feel? Why am I feeling that? Why did that scene impress me? Why did that scene leave me cold? What subtext is there going on to uncover? Have I have I ever experienced anything related to the film's themes in my own life before? What What's speaking to me? And then how can I communicate that to my friends and listeners if and when the time comes to do so? And so, Dave, you strike me as someone who follows that method. I, I guess you could call it a method uh, of watching films like probably exactly. Maybe if you don't think about it in those terms, but you seem like we seem like we view films pretty similarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just want to go in and take a ride, man. I just want to experience yeah. it and, and watch it unfold. 
and not have any preconceived notions. That's that's the best I can do. I, I try so hard to, to go into a film now. Like, I, I've got it down to a science almost. And I know it sounds like I'm being a braggart, but I, I'm, it's just that <laughs> I'm not bragging. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that I found something that works so well for me. That's why I'm kind of loud and kind of proud about it because it really does work for me. And it's like, you know what? I have no reservations now. I go into a movie. Like, it really made me happy when I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween this past time for the first time ever and did not at any time... I treated it as if there was no such thing as Halloween 78, which has become my favorite horror movie. So, I mean, it's not the easiest thing to do, but for the first time ever, last time I watched it, like last Halloween, not the one that we just had, when we did it for um, Exploding Heads, I said, I want to go into this movie and I want to watch it and pretend Halloween 78 never existed and just watch this movie for what it is and get my feels for it. And I did, and I liked it a little bit more than I had before. And that's it. And that that was just like the final nail in the coffin for my movie viewing and how to not have anything preconceived when I sit down and watch it. Other people are going to say, well, you're supposed to think about it. If you're watching a sequel, it's in the franchise. You're supposed to be thinking about those other movies. Yes, but if you can distance yourself as much as possible and, and realize this isn't that. Is it a continuation of the same story? Maybe, maybe not, depending on it. But again, we're talking sequels and franchises, but just that's the best examples I could think of for me what makes me happy that I, I've taken it to the next level where there's nothing in my head. I sit down with a, with a clean slate and say, okay, I hope this movie entertains me. Let's hope for the best. I mean, yeah. that's what I do. Now, when I hear stuff, that's the problem. Like Bliss, for example. The way people... Actually, I'll even go back further. Mandy from last year. The way people were talking about... This is just talking. This is just talking online. That's not spoiler talking. Just talking about the tone and the atmosphere of it, if you will, I guess. When they were saying that, oh, the colors and it's so trippy and it has this going on and that. The way people talked up Mandy, the first time I sat down and watched it, I was expecting Suspiria because of the way people were talking about it. I sat down and I didn't get that. And that actually ruined the experience for me. Oh, no. well, hold on. There's there's a part two. The, the okay. first time I watched it, it ruined the experience. And I was like, yeah, I can appreciate this. Yes, I liked it. Yes. But the way people were talking about it, I was expecting the second coming. I was really thinking it was going to be something. The way people were talking, I thought it was going to be so trippy that freaking colors were going to be oozing off my screen. And I was going to be like, oh, man, this is psychedelic heaven. Okay. That's the way people were talking about it. And that's not what I got. However... When I went back the second time, second view, Dave, I'll preach that till the day I drop. I knew what I saw already. I took it back. I, I sat down and I enjoyed the hell out of Mandy. And I ended, I ended up going nine out of 10 and ended up making my top 10. Where I, if I just would have just watched it the first time, it wouldn't have even sniffed my top, whatever we did last year, 18. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's what it is. I can even get preconceived notions just from dialogue from friends. Same thing happened recently with Bliss. Same type of situation. So I'm looking forward to the second view because when I look at that poster and when I hear heard what people said about it or what I retained that people said, I was expecting something different than I got. And even sure. so the, my point is my long winded point is that even little discussion that you have online and just a little bit of feedback that's non-spoiler just about the style of the film could it could impact your viewing. So it's really best just to like cast everything aside and just go in. But again, that's what works for me. I think that's what works for you. 
Doesn't mean I'm saying it's going to work for everybody or that's that that's what everybody should do, but you know, that's how we're rolling. Well, yeah, you know, and what you're talking about is mitigating the external forces that can play upon you and mess with your your expectations. And and that's why I kind of stay away from that, you know, because I, I really want to listen to my own voice commune with the movie. And sure, I'm not trying to sound like some hippy dippy BS, man. I'm I'm <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to, you know, be like, you know, and I use the word Zen earlier. I'm not like when I, I I just walk into the theater and just do my thing. And, you know, when the trailers come on, I go have a whiskey in the in the bar that that's attached to the theater. That's what I do. I'm not like I'm not like wrapped up in this huge just spiritual experience of the movie you know but I do I do understand that there's an interplay going on the movie's playing the art is happening I'm connecting with it to some degree and so whenever other voices you know tried to you know you know and, and not that anybody's like trying to be dissenting about it. they're just talking man we do it we're doing it now but you know whenever that comes up that's why I kind of avoid it just so that way I can be as clean as possible and not like oh well, somebody said that this ending sucked and then that's like the seed in my mind of oh great all right how is this ending and now if I say I like it am I being reactionary to what this person's saying because I'm trying to be like oh I bet it's not gonna suck because this person sucks you know and and I, I don't know I, I don't like to play those types of games which is why I try to you know it's why you'll never hear us say things like you know this movie was meh because they showed the best parts in the trailer that's an external thing that I don't need in my life to to help me and how I approach the art you know I I don't hear that as much these days thankfully but like I mentioned earlier there was a time where I would hear quite a bit actually podcasters who I love and respect dock points off movies because of the trailer and man I, I can't take that seriously I mean I, I can't take that type of critique you know with with, with anything more than a grain of salt and these like a few of few times there's like people I'm like I look up to like oh please don't say that and this was years back you know maybe even before I was podcasting myself and even back then I'm like no don't don't, don't do that you know or, or you might hear you know something you you know you won't hear is you know I didn't like that movie because too many people hyped it up Dave Z that right there party people that is my pet peeve I didn't like that movie because too many people hyped it up now I, I, I get man that it can sometimes be hard to keep expectations in check I get I'm sympathetic to that. Believe me, I am. I get that not everyone tries to or even wants to avoid the buzz surrounding movies before they see them. You go out there. You live your best life, my friends. Follow your bliss. Rock and roll. But let's just get real here with Uncle Mr. Watson. Let's be honest with ourselves, shall we? Inside your brain, you've got thousands of different complex preferences that are built upon millions of different thoughts, ideas, and experiences, right? You take all these things into the movie with you. And right there, you know, you form your opinion about what you saw. That's how it goes. The conversation between your inner voice and the film happened, and that's all yours. So from there, you know, go out and find out what people think. That's what I do. That's when I do it. After that initial viewing, go listen to the shows you love. Go read the articles and interviews to see, you know, what's going on behind the scenes of the movie you just saw. I had to do that with Neon Demon like crazy, and it helped me so much. You know, maybe you'll learn something new. You know, maybe you'll affirm your own existing thoughts. That's great. What's not great? is letting the crowd sway you before you ever set foot into the theater or hit play. You know, what's not great is allowing others to dictate your stance before you engage with the art itself. What's not great is finding out the movie suddenly became popular and then hating it for no other reason than that. Or what's what's also not great is finding out, oh, the movie bombed, and then you hyperbolize your love for it simply because, you know, you feel like, you, you feel like watching hidden gems makes you part of the cool kids club or something like that. Like, like you made the movie or something like that. I don't know. You know, the foundation of art consumption ought to be honesty. So if you love something or hate it, that's great. But man, don't let others 
taint that honesty and consume the art for you. You know what I mean? Don't regurgitate their sentiments before engaging with the art yourself. If you're that way, you know, if your primary concern is what others think before, you know, what you th- yourself might think. I don't know. I sort of get, Dave Z, I get this mental picture of someone being at the back of the human centipede and they love it. <laughs> That's, so, uh, you know, before we wrap up this segment, you know, I, I guess I want to bring our talk to the movie we're highlighting here on this episode, The Cabin in the Woods 2012. You know, when people talk about this movie, you know, it's almost inevitable. And Dave Z, I don't know your take on this. So, you know, uh, but... Uh, you know, it's almost inevitable when people in 2019 talk about this movie, you're going to hear someone bring up eventually that this is overrated. It was just hyped too much back in the day. And man, the girl I was briefly seeing back in 2012 when this film came out, she told me she hated the movie because of all the buzz surrounding it. And I remember hearing that a lot back then after I saw the movie. You know, the deal, though, you guys, girls, everybody in between, you know, I had never seen a trailer for The Cabin in the Woods back then. I hadn't even heard of it. Until my bestest buddy Aaron was like, let's go see this movie called The Cabin in the Woods. And then we saw it. So get this, though. I saw it the same night my then girlfriend did. Okay, she was having a girl's night. I'm having a guy's night. And when we got talking later that day or night or the next day or whatever, you know, she's going off about how the buzz killed it for her. The trailer was awful. So Dave Z, like like you said, there, I, I feel like there must have been some other TV spot that gave more away. You know, but she was also going on about how everyone at Bloody Disgusting was blowing it to high heaven. And so it was just this big glob of words, you guys, uh, that placed the responsibility for her opinion of the movie on other people. And, you know, so here I am. I hadn't seen the trailer, hadn't heard of the movie, hadn't heard the buzz. And I came away from that movie feeling like I'd seen something truly special. Now, I'm not sure, you know, everyone cares for this subject as much as we do, Dave. But this right here is a prime example of the difference between minimizing and maximizing your viewing experience. You know, and all the while, no matter who says what about the movie, no matter who goes to see it, whether it succeeds, whether it bombs, the movie is the movie. You know, it stands apart from all our expectations that we set for ourselves like booby traps. It stands apart from the buzz or the lack of buzz. And so as we go into our review here, you know, my hope is that we can encourage you all to do what you can to maximize your viewing experiences the best you can by filtering who and what you allow to influence you before you engage with the art, you know? So uh, I guess that's that's all I really have to say, I guess. Dave Z, do you want to take us in any directions before we end the segment? What do you think, buddy? You know, it's like you said, I wish there, don't let anything else influence you. I don't get that. I What you say about the trailer may... Uh, This is what bothers me. When I listen to a podcast and I hear someone say, well, the trailer made it look like something that it wasn't, so I don't like it. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. so you watched a trailer. It made you think you were going to see a slasher. You went to the movies, and it was a ghost story instead, so you don't like it. That's like, I didn't say I didn't like Cabin in the Woods or Cabin Fever. (laughs) I didn't say that. I was expecting slashers. I didn't get slasher. But that didn't make me say, oh, well, I don't like the movie because it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. That's, I can't stand to hear that. I, I, I don't understand that. And it's like you said, don't let, why should other people, people, human beings, what they say, their words, influence a piece of art that, that you are subjecting yourself to, a, a film, that you're sitting down and watching, a piece of media. Why would that, I, I don't get that at all. It's like, can't you just... Pretend that, you know, you live on a desert island or something and someone put a movie in front of you, put it in, take the movie for what it is, and when it's over, say, okay, this is what I thought about the movie. Why does anything else have to influence the experience in the two hours you sit down and watch a movie? 
how, how does anything else influence that? Like, I do get things being overhyped. Like, I, I've seen movies come in and say, everybody's blowing some movie. Like this Joker movie, okay? Everyone's blowing Joker right now. I haven't seen it. When I watch it in January, am I going to expect to be blowing it? No. Am I going to expect to hate it? No. I'm going to hope that I love it. But if I end up not liking it, yeah, you know, I'm not going to blame other people and say, well, you know, it's overrated. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm just going to say, well, whatever. It wasn't for me because that's how I am with a lot of action type movies. I know it's not for me. Some people love Die Hard. I've never watched it. Some people love, you know, The Terminator. I watched it. I thought it was quite good. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever, but some people really think that. It's just different strokes for different folks. But I just, I'm with you. Don't, I don't understand outside influences. Just watch the damn movie. And have your own opinion. That that's I don't know. Movies are supposed to be for you're supposed to be having fun with stuff like this. And nowadays, it's, yeah, there's so much negativity, and everybody just wants to. And believe me, I was always. My mother used to call me rebel without a cause when I was a kid. I always rebelled against everything <laughs> mainstream. I did when sure. I was young, young. Not everything, because I still loved Michael Jackson, and I still loved uh, Star Wars and stuff. So, but. I just never wanted to fall in line on certain things. If something looked weird to me, and I wasn't into it. I didn't just like it because everybody else liked it. If I didn't like something, I just didn't like it. So it, it wasn't really necessarily rebel without a without a cause. It was just, you know, I wasn't into conforming, and I, I never have been. But I'm still going to like some people. I listen to podcasters, and I know for a fact by their personality that if a movie comes out, what's like a big movie? Okay, it chapter two. There is okay. no way in hell. No way in hell, no matter how good that movie is, that that podcaster would put It Chapter 2 in their top five of the year if they're doing a list, simply because it was a mainstream film. I'm not going to name names, but I know people, and I know they'll say, oh yeah, it was pretty good, 8 out of 10, or so. but I know that that's how they are. They Something about them makes them not want to say the number one movie of the year is something that came to the mainstream. It had to be something independent sure. <laughs> or, or something... It's just the way some people are. Me, I'll tell you, mine's different every year. Like, yeah, one wait, one year was The Witch, one year was The Spirit. Yeah, they're weird, artsy, and different. But I'll tell you what, I mean, It Chapter 2 might be my number one movie this year. I don't know. But I'm not going to let... This, that decision is not going to be made by how I consumed it or anything outside. It's just... Well, I yeah. sat down in my experience. And the same thing about people, you know, fishing for hidden gems, like you said, and all that stuff. There's this weird thing going around on the internet where people are, are, are sometimes only into things. I used to have a friend. God, I'm rambling. I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm loving this. I used to have a friend. Uh, my brother and I are very much into music. And we used to have this friend. And he got into music, the same bands we got into, you know, which is fine. We all listen to all different type of music. We were big fans of Pink Floyd. This kid got into Pink Floyd, and all of a sudden, within a year, he was everything Pink Floyd, which, awesome, that's fine. God bless you. I love the band, too. That's fine. But I'm wearing all a of Pink a sudden, Floyd shirt right now, Dave. What's that? I'm wearing a Pink Floyd shirt right now. Are you serious? Yes. Wow, nice. I have nice. two of them. One, one I just pulled out of the washer, a black one. I'm wearing my green one. Which yep. one is it? Uh, it's, it's, it's Dark Side. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Yep. So Pink Floyd. Okay, we love him. Sorry Great. about that. Yeah. So he um, got into Pink Floyd massively. He got into Pink Floyd massively, but all of a sudden, every time we talked about Pink Floyd or music or this, he had to come up with a fact, a factoid about this album or this or that. And I noticed that he started doing that with everything that he got into. It's like he got into it just for the facts, just for 
just so he can oh. come up and try to come off like super fan or I know more than you. There are people that do it in, in, in the horror circle as well. Me and you could be talking about um, Evil Dead and because I know you love it. How much you love yep. Evil Dead and um, this, you know, whatever. What what, what happened when uh, Ellen Sandweiss or something, we mentioned her, she's an actress in it. And then all of a sudden someone comes in. Oh, yeah. And could you believe that Ellen Sandweiss was once married to the cinematographer for Night of the Demons? And that got her a part <laughs> in this movie or something. I'm like, sure. <laughs> OK, th- thanks for letting us know. I-, I appreciate it. But there are people that live to go out there and let you know that they're Mr. Super fan and that all they always want to watch hidden gems. And anytime a hidden gem is released on Blu-ray, it's the greatest movie. Oh, I can't wait to see this movie that most people know is a piece of garbage because it's a low budget, but because it's a low budget, has never been released before, and is a freaking hidden gem to them, or foreign, God forbid, a foreign movie. All of a sudden, Uh-oh. it's the greatest thing in the world. There are people like that that they want to come out there. And they want to just throw their knowledge around and come off like super fan, like it's a competition. And it's those same people would never rate a Hollywood movie as the best horror movie of the year. It's that crowd. It, it's, it's, it, they're, they're, I don't know if, what to call them. I can't, I can't necessarily I call do. them elitists or gatekeepers. I don't know what to call them, but it's, it's a behavioral thing. I don't know why. I just wish it would stop. And, and the same goes for movie viewing experiences. Just watch the damn movie. Take a chill. Don't stop trying to impress people with your knowledge and and how much of a rebel you are and how you're going to hate on something Hollywood just because it's Hollywood. Just we're all horror fans. We're together as friends because we're into the same things. There are enough people in the outside world that we don't get along with or don't associate with. We have a clique. We have a crew. We're all here. Why can't people just function as one and be more tolerant? I mean, yes, people that are civilians i'm gonna call them they're intolerant of horror a lot of them are and i expect that from them that's fine you want to laugh at horror or you want to say it's scary or stupid or whatever and you're on the outside so i don't care what you think i mean i you know what i mean i'm not 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 to be yeah, an arrogant yeah. arrogant about it just that doesn't affect me but we're together as one there's enough fighting on the outside if we're all together why can't we just get along a, a, the way it's supposed to be anyway i, I turned that into a whole a whole long thing and I got shits on my mind, as they say. So. No, you know what, Dave? I, I love that you brought it to music and, and, and talking about social in-groups and cliques because, man, what was on my mind as you were talking was when I was a teenager, man, I got into the punk rock scene. And I remember when I was 12 years old on my 12th birthday, uh, a, a, one of my friends, you know, I, I think I had for my 12th birthday, a bunch of my friends from my youth group were over for my overnighter. One of my buddies, a guy who I find completely intolerable today, he's just a piece of garbage. Sorry, uh, but uh, <laughs> one of the worst people I ever met. He, but he, this guy gave me, I hate to credit him for this, but he gave me a CD, the compilation album, and it had all these like Christian bands on it. Well, among them, track 10 was a song called Teenage Politics by the band MXPX. Who, you know, they, they were, you know, Christians, but they, they weren't a Christian band. They just had the faith and played punk rock. I'd never heard of punk rock, never heard a song like that in my life. And boom, it catapulted me into this this whole mindset. Wait, you're telling me there's music that exists that's not on the radio? You're telling <laughs> me that what is this genre? It sounds so young and fresh. Oh, punk's been a thing since the 70s. I'm doing my research. I'm finding the bands. You know, I, I'm 12 years old. By the time I'm in high school, man, I'm in it. I'm in the clicks. But I'll tell you what I found out, just like you were talking about with the the horror in-group, the horror crowd, is suddenly the, I, I started finding out just how different 
the in-group itself was. You know, let's even just take out, you know, the metal guys or the jocks or the whatever. You know, there were jocks in the punk group too. But you just take that in-group. You draw that circle. 100% of that circle is punk rockers. But everybody's so different. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, there are people who, oh, shoot, Rancid got a hit on the radio. I can't listen to them anymore. I'm like, no, you guys, but this is like maybe one of the best albums they put out since like 1994. It's, two, you know, it's 2003. Don't be like that. This, this album's great. And, you know, and like I still like The Offspring and Green Day, even Blink-182, you know, when they were on top of the charts. They're getting people into music with guitars, man. They're, you know, they're getting people into the punk rock. Dude, this is a, this is a good thing. And now here I am defending mainstream radio that I don't even like per se, but hey, if a Faith Hill song came on back and said, hey, that's catchy, I'll dig it, man, I got a mohawk, what are you going to tell me, that I don't like punk rock, you know, and so, I don't know, man, I, so I was just in, I would observe this, this sort of deliberate contrarian, that's what I, that is what I want to call it, this deliberate contrarian nature, where, and I think we see this in the horror realm, with people who, I'm only watching hidden gems, well, and that's cool, because I, I I do that too, where I want to go find something that I haven't seen, or something that throws me off, that, you know, oh man, did I miss this? But it's it's a fun journey for me. It's nothing I want to hold over anybody or that, you know, that it's nothing that informs my identity as a person. Oh, I watch Hidden Gems. Ugh. That's why I'm <laughs> superior to, to, to your mainstream sensibilities. Ugh. Like, no, man, it's just me. Oh, wow, I had a great time and I'm smiling in my house alone. That's the extent of it. And then I can tell people on a podcast, hey, if you like that, you might like this, this hidden gem I caught. Check it out, everybody. Try to be encouraging and positive because Lord knows, you know, it's, it's a negative world out there, man. And anytime you can add a little bit of bright light, especially within the genre and this group. But that deliberate contrarianism is, is something I can't jump aboard because if I 2013 uh, the conjuring I think was like my number one movie of the year and I think it was everybody else's uh, and it was like a huge theatrical release all right I'm owning it you know the the next couple of years maybe maybe 2011 was an indie gem maybe 2013 was or 2014 was this this you know it, it doesn't inform my identity it's just some stuff I like man <laughs> you know and right. so when you're deliberately contrarian if you're engaging only and I only do hidden gems. Well, all you're doing with underrated stuff is you're you're on the same coin as the people talking about overrated things. You're just on the opposite side of it. You're part of the equation, man. You're not special. And that's okay. Right. Why okay. be special? Who cares? <laughs> it's it's all right, life. you know? Yes, exactly. And I, you know, and I'm not trying to not trying to be preachy in that you shouldn't watch hidden gems or shouldn't, you know, hate uh, mainstream releases that suck. I just, it, it, like I said earlier, the foundation of art consumption should be honesty. And that's why I like it when people bring, oh, I have this interpretation of this or this interpretation of this. Man, I'm all ears because I want to hear how your voice communed with the art, you know? And so that, that's like why when we get into the cabin in the woods, I, I man, my, my inner sensibilities connected with that movie and we had a conversation and even last night when I watched it with my son again we had another conversation and I love having that and I, I, I my hope is I guess to you know to close out at least what I've got for the segment is you know try the best you can if that's avoiding trailers if it's embracing trailers and other influences and talking about things beforehand to hype yourself up or avoiding things like Dave and I do to hype ourselves up whatever you do make sure that the foundation of your art consumption and how you consume media is rooted in honesty and just having a good time because otherwise you'll sit there with your arms crossed and nothing impresses me why do all these people gobble up movies and rate them high because they're having fun man let them do it you know 
And uh, yeah, just in, and, and hey, if you're being honest, hey, nothing impresses me, then that's that's on you too, and that's that's your own dance that you gotta you know contend with. Right on. I'm not gonna hate on those people who rate everything low, but my hope is that they're at least having a good time, you know. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to say. And I'm not trying to man. Everybody should just uh, have, have a have a good time, bro. But uh, kind of <laughs> an honest good time with the genre. We're we're fighting the good fight for the horror nation, and we want that nation to be having a freaking honest and a, a great time with the media, man. What do you think, Dave Z? Hey, listen, <laughs> yeah, just we're and I'm with you. We're not. I don't want to come off like I'm preaching, and I know you don't either. It's just no. We're just. Saying what we think, and if so, like I said, the way at the beginning of this, if if you don't like, you know, the way someone else, someone's methods are, then so be it. it just like you know, I don't like the you know people that are why I don't I don't it isn't that I don't like I don't understand why people are letting other things affect their experience of watching a film. Am I gonna you know single them out? Uh, in a discussion online or something and say, you know, you really should stop doing this. And maybe I don't do that. You know, people get enough of it when they hear me talk about it here, but I just, I'm to the point, you know what people do what they're going to do and I'm not going to pick them apart and I'm not going to, you know, wonder why and, and, and make an issue, whatever. If people want to love what they want to love and if people want to hate what they want to hate, you know what? Whatever. As long as you're not hurting anyone, you're not attacking anybody uh, in any way, shape, or form, then so be it. You could sit. You could sit here and talk all the trash you want about things that I, I might love and say, "Oh, this Friday the Thirteenth sure. sucks. Asperia sucks. This, that, the other thing." I'm to the point now. I'm not even going to respond. I just, I don't. Okay, you don't like it, so what? You know, if you tag me and, and want to pick a fight, I mean, that who would do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Who cares if I like something and you don't? That's there's very few things in life worth arguing or even fighting for that our time is really short on this planet. Let's just enjoy it. And that's all I can say about so many things nowadays that I find like, like I'm, you know, I'm a parrot. I say it at work. I say it around the house. I say it on a podcast. Now that's just where I am in life. Now it's just like our time is short. Just, you know, peace and love. I just, whatever. If I, if I say something on a podcast, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, help you uh, understand why I do what I do. And maybe you'll listen and maybe say, you know what, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to do it like, like, like Dave and Watson. Maybe I won't watch trailers and maybe it'll help me out. Or you might listen yeah, and sit there and say, well, the hell with those guys that I love watching trailers. It gets me hyped for the movie and I'm not going to let them tell me what to do. That's fine too. You do what <laughs> yeah, you, no, you do, you will do us. And that's it. As long as nobody gives anybody else a hard time about, about what they're doing is, is really what's important to me. I just want things to be, you know, peaceful, peace, man, just whatever. We, we, we only go around once. We have a short time together. Let's just enjoy ourselves. And I know this, I never intended that a, a talk about trailers would, would lead to me saying that, but that's just the person I've become now. And I hope it's not preachy because I'm just trying to say, hey, let's all lighten up. I, dude, I think it's a positive message, and I embrace that fully. I can't top that, man. I feel like this would be a great place to end the segment before we go into showtime because that that's this is a great place to leave you thinking. If you know, and I know we got people like Mr. Venom and and several other people who you know who who contribute on the page and whatnot and talk with us regularly who 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 do things more or less the way we do them, and that's pretty cool. You know, it if it helps them commune with the art, honest honestly. I love it, man. And, you know, the people who like the trailers, I'm just going to parrot what you said, but not as well. So I'm going to stop and I'm just going to say, man, we're, we're trying to get that peace and love message out. Dave Z, I love that you said that. 
time is uh, of of uh, it slips away faster than you think. I mean, my, my son just turned 16 last week, man. I remember holding him in my arms and he was just a baby. And now we're we're joking around all the time. He's taller than I am. I'm going to you know, there's going to be driving pretty soon and I'm going to be a nervous wreck. And, <laughs> you know, so oh I don't know. It's just <laughs> yeah, I know you do, buddy. So, folks, yeah, you know what? That that concludes our horror deep dive segment. And, you know, I think it's funny. I had I had more notes about the the industry of trailer making, but I'm so glad I didn't have to read any of that. I got these bullet points I'm looking at here. And I like that this went to a more organic kind of artful, honest place, because I hope and my, my hope here is that you can tell folks that we're sincere and that it's really not coming from a place of condemnation or building ourselves that we're telling you what works for us. And we hope Something works for you, whether it's our way or not. And man, that's our message. That concludes our horror deep dive segment, which brings act two of this horror show to a close. It is now time for the Wet Z Party Horror Show Showtime segment to commence. My friends, we're here in the third act of the party, and it's showtime. This is the film review portion of the episode, and this episode's feature review is of The Cabin in the Woods 2012. If you're a first-time listener, here's how we conduct these reviews. We'll begin with a synopsis of the film, give you some quick film setup, and then we'll give you all our likes, our dislikes, and finally we'll conclude with our final thoughts and ratings of the film. Folks, we keep it absolutely spoiler-free in this section of the show, so if you have not yet seen this film... You're free to keep on listening to determine whether or not this movie is for you or not. Synopsis time, folks. Let's do it. Five friends go for a break at a remote cabin where they get more than they bargained for as they find themselves terrorized by unstoppable backwoods zombies. But these monsters pale in comparison to the true horrors and unholy secrets that lie in the hands of those who observe and manipulate the very reality of the cabin in the woods. So... Let's talk film setup right now, shall we? Uh, man, that opening scene, Dave Z, that's a puzzler, isn't it? Like, a, and it was designed to be that way. If, because uh, I did listen to the commentary years back, not for this particular watch, but I guess uh, Whedon and, and Goddard had designed this opening scene to just like make you think you're in the wrong film. So we, <laughs> when it begins, we got these two middle-aged corporate type dudes in suits and are kind of like kind of middle management shirts with collars and ties on. And they look like they're in this just enormous office and they're casually talking about baby-proofing kitchen cabinets, marriage, the basic BS you talk about at work, right? And it's a pretty hilarious conversation that's seemingly unimportant on a first watch and then boom, in the middle of these guys just chatting away, we get in huge red letters, the cabin in the woods. Now, like I said, it's a puzzler of a scene, but then right here we get a change of scenery and we viewers get introduced to our five main protagonists. As we've seen possibly dozens and dozens of times before, they're a sexy group of college friends planning to head out to an isolated cabin in the woods to do all them things you gotta do, right? There's gonna be drinking, there's gonna be partying, there's gonna be some sweet loving. It's how it goes in these types of stories, right? Well, mysteriously enough, our characters come across a basement full of seemingly haunted charms of various sorts, and they raise from the dead a family of pretty much unkillable backwood zombies, but to add a little more intrigue here, this threat to their lives isn't all there is to the story. It's 
really only the icing on an already horrific cake, and that's because our characters are being observed and manipulated every step of the way toward a much bigger grandiose endgame. So, that's our setup, Dave Z. Now, before we get into likes and dislikes, I, I got I gotta say a quick word about this film and why it stands out to me like it does. And I, I hope that's all right, Dave. Do, do yeah, I got it, buddy? <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. Um, so I got into podcasts, li- you know, podcast listening back in 2006 or so. First podcast I ever heard was author Dean Koontz's podcast, and I would also listen at the same time to travel guru Rick Steves. He had you know his whole Rick Steves Europe, and I love to hear just about the world, you know. Now I seem to remember, and Dave, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, and maybe anybody listening remembers this from back then. But does anybody remember a term called audio blogs? That's what they used to call them before they were called podcasts. Like, <laughs> do you remember that? Do you ever hear that? I think so, yeah. I do, yeah. I do recall audio blogs. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I remember, oh, listen to Dean Koontz's latest audio blog, and it's it's a podcast, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that back then I was hardcore into podcasts, didn't really know what they were, so I fell off. But then back in 2012, I got into them again hardcore, and I discovered, like, the No Sleep podcast and a number of other audio drama shows, right? One of these was called Tales to Terrify. So... We're in 2015 now, and I remember listening to a segment on Tales to Terrify that only came once a month, two guys who would review horror films from a fun and super intellectual standpoint. Now, I had ne- 2015, I'd never heard horror film review podcasts before, didn't know that was a thing. You you would have been podcasting, you know, well at that time, probably Exploding Heads wouldn't have been out yet, but you were doing Banana Laser, probably The Crew. Uh, were you on The Crew in 15? 15? Uh, let me think yeah. about this. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Okay. All right, yeah, so you would have been, you know, podcasting away, but meanwhile, I'm over in my own horror world. I have no idea if film review podcasts exist. Well, this Tales to Terrify show, they do, like, scary stories, and it was pretty literary, pretty literary stuff. Well, this librarian guy who had a really weird name called Shallon Hurlbert and this author named Mike Allen would do these deep deep dives into the movies. And can you all guess, three guesses, first two don't count, which is the first film I heard them do? Yes, Cabin in the Woods. So, folks... These two were having such a blast analyzing this film, and I remember thinking to myself in 2015, I wish I could sit there with these guys and have this conversation. I have so much I want to add and say. So from this point on, I began to look for shows. I'm like, There's this this whole film review thing has got to be a thing. That This can't be the only show like this just as a segment. Well, come to find out, oh, it is a thing. And so th- this would be when I began cooking up ideas for what would eventually be uh, what we, we first called it a dirty, filthy horror, and then eventually became Horror Corridor. So long story short, Cabin in the Woods is what got me into film review podcasting. It's what planted that seed. So fast forward to 2016, I make episode two of my solo cast, Horror Corridor. I've just met uh, the old, I'm just on Horophilia. I've met Dave Z. I think you were like maybe the first person. You and Justin from 22 Shots were the first people who ever heard my, and Jay of the Dead from Horror Movie Podcast. You three were the first people to ever hear my show. And so, anyways, we're talking around this time, and I made this, now it's episode two, okay, of Horror Corridor. I make this three-hour and 14-minute episode where I talk about how to define horror, and then I gave all these crazy lists. I don't know if you remember that, Dave Z's, like, my favorite horror novels, favorite horror video games, favorite horror graphic novels, and then the favorite horror movies. Folks, I made, if anybody remembers that, because I got more mail for that episode than anything else I've ever done since uh, since then. That's not necessarily true, but close. I made six vastly different lists for that episode and I, I I chose the one I felt might be the weirdest and it's not a list I would stand by now in 2019 uh, you know Brandon from Exploding Heads you know from your show Exploding Heads talks about that all the time about how his lists are always changing I don't know are you that way Dave do your lists change constantly well 
I probably wouldn't know because I, I haven't, you know, every time I've made a list for a podcast or forever for anything, I never go back to, to mess around. I will say oh. this. I will say this, though. I've noticed recently that because I'm trying to put together uh, my top 100 list for the decade because we're all working yes. on that for the Exploding oh Head Show. Yep. I um going back and I'm looking at some of my movies and I'm looking at the ratings and there are some just but just by look at these are movies that I've only seen once maybe twice in the past 2012 13 14 etc and I'm looking at my top 10 list from the past and I'm seeing some movies that are in my top 10 and then I'm seeing other movies that are further down like maybe number 16 or something like that and I'm recalling the the number 16 movie uh, in a fairer light than I am the the movie that may be in the top ten, and I'm actually like, you know what? <laughs> Looking back on it now, I really like this movie, and this movie, I'm not so excited to watch it again. So, I guess it, because of that, I guess list my list can change. I mean, Halloween yeah. took took over The Shining after 30 years of it being number one a couple years ago. I remember so that that happened, but. I remember your episode on that, and I was—I was—I remember going, "Holy crap! I can't believe Dave is saying this." I—I I, I thought it was great, but I just—it was really cool. And and yeah, and, and regarding this episode two of Horror Quarter, I'm, I'm like in the same boat where if I were to list, I don't remember exactly what the list was, but I'm sure I'd be like, "Hmm, that one wouldn't make the list at all. That one shouldn't. Oh, that one should be higher, you know." And so, but the Cabin in the Woods was on the particular list on that episode. So since then. Folks, for the last three years, it's always been my intention to eventually review The Cabin in the Woods, but it's always kind of intimidated me because I feel this movie has so much to say and I don't know where to begin on it. Uh, so here we are now. I, I'm ready to go on the Showtime segment, my friends. So Dave Z, unless there's anything else, any uh, any further preamble, what do you say we get into our likes, buddy? What do you got for us? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you that I think, and this is a very... <laughs> It's a blanket. It, it, it's the general idea uh, of this film. Whoever sat down and wrote this and said, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm, I want to make a movie about this, this, and this, but I want to show this, this, and this, and the reason for this, this, and this. It, the general idea of this movie is brilliant. There's there's, there's no getting yeah, around yeah. that. I don't think that... No, I, I know that there was not a movie like this before. So... For that reason, it's groundbreaking. So I know it's a very, you know, general statement, but the idea of this film is a brilliant idea. No, absolutely. And I, I kind of want to play off that originality right now with my first like, and I want, but I want to focus it on the characters themselves. So this like encompasses kind of something that I mentioned in episode four of the show when we were doing our five least favorite horror cliches. And then we're talking about how we want to fix each of those cliches. And we talked about character nuances. Well, rather than these lazy stereotypes that we see time and time again, this film gives us characters that are bigger than that. And I think the movie handles just this aspect incredibly. Like, so in the story, the supposedly wholesome final girl just ended an illicit love affair with her professor, okay? The hot, sex-crazed blonde bimbo is a pre-med student. The smart character is a jock who has the best hands on the team. As another character says, the alpha male character played by Thor is a sociology major on full academic scholarship. And the stupid stoner is the smartest guy in the entire cast. And so, and, and let's talk about the cast themselves, you know. So so already we've seen that the stereotypes aren't fitting. Then the cast themselves, I mean, Kristen Connolly is our final girl. 
oh, she's adorable as it gets, man. And she's great. The, the, the sexy lady played by Anna Hutchison. She's about as hot as it gets. Same with the dudes, actually. They're all studs. The smart guy, he's shredded. I mean, you gotta be, right? We got Thor here as Kurt, the character of Kurt. And we know how handsome Chris Hemsworth is. Hell, even Marty the Stoner played by Fran Kranz. There's a scene, you know, Daves, you do remember the scene where they're all swimming in the lake by the cabin? Well, I guess they deliberately made sure Marty didn't take his shirt off because at the time he was in like, so like way better shape than, than Thor and the ripped smart dude. They felt like it would derail his character if they show him just being like buff as hell. <laughs> wow. So, interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was, they just said, dude, he's cut. Like we can't, we, you can't be a stoner, the nerdy, the nerd, the stoner guy, the fool and be buffer than the jock and the. And, the, you know, the big alpha male guy. So uh, keep your shirt on and wear bigger clothes. So, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, cool. so yeah, that's that. But, uh, I, okay. going to take a minute to stop talking about hot guys here. And I'm going <laughs> to, I'm putting it out there <laughs> that these five actors as these five characters make up one of my absolute favorite ensembles in a horror movie of this kind. And like Dave said, though, there really is no other movie quite like this, but in a way, they all are. And, you know, that's a vague statement for anyone who's never seen it, but we'll just leave it at that. But, man, I'm always excited to see this cast of characters when I watch this movie. And I, you know, I'd like to say more about the intricate character dynamics at play here, but we'll just keep to performances here because if I go deeper into the whys and hows, it's spoilerific all the way. But we've got Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. They're fucking amazing in this movie. And I'm sad to say that, again, going too deeply into who they are, why they are, and what their characters mean, it means getting into spoilers. But I'll just say that I could watch these two do the things they have to do in this movie all day long. Uh, hell, a movie or series just about these two characters alone would have me watching in an instant. So what's genius, though, about this script that Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard wrote is how it takes these nuanced leads and works to guide and settle them into the cliched roles with which we're all familiar. You know, we're essentially watching the breakdown of these complex human characters into something simple, you know, something ripped straight out of any uninspired horror movie script. And I love it, man. This film is it's it's making a specific meta theatrical statement about the role that this horror movie scenario, this basic well-worn cabin in the woods template plays in our genre. It's looking at character tropes story cliches and genre stereotypes as a whole and it's letting us know why these things have to exist while simultaneously letting us know that you know they shouldn't have to exist anymore it's grandiose it's brilliant that's my first like Davesy, what do you got for number two buddy or unless you want to say more on that sorry we, we, we usually give each other opportunities to to respond I, I didn't give you that i just kind of went right to you what do you think am i am i on point with the characters absolutely you're on point with the characters the movie sets out to to do something with intent and to have these these particular type of characters for a, a very important reason and it does it well and again it's done for it's for the bigger picture yes uh, yeah <laughs> and yeah absolutely it, it, it does it well and and the, the performances are good and yeah i can't take anything away from that i agree with you yeah cool all right what, do, what have you got for us with your next like dave z i really like the added element of the um the gambling that's going on, the uh, oh. betting on um, <laughs> the antagonist and, and what's going to happen, and you know that whole gimmick. Whoever came up with that idea, that adds something. They could have done it without that. They could have just said, "This is the way this operation works." But whoever said, "Hey, it's an office. Why not have uh, an office? You know, uh, an office pool like people like to do in, in, oh, yeah. in offices, and and add that element to it. It's a, it's a little thing." But it helps the movie chug along, and there's there's situations where 
you know, what they want to see is recalled later on. And that that, that, <laughs> yeah. that works really well. That that little scene, I know you know what I'm talking about. I do, yeah. But all that stuff is really cool. I, I like the fact that they that they're betting on the outcome. It's just it's just a little something extra, a, a detail that that really works. You know what really is, and I I do have something to say about that in my next uh, in my next like here. So I guess uh, I'll kind of respond to that by getting into my next like as well. And it has to do, and I don't know if you're going to agree with this, and I know a lot of people don't, and that's cool. I, I I'm I'm fine with that. But this next like it revolves around the humor that's baked into the story here. Now, it absolutely works for me, my friends, and I and like I said, I know some people prefer their horror humorless. And that's cool. I get that. I'll never come down on people who think like that. It's cool. But whereas some films might be wacky for no apparent reason, I truly do believe that the humorous aspects of this movie are deliberate and important. So first off, we'll start with our stoner character, Marty. Okay, he's played wonderfully by Fran, Fran Kranz. Is that how you say his name? Fran Kranz? Such an odd name. Is that but how it's spelled? That's... F-R-A-N-K-R-A-N-Z yeah. is my guess? Yep. Fran Kranz. Yep. That's how, okay. I'm, that's how I'm saying it. So, but his job in the movie... Fran Kranz. Oh, I like that's what we're saying now. Fran Kranz. Uh, his, his job is to provide levity in a funny way, much like Randy in Scream 1996. Okay, he's saying what we viewers are thinking, although there's a stark difference here. I would not go so far as to say that Marty is the film's audience surrogate by any means. The the role I want to be vague here, but the role of the audience is made very clear in this film, and Marty is not that, <laughs> okay? But from a humor standpoint, he delivers them goods. So, uh, Fran Kranz. So, <laughs> keeping with the humor, though, and kind of going off what you said and why I think it's important in this story, there are characters in this movie who are separate from our five central protagonists, okay? We are introduced to a few of these right in the first scene of the film, and you might say that they are another set of protagonists, if you will, and I, I think that's I think some people might debate that, but I'll get to that in After Party. But these are another set of protagonists who have their own vital role regarding how the fabric of the story rolls out, so to speak. So to say any more than that, you know, getting into spoilers, so we'll get to that, like I said, in After Party. But what I can say is that these people have to do some pretty dark things so that the plot can move forward step by step. And so their gallows humor fits in perfectly when you consider how it's juxtaposed with the very serious tasks they have ahead of them. It's the type of humor I would imagine like soldiers, doctors, morgue workers, you know, people with disturbing professions might have, and I think it fits this movie to a T and is justified in that way. It's not just silliness for silliness sake. There's a reason in the blowing off steam, like if we don't, like if, if I don't laugh, I'm crying. You know what I mean? <laughs> but two scenes <laughs> right. come to mind that exemplify this. One has uh, Richard Jenkins, who I loved in Bone Tomahawk. Uh, mm -hmm. yelling at a screen full of Japanese children just like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you and that's hard edit city right there but I die laughing every time that scene happens and then there's a little scene later on when Bradley Whitford's character he's starting to get a little introspective about his role in everything and he never quite gets to that emotionally poignant place because tequila is my lady <laughs> my lady <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That scene never fails to make me laugh every time because he's just like, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm really rooting for her. And, you know, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, we're talking in code here. But, you know, he's rooting for a character and you're maybe thinking, oh, are you? That's kind of strange that you would, you know, who you are in this story. And then he just gets derailed about, you know, just in, yeah, because alcohol is in the room. It's silly. Yes, I know it is, but it's demonstrative of the way we sometimes need to, as I said, laugh to keep from crying. 
I think the humor really adds to this movie for me personally because it makes sense. It's not just silly to be wacky, you know, no, hey, let's throw a joke in here and make it, you know, just strange. It, it, it does fit to me because there are serious moments as well, and I do feel like there's a good contrast there. So, uh, Dave Z, what, what do you think, man? I, I'm curious to know because humor, I know horror comedies are hit and miss for you. I don't consider this horror comedy. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you. Yeah, the little bit of humor that, that you do see is just used for levity, and that's the way it yeah. should be. Good. Okay, cool. What's your next like, buddy? Okay. You briefly spoke about them when he was saying F you, F you, F you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the whole way that they give props to Japan and Japanese horror. Yes. Really good. Really, They, they got a perfect record, they say, and, they, you know, just... I love those Japanese ghost stories and the way they're portrayed even on the screen, even when they, they do have that, uh, when it's resolved, which doesn't yeah. usually happen when they're all doing it, turned into a frog, <laughs> that whole thing is uh, is great. But I love how they, uh, of all the other nations to um, to highlight, how they, they singled out Japan as uh, having a perfect record and that, that they are the tops. Just that little nod to the J-horror, to the, to the ghostlies. Is um, yeah, I really appreciate that. That makes me smile. The, the Japanese are awesome. So yeah, I, I second you that. Yeah, they, they said uh, they're and of course anyone who hasn't seen this might be like, wait, what? What references to Japanese horror? What? Yeah, the, our characters are referencing certain tropes of Japanese horror and sort of kind of offhandedly saying that they're number one. But hey, America's number two, and we try harder. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so. Great. Dave Z, you're going to want to, you, you know, you'll be into this one. So my next like here is the low-hanging fruit of likes, but that doesn't make it any less legit, my friends, and that is the blood and gore. So, folks, this movie has a, hmm, okay, I'm just, I'll just say it. It has a significant body count. <laughs> <laughs> I've read that the official number is 69 people, but, you know, I suppose there's another way to interpret that, if, if you will, and maybe we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But that said, there is a scene in the third act of this film where you just know the filmmakers took a fire hose that shoots out blood and body parts, and they just sprayed the hell out of a certain room. So much death. It's beautiful. And the variety of the kills, it's... It's astounding. There's no other horror movie that's ever done this. And believe me, it will take multiple watches to let it all sink in. It's a true feast for the eyes in this third act, my party peeps. Believe me on that. But hell, uh, let's even go back to the second act when the violence first finds our characters there at the cabin. I mean, it's, it's brutal stuff. You know, these antagonists mean business. And even though they're a family of zombies, so to speak, they're pretty much unkillable. Like, there's nothing you can do about them unless you have a wood chipper handy and... Spoiler alert, our protagonists do not have a wood chipper handy. So, you know, even headshots, we see one of the zombies take a crowbar through the head and just get stabbed with a with a, just a huge knife. And he's back later on. Like, you, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He does come he, back. Yep. Even the headshots won't keep these things down and they just keep on coming until you're dead. But if we're talking about special effects in general here, not just the gore and the, and the violence specifically, we got to talk creature design. The makeup effects artist nailed it on this movie. And in fact, I don't know if you've ever heard this, Dave Z. This was honestly a surprise to me kind of reading up on this film for this episode. Scream Queen Heather Langenkamp was part of the makeup department in this film, credited in secret as Heather L. Anderson. Have you ever, have you ever heard that? As Heather L. Anderson, no, but it's so funny you should bring that up because... Why's that? When you first said that, I was thinking, yeah, I was going to tell you. Yes, I noticed that in the credits, but that's where I... Uh, 
I noticed her name come up in the credits in the Dawn of the Dead remake when I first saw that at the what? theater. And it was in a different apartment. Was it the makeup? I don't know. But I remember it coming up somewhere. And it's, it's and I, it had to be her. I, I think with that name, she's the only one. I really do. Has so, to be. Right? So her name came up in the Dawn of the Dead credits. I remember being at the theater when it first came out in, I want to say, 2004 and seeing it there. Yep. And then, yeah, I was like, how, how do you like that? What's that all about? And then I, after that, I never thought about it again. And when you were saying it now, it took me back to seeing it in the Dawn <laughs> of the Dead credits. But, and I was going to say, you know, I got confused because it, it's her. But no, I didn't know that. It, obviously, how would I know since they called her Anderson, you said, right? Yep, Heather L. Anderson is the is how she's credited, and yeah, that I mean that's pretty crazy. And man, I got I got to check that out on Dawn of the Dead, and and if there is another Heather Langenkamp working in horror, that's that that's 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 too crazy to even be real. There, there's got to be a documentary about this, like called The Other Heather or something like that. That'd be crazy. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Come on. For so, sure. uh, but yeah, to, to, just to finish this out that's crazy daisy you kind of blew my mind with the the dawn of the dead thing so anyways i'm just so impressed by the diversity of kills we get in this movie that i'm bursting at the seams to keep from spoiling stuff like suffice it to say there are no characters in this movie that make it out unscathed like these filmmakers aren't handling their characters with kid gloves and i adore that like all too often it's so easy to see which character in a horror movie is going to be okay and let's say this person does happen to get seriously injured or even maimed permanently it's usually in a dream sequence and that right there is so safe and boring to me that's why this film gets such praise you know from my from me i was about to say my camp but it's just it's just me in my camp so from me because you get the sense that literally everyone on screen is expendable and there's something just risky about that that i really love when filmmakers go we're gonna take that risk so yeah, that that's so yeah. I'm all that under the umbrella of special effects and blood and gore and violence. So yeah, I mean, what what do you think about the violence, Dave Z? This movie uh, hands us uh, viewers a little bit of that. Oh yeah, I and you know I'm a gore hound and uh, yeah yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's part of my my last like, which I uh, which I kind of took a um I kind of did it cheaply in a way. <laughs> uh, but, but you'll see when I get to it in a second. But yes. I love it. All those kills and when it when it really gets into mayhem time and <laughs> you got body parts flying, you got this and that, the other thing and all kinds of different, uh, I don't want to get too spoiler here, but just all kinds of things happening at once to all different type of people from all different type of uh, people uh, and other things <laughs> going on. Yeah, exactly. well said, yeah. <laughs> it's great, man. I, I love it. And lots, lots yes, of fun. Yes, yes, yes. By yeah. the way, Heather Langenkamp, I just looked it up on the B. Tell she it. has she has four credits in the makeup department. The very first one, 2004, Dawn of the Dead. So what? There it was. Okay. Yep. 2005, Cinderella Man, special makeup effects. She was Dawn of the what? Dead. She was prosthetics. Evan Almighty, special makeup effects coordinator. Now, in Dawn of the Dead, it says prosthetics production crew as Heather Lagenkamp Anderson. So. Oh. She married an Anderson. Maybe she's still married. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So by the time she did Cabin in the Woods, she just decided to cut the leg and camp out to maybe not be noticed. And she became Heather L. Anderson, Cabin in the Woods. And that's the, the last time. So she worked four movies in the makeup department between 2004 and 2011. So there you go. Those are all big movies, man. I know, right? I know Cinderella Man, too, and Evan Almighty. Yeah, they are big movies. Yeah. Pretty crazy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Quick thing, you mentioned Evan Almighty uh, back on one of my, uh, well, I almost said recent, but there's nothing recent about them. But one of my uh, l latest uh, Horror Corridor episodes, I read, 
I used to do the YouTube comments section segment, <laughs> and there was, I think it was for the movie Revenge 2018, it's that, you know, sort of French movie, and it's super bloody and violent and crazy. Well, somebody wrote, like, even better than Evan Almighty, in the in, and, I, and I read that on the show because I'm just like, or like, not as good as Evan Almighty, or something like that. I'm just like, wait, what? Wow. Who... who thought of Evan Almighty when we're dealing with this movie. And yeah, and so I sometimes think about that movie and just kind of laugh to myself. So <laughs> sorry, Dave Z. <laughs> no, that's funny. Wow, that's what a weird connection. <laughs> I know. Wow, Evan Almighty. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, there, there you have it. So yeah, uh, I'm with you on that one. That's a lot okay. of fun. A lot of fun. Cool. So what is your next like then? Yeah, what, what have you got here? Well, it's like I said, I kind of took a cheap way out. I, I kind of did a little bit of a cop out and... Uh, <laughs> Basically, can I just say the entire third act? Because that's that's mm-hmm. what it is. Because, dude, as I'm watching this film, I can't wait for it to get to the third act. And I don't I, know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because it's almost like I'm sitting there tapping my feet saying, okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. You know what I mean? Is it because I love it so much and it's so much better? Is, is it because I have seen the first two acts before? I know where it's going to lead and that isn't the... Sure. Uh, my favorite parts is it is it because the other part is so good and the other stuff so dull or a combination of both or what i don't know but i'm just waiting for the third act and when our characters are discover what we as the audience already knows and it takes that turn from then on in my eyes are glued to the screen and i just love every every second of that dude i have a bullet point here that says that this third act of this film is one of my favorite third acts of all time in a horror movie, and I, I'm com- I'm in complete agreement with you there. And the way the movie ultimately ends, okay, I obviously, you know, obviously we, we're not going to say what happens there, but I can I can say that I think it was the only possible way to end this movie. What do you think about that? The only way to end the movie. Um, do you think do you like that ending? I I like oh, that I, they I, went I, for I it. I love it. Of course I do. Yes. I mean, that's not the only way they could have ended it. They could have, in fact, in yeah, an after party, I've got some things to say about uh we're gonna folks we're gonna get deep into uh philosophical morality believe me it's gonna it's gonna get crazy on 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 that front uh when we regard the ending and just kind of the overall the things that like like dave said the things that we know that the characters don't regarding kind of richard jenkins and bradley whitford and sort of what they and their people have to do in their roles in this movie and how they play into it we're gonna get crazy with that so dave z i'm right there with you about that third act and you know and i think i think it hits so hard because you know those first two acts while i do like them and i think they're strong they they follow a formula that we that we know and maybe not completely because obviously as we also know there are other things going on in those first two acts that are like okay we've never seen this before or rather we've seen this before but now we're seeing why these things are happening i guess might be an accurate way to kind of paint it even though vague for people who haven't seen the movie but yeah, that when once it gets to that third act, everything the train goes off the rails in the best way possible, and you've just never seen this. You just have to now see how the crash is gonna happen, and and it's 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 lovely. I, I freaking I, what an odd word I just used there, but <laughs> so, lovely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, my my last like here, and I'm in total agreement with you, Dave Z, has to do with the rewatch value of the film for me. Now, I like it when a film is deliberately designed to be seen more than once, like Hereditary, Trick or Treat, one of my favorite comedies from 2007 with Paul Rudd and uh, Winona Ryder and a whole huge ensemble cast. It's called The Ten. You are not designed or the film is not designed for you to understand what you're seeing the first time around. 
But, you know, once you see it that second time, all the inside jokes, things that happen early in the film that are callbacks to later, you go, oh, okay. I, I guess on a second watch, it, it makes it that much richer. And The Cabin in the Woods does that for me. You know, these are stories. All these things I mentioned are stories that benefit from a repeat viewing because, you know, you, you can't catch what's going on that first go around. You know, it's just a lot to take in. It helps to have a pause button handy so that you can examine things more closely and more slowly. Like people who enjoy mining easter eggs from their films will have a field day with this movie like there's a scene involving dave already mentioned it kind of in passing a whiteboard that has things written on it that comes to mind there's a scene in an elevator that comes to mind and, and um we'll just leave it at that and so that's uh that's what i've got there that's my last like i'll finish just kind of close it out by saying that i appreciate filmmakers who take the time to give the viewer a lot to work with what do, what do you think about that dave z Oh, yeah, well, we know that about you, and uh, I think yeah. some people <laughs> may know that about me. I, I, I like yep. films like that as well, so <laughs> hell <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, oh, shoot, and I should have said The Witch as well. The Witch is one of those where, yeah, you can watch it that first time around, but once you see it the second time, you go, oh, there's a cup there that I didn't notice before, and there's a thing here, and, well, you know, it's... It's just a richer experience even on the second go around. And unlike you, Dave, well, you know what? You're converting me. Maybe you have converted me, but you know how I am with rewatches. I, I take forever to do them. I, I'm now enjoying rewatching rather than always being kind of, oh, I saw it once. I'm good. Oh, man. You just scratched the surface on the first watch. I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, that's I, one I, thing. I agree. Two, people say sometimes I don't like to disagree. And that's only online and it's only over nonsense, nonsensical stuff. But I will disagree with anybody that comes and tells me, hey, you know what? I, if I watch a movie once, I've got it all. I will tell you. And I have friends that, that, that feel that way. I will tell them. And I'll tell anyone listening. I disagree with you. I'm sorry. I think, unless it's just my mind, the way my mind works. But when I watch a film okay. the first time, it's just different. Because I'm just, I'm watching the film. I'm seeing it for the first time something about watching it the second time where you already know what to expect now you can exhale mentally and just take it in and start noticing other nuances about the film that you didn't pick up on the first time because you were you're, you're paying attention so much to the plot and watching everything unfold that you're not necessarily noticing the small things at least that's how it works with me so i'll always say the second view is the important one and that's just my belief that that's all there is to it i and i'm glad to hear that you are, are down with that scene Yes, yeah, I am, and I didn't used to be, not because I didn't believe that a rewatch would, it's not that I was thinking, oh, this rewatch won't make this better for me, I just, I'm so on the go, I'm always up to stuff, and so for me, it's like, okay, I, I'm more focused on getting a new film experience rather than rehashing what I've already seen, and so sometimes it can be to the detriment of a film, like, like say, I've never seen The House That Jack Built for a second time, I know. It was my number two of the year last year, and I know that a second watch would be, oh, so much better, even, you know, thinking about just all the subtext there, and, you know, I only kind of caught it in passing, and I did feel like I caught it well. I, I'm, a lot of the time, I can catch that subtext stuff and really weave it into my own in interpretations and my and how I work and what I have to offer as a, some guy who studied some books once. Uh, but, yeah, th that second view is so important, and, and I, I'm definitely with you on that. And this, what, what's cool about The Cabin in the Woods is when you do watch it that second time, it, you can relax and go, okay, here's what's... I, I see what's going on and why it has to be this way and what's, you know, what's going on. Oh, I didn't notice that in the corner before, and because you're not supposed to. And that's pretty cool when movies really work to do that. So that's my last like, Dave Z. I guess it's dislike time. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um, I'm going to guess that you have very few dislikes. 
and I have few, but I do have something. I'm not sure if my dislikes are going to be spoiler or not by the way I'm going to say Ooh, it. Ooh, okay, okay. So, I mean, I, I will come out and say them afterwards when you're editing. If you think they belong in the spoiler section, then put them in there. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, that sounds good to me. All right, then. So, how many do you have? I have one kind of big one. One kind of big one. Well, you better let me go first because I have okay. three. Okay, let's do it. Okay, actually four, <laughs> but... All right. Okay. <clears throat> no, it's. I'll keep it at three. The other one isn't necessarily a dislike. It's, it's man, it's hard to explain, but I, I will save that whole conversation for, for spoiler. But let me get, let me get okay. to the matter at hand here. Okay. Let's do it. A thousand apologies, my dear friends and listeners of the What's Z Party Horror Show, but it is with the utmost respect that I interrupt this episode's regularly scheduled Showtime segment. After giving this review my careful and quite judicious consideration, I find Mr. Watson and Dave Z guilty of violating their own cardinal rule regarding the inclusion of spoilers in this third act of the podcast. It is my belief that even we most gracious of party peeps would find it terribly unbecoming of our two hosts were they to simply ignore their own statutes and guidelines, after all, you can't talk as much shit as these two gentlemen do about keeping spoiler talk where it belongs if indeed they do not intend to keep such things in their proper place. And so, at this point in this critique, we will be unceremoniously skipping forward to the host's final thoughts and ratings of the cabin in the woods in lieu of hearing what further concerns and quibbles Mr. Zwat and Z have with the movie. That spoiler-filled audio has been placed in the after-party section of the show, so please stay to hear that. Thank you very much you sexy party peeps. Enjoyed the rest of the horror show. Let's do final thoughts and ratings, my friend. Uh, what, what have you got for us, man? I'm, I'm really curious to hear where you are on this. Okay, this, this could change after the after the after party. If you can okay. convince me of something uh, where a major thing with the way this movie is, the way things unfold, I think would have been it would have done the movie a better service if it would if it was done if it unfolded a different way. But we'll okay. get to that. So I maybe I could be talked up, but then again, I don't know. I don't know if I could talk you down either. And I'm not, I, I, that's not what I aim to do. <laughs> no, I'm I'm open to that. Like just like before, when you said something and I had a complaint and you made it right for me, I said I, I erased oh. it off the, the board. I can do that. A lot of people hold their like I always say that they hold their opinions like they hold their balls. They 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 just <laughs> yeah. they cannot freaking change their mind no matter what kind of things they're told me. I welcome that. It isn't, it isn't, and it's not that I'm a pushover because believe me, I try very hard to persuade people to think my way when I'm going at it. You listen to Exploding Heads, and I have changed uh, the, the the minds of B and C on different occasions, and and vice versa. So I'm I'm not you know I'm not saying that I can't have my mind changed. I like to have my mind changed, and I rise to the challenge sometimes to change a, a co-host mind when because otherwise. You know, what good are you doing if you're just talking, 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 saying this, this, and this, and this, and they just say, well, I hear what you're saying, but still 10 out of 10. That's fine. God sure. bless you. <laughs> I'm not against that, but I can be, I could, I could have my opinion changed. I can be swayed a little bit and I like to do a little swing, but yeah. as of right now, because of the way it is, I still really do enjoy the movie. 
And I will say this, this movie, and it's not really spoiled because it's only one movie out of 100. Initially, this movie was not going to make my top 100 of the decade. But because of the rating I gave it this time and this view, I have come up. And for me, now it's an 8.5 out of 10. Hey, okay. Very nice, very nice. Good. Okay, good rating. Wow. Um, you know, for me, as I stand right now, like this film is like is like this grand experiment that is totally unique unto itself it, it is making my top 100 you know for sure but you know and, and here's the thing you know with, with there are other meta horror movies out there of course and, but this one here goes about its message in a more ambitious and monumental fashion than anything that's come before it or since the only movie that i feel touches it in terms of delivering this brand of genre deconstruction is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon in 2007, but even then, Behind the Mask is a low-budget project that concerns itself with the slasher subgenre only, and possibly it might have been a little too niche for its own good. The Cabin in the Woods here, while fresh and innovative and intelligent in that same way, doesn't bog itself down by being inaccessible. New horror fans can watch it, have some fun. Diehard horror fans, though, can watch this and get some value from what these filmmakers are trying to say. And what exactly is the movie trying to say? Well, you know, this movie's a biting commentary, a scathing love letter, I guess you could say, to the horror genre. It acknowledges that horror is a living, breathing, and ever-evolving thing, and it's urging it forward. It's asserting that filmmakers ought to craft stories that deviate from the norm so that horror can mature and grow into something better than it's ever been. But, you know, the flip side is that Goddard and Whedon are also stating that there are people out there in the horror community who oppose this evolution, you know, this push forward. They want the same old, same old, and they'll destroy the ever-living hell out of you if you don't deliver the tropes and all their tired glory, you know? It's the sad nature of the beast that the proverbial stage simply must be set as it always has been, that the proverbial, the proverbial and literal show must play out as it always has, or else it's curtains. I wish I could go deeper into the more complex psychological ideas that I think are operating throughout this film. Hit me hard, man, in, in the mind. And so, and I'll talk about these things in the after party, but as for now, folks, every once in a while, a film comes along that checks every single box for me. The movie plays out, and I think to myself, this is damn close to how I would have written this myself. And that's what we have on our hands here. You know, when I saw this in 2012 with my buddy Aaron, I was walking in thinking I'm going to come out, and, you know, seeing maybe this in Evil Dead or Cabin Fever knockoff. And I got something I never would have dreamed of. And I remember telling my buddy Aaron, like, I feel like I saw a movie that was made for me. And so for me, as it stands right now, it's a solid 10 out of 10. And every time I see this, it makes me truly happy to be a horror fan. It gives me a lot of joy. And so, yeah, that, that does it for our spoiler-free review of The Cabin in the Woods 2012, thus concluding our Showtime segment, which brings Act 3 of this horror show to a close. All right, folks, only one more order of business to attend to before we wrap things up, and that's where we choose the film we'll be reviewing for the next show. If you're new to the show, then here's, here's what's up. At this point in every episode, Dave Z will come prepared with a movie. Mr. Watson, that's me, will come prepared with a movie. And this time we'll be selecting a film from 2011, and neither of us knows what the other has in mind. We'll then flip a coin using a coin flipping app that Dave Z's got handy, and then we'll see whose selection makes it to the next show. So right now it's Dave's turn to, it's, I'll, it's my turn to slur my words, but right now it's Dave's <laughs> turn to flip the coin and my turn to call it. So Dave, are you are you ready, buddy? Uh, no, and let me, let me tell you why. Nope. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Check it out. My iTunes is acting real funny for some reason. Okay. Not my iTunes, excuse me. My freaking Apple ID. So Uh-oh. it's not allowing me to get an app. So okay. I am either going to have to find another app another way or get a real coin and flip it. Well, either way, I add the sound effect and post. <laughs> what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'll run upstairs and get a coin. I'm sure okay. it's not going to be hard. Okay. 
All right. Folks, I'll, I'll be, be back right in uh, about 13 seconds. Okay. And I'm back. Hey. How about that? Went upstairs, grabbed a penny, rock and roll. Nice. When I edit it, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be kind of instant. You're going to say that you, <laughs> that you just left and then you'll be like, and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to keep it in real time, but that's great too. <laughs> okay. So here I am. I got the coin in my hand. Now, All right. Tell me when you flip and I'll call it. What, what do you think, man? Do you want me to catch it in the air and oh. flip it on my other wrist or do you want me to let it hit the floor? Catch it in the air and flip it on your wrist. Okay. So here we go. All right. One, two, three. Tails. And it's heads. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Well, then what have you got for us, my friend? Folks, Ooh. Dave Z won the coin toss. That means he gets to choose the 2011 film for our next episode. Buddy, what do you got? I'll tell you what. This was the only one. That, when I looked at 2011 movies, this was the only one that I felt was going to fit our criteria. And I've only seen oh, it wow. twice, two very, and a couple of very spaced out encounters. Like once, when it first came out, and then maybe once like, Five years later, and it's been a couple of years, but uh, I am I'm going excited, to choose man. the innkeepers. Oh, how about that? Have you seen it? I have seen it once when it came out, and here's the thing: I never finished it completely because, and not because I didn't enjoy it, but because the girl in that film looked identical to the girl I had just broken up with, and it was like kind of like messing with me to watch the movie. Wow, really. Yeah. So Damn. I never have finished it because, yeah, Sarah Paxton in that movie with the short hair like that look, I mean, identical. In fact, this girl was an actress and I remember thinking to myself, oh, no, don't tell me she landed a horror movie. And then like, OK, that's oh, that's not her. Oh, OK. Whew. And so I am I am yet to see this movie out in full. And I have been wanting to because I like Ty West and I have heard great things about this movie. And I, yeah, dude, I'm excited to hear it. Good, good choice. I was I was between two, uh, two 2011 films and I couldn't decide which. And I, I completely forgot about the innkeepers. Let me know which two were you looking at. Kill List and The Woman. OK, I'm a big fan of The Woman. I have not seen Kill List. I really, really wanted to talk about Absentia, but I discussed it on the very first episode of ABC's A Hidden Horror. But I am a big fan of that movie, and that is one that I would love to die. You and I could go deep on that and have a, a hell oh, of a discussion. But because of our rule, yes. I, I couldn't. So I had to defer. Because honestly, for 2011, I didn't see anything else that I, I, I could have picked uh, as far as sure. something that we can dissect. And The Innkeepers, I remember... You know, it's the kind of movie that I think that we could that we could really get into. So, oh, cool! And, I can't, I can't wait, man. Yeah, I'm excited because I, I don't know if it's gonna. Again, I remember liking it, but this view that's gonna come up is gonna decide whether or not it's gonna make my top hundreds. Because now, now we're looking at that. There's the innkeepers. There's um, I've never seen um, lovely Molly, and people are talking about it in the top hundred chat. And uh, Eric Webster's been saying I should watch it. And then there's another movie called Sleep Tight, which JP loves and I haven't seen. So I didn't want to bring Lovely Molly or Sleep Tight either because I haven't seen them. So I don't really know if yeah. it's the kind of movie you can really discuss or not. But have For you sure. Seen those well, I haven't seen. Uh, I, I've seen. I have. I have seen Lovely Molly, but not Sleep Tight. And I also hadn't seen The Woman. I was gonna choose it blind. Oh wow! You should yeah. see The Woman. I'll tell you right I, I know I should, and I absolutely will. And and there was another one called Julia's Eyes from 2011 that I'd considered because it had a super high, um, it had a pretty, like, and it was a Guillermo del Toro Presents type movie in Spanish called uh, Los Ojos de, you know, de Julia. And uh, it's, it's kind of, and it stars the same lady who was in the, who was the lead in the orphanage. 
and it seemed oh. like a really interesting interesting movie. I was gonna I was thinking about choosing it, but I was like I I hadn't seen it either. And of course, I hadn't seen the woman, but I know you had. And then of course, Kill List is one you must see before you make your top one hundred list. I'm I writing think. it down as soon Good. as we finish here. It's going on my on the list of movies I got to see. Cool. I already have like 93 out of 100 just based on the stuff I love. So there's room. There's, <laughs> there's, 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 there's a little wiggle room for seven films to jump in. So that's going on the list. Kill List awesome. is on the list. There you go. Kill um, List. Okay, great. And let me tell you something about how much of a Dave Z fan I am, folks. I I, I do want to clarify this because you, 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 might, uh, you might like this. Absentia was a movie I was looking at, but I did happen to know that you had covered it on ABC's. Uh, well, yeah. thanks for so listening. So it got out buddy. of the running. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, oh, here's yeah. the funny thing. I, I had a feeling, but I, it was so long ago. It was the first show. It was the A show. So I'm like, I think we talked about it on that show. I, I didn't bring it to the table. I think Brian did. But I was like, man, did we talk about it? I was hoping we, we didn't. So I went to our, the feed and I scrolled <laughs> down like, oh, absentia. Damn, can't talk about it. Because I do love it. And that is making my hundred. And it, it, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite a fan of that one. There was something else I wanted to... To mention to you about these, uh, boy, I had something on the tip of my tongue about these movies, and I don't know. Darn it, I'm going to regret it later. Oh, I know what it is. All right. Lucky McKee, the woman. Did you ever get to watching May on Halloween like you said you were going to? Dude, that week I was pushing so hard to get Watsy episode six out on Halloween that uh. I didn't watch anything on Halloween week. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I right. was working all I, these late hours. Enough. Yeah. But I will watch May because I, I, yeah, Lucky McKee, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I, it's, it's still on the list. Do I need to wait till Halloween? You think? No, no, not at all. No, cool. it's good anytime. It's only Halloween for the last act. So. Okay, cool. Good, yeah. good to know. So yeah, so we, the Innkeepers 2011 will be our next show during the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn. Two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old guests check in for a stay. All right, I'm, I love a good ghost story. I'm I'm down. I, I love House of the Devil, which was his film before this. So, man, I'm I'm in. I can't wait to discuss this with you, Dave Z. And uh, let's see here. I guess. Uh, shoot, man. It, it's it's time for plugs. So let's take a moment to give our plugs. Dave Z, where can listeners find more of you, my friend? All right. All my shows on Horror Fia Network, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, ABC's A Hidden Horror. This, of course, Banana Laser, when we decided to throw one out there and they can be found uh, basically anywhere you can hear podcasts, uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and uh, what's that other joint? Spotify. We're all on Spotify. Yeah. Um, exploding Heads. You can follow that. that I, I do all the uh, Exploding Heads media stuff. So the Instagram and the, uh, well, not the YouTube. The YouTube is Christian. But By the way, people that do listen to Exploding Heads, go to the YouTube. There's lots of cool stuff there besides just the shows. Christian works hard on, on different stuff there. So go check it out. We, we don't pimp it nearly enough, and, and we are getting you bigger don't. on YouTube. So I I really should mention that more. So there you go. And uh, Twitter. Yeah, nice. We're, we're in all those places. So there you have it. Dude, first off about the YouTube thing, uh, Christian's video with the, the what, what, he, what did he call it? What, what was that, that mail the, where he was uh, ripping off uh, or he was, you know, uh, deliberately. Undead what was that mail? called? De- undead mail? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That 
I gotta hand it to him because I was talking with him. I was like, I loved his lighting. I loved his presentation. I was telling him, dude, you're, you 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 coming out of here out of nowhere. He's a filmmaker, but you know, but you coming in here out of nowhere already doing better than 100% of the YouTubers in our circle. <laughs> so <laughs> I until I show up, wait, wait, Christian, wait till I show up on YouTube. But uh, so speaking of exploding heads, I got I got to put this out there. Uh, you know, you guys just had a pretty kick-ass surprise special guest on your episode dealing with 2007's The Orphanage. Uh, oh, did yeah. you not? I don't oh, know. This uh, is true. Just, uh, we did have a special guy on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was you. My, yeah, my friends, if you haven't heard that show, uh, maybe you're, which, which episode uh, numerically was that, Dave Z? 90. 90, episode 90. You know, maybe you're wishing Dave Z and I would podcast together a little more. Well, here you go. Now, what's funny about this, folks, is that Dave Z had no idea that I was going to be co-host Brandon's mystery guest. I guess Brandon had pitched a mystery guest to the other guys, and I show up out of nowhere. And I, I thought, I didn't know that you guys didn't know, which is really funny about that. <laughs> That that is funny. Yeah, yeah I remember you came on. You're like, oh, you got you didn't know. I said, no, I didn't know it was you. He kept it quiet. <laughs> and Christian thought it was gonna be Brandon's father. <laughs> oh, that yes, that that is right. That's right. I was drinking hot toddies that night, but I I wasn't yes. I wasn't overdoing it. I was just a little sick. Yeah, and it was great that B actually reached out to me the night before. He's like, hey, we're recording tomorrow. I know that's short notice, but dude, I you know I remembered we wanted to record this years back. You still want in? And I was like. Dude, I will rearrange my plans because I am excited about this. So there we go. Check out, as if you didn't already, my friends, episode 90 of the Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast. And you'll hear uh, me come in about halfway through. So as for my specific plugs, I'd be honored if you check out my solo cast, Horror Corridor, which you can find anywhere podcasts can be acquired. Concerning the Watsy Party Horror Show here, be sure to check out the show notes of the episode where we've got links posted to any articles and studies we use. Dave, do you think anyone checks show notes? I am so curious about this. I take a lot of time to write them out. I go through the episode manually to get timestamps for each segment. I cite any sources we might want to share. I just might start throwing in some pretty fucked up shit to see who actually checks that stuff. I'll tell you this. I check show notes on shows a lot. Not all the time, but I do it. So I'm willing to, to bet that a small percentage of our listeners do that. Okay, timestamps definitely. I'm sure that's handy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Then I won't mess with everybody. Okay. Just I just wanted to see. I've just been wondering. So okay. Well, put it Folks, up on the, on the thanks, group. Dave. Put it in the group. Ask them. Say, hey, does anyone actually check my show notes and see what they say? Good idea. All right. And if they and if they don't, uh, I don't know. They 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 might have a surprise of, by clicking a certain link. Uh, <laughs> who knows awesome. what it'll be? But yeah, folks, uh, we'd love your feedback, and you can find this show on social media in the following places: Facebook group page for that type in watsy potty horror show we're there find us on instagram which is something i haven't really launched yet but man if, if it happens it will get in on the ground floor watsy party horror show all one word and lastly twitter's where i do about as much on facebook honestly but so yeah where we're at watsy party that's at w-a-t-z-e-e-p-a-r-t-y help us spread the word and get the show out there to other horror fans we appreciate every retweet every comment we get every post that's for damn sure we love it lastly hit us up by email if you want to be heard on the show, that email address is watsypartyhorshow at gmail.com. That's what's up. My friends, be sure to stay tuned after the outro music has played so you can hear Dave and I, no, Dave and me, and our spoiler. This is this is a thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not letting that grammar get by me. So you can hear Dave and me in our spoiler-filled discussion of The Cabin in the Woods 2012. We'll be going over this, you know, the, just everything, getting in deep. I have some next-level philosophical stuff to talk about. We're going to get into utilitarianism and, you know, Immanuel Kant. Yeah, it's going to get crazy. So, folks, that right there concludes episode number seven. I'm the Watt, Dave's the Z, and we thank you very much for attending our horror show. So please join the party and celebrate the genre with us. See you next time.
It is now time for the What's E Party Horror Show After Party segment to commence. My apologies yet again for this most inelegant of interruptions. It is I, the British robot you heard earlier who would not permit Mrs. Watson and Z to reveal too much of the film during Act 3 of this very episode. By the way, if you are an astute listener, you will have already realized that I am the very same British robot who voices the audio bumpers between each of the show's segments. Does that do anything for you? Does that get you as hot and bothered as it gets me? I should certainly hope so because I am quite hot and quite bothered. That said, my intrusion here and now is warranted because we now find ourselves in the after-party portion of the podcast where spoilers are indeed authorized. This means that what you will be hearing immediately upon my departure is the displaced audio that was cut from the showtime section of the show. You will hear Mr. Watson and Dave Z discuss their concerns and possible beefs they have with the cabin in the woods. Once that audio has run its course, the after-party will resume as normal. Thank you for listening. Enjoyed the rest of the party. My dislike is that one scene, which to me doesn't make sense, where the gentleman, the harbinger, talking about the ancient ones being looked at as comedy. Because these people know damn well the seriousness of the situation at hand here. They believe in it, that's why they do what they do for a living, and why they have to do what they're doing. And they understand, like I said, they understand the importance of it. This guy does too. Sure, he does say all kinds of things. People don't usually talk that way, but but, but what he's saying is the truth. And they are aware of it. So, I don't know. I, I don't understand why they are they are laughing at him. Maybe for levity of their own. Maybe to break the, their own ice because they're really nervous. But it doesn't seem that way because they stretch it out for so long. The speakerphone yeah. and this and that. It doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. So, to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So Yeah, I do know that was the first scene that Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon had written. Uh, of the of the movie that was like the first scene that they had penned and scripted um the only thing i could say i I never thought of that dave z but i think that's a valid criticism the only thing i could think of i guess when okay so i'm i'm picturing that scene in my head and i and and yeah that doesn't make sense why would they be laughing at him you'd think they might be like you know like okay this guy's a little crazy but thanks man and hang up on him My, my only thing i can think of that would justify kind of how long they draw it out and the whole speakerphone gag is because they're so confident that they got this that it's just like okay, thanks, man. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fuck with you for a little while just because we've we, we're so good at our jobs. We've got this. That's about the it's maybe hubris, which hmm. uh, okay. is a little ironic. No, considering you're the right, ending. buddy. You're right. You you know what? I accept that. Okay, okay. thank right. you. That's just how I view it, man. That's just how I see it. If it, if it if it gels, it gels, my dude. I accept that. That that does make sense to me. They are they are overconfident. So yeah, I can see that. Cool. Okay. That you've you've cleared that up for me. I can I can wipe that dislike off my board. Oh wow! Okay, right right on, man. Uh, well, what what have you got next? Okay, this this one I don't think you'll ever change uh, my mind on that one, and we might go we might butt hut, butt heads on it in, in spoilers <laughs> okay, okay. in the after party. But <laughs> the scene with Thor hitting the wall and no acknowledgement of it from the crew that's responsible for it and how the emphasis on following the rules, the, the general basis of this entire movie is that they have to follow rules and they can't interfere certain ways and everything has to go like this. And if you've watched any horror movie before, which again, I can't get into it because it's spoiler, but I mean, yeah. they're basically 
oh man, that doesn't make sense for the rest of the film for what they're trying to do. That would never happen in a regular horror movie. Now you have to you have to look at this this part of the movie as a regular horror movie about kids going to a cabin in the woods and zombies yes. coming out. Okay, in a movie like that, something like that could not and would not ever happen. So therefore, no. it doesn't make sense to happen in this movie and. The fact that nobody acknowledges it afterwards, and the fact that later on they're talking about how serious that they, they, how they at one time they want to kill somebody themselves and do something like, oh no, that, that that's against the rules. You got to let it play out this way. You got to let that is like a big black mark on this movie for me. Always has been. You know, you know what? I'll, I I have two things to say about that, and the first is that while I find the wall interesting, and I do like the death that comes of it because it's it's just it's it's strange and it but what is that technology you know if you think about what it would take to have that technology for that wall and then let's just say in the third act we've got a bunch of people who have handguns i don't know uh against threats uh, certain threats i don't mm -hmm. know i would say based on wh whatever technology you had for this wall uh and for you know maybe you have better weapons that didn't carry over there. And then that might be a nitpick on my part there, but I, I've kind of thought that too. I think the correction for this is very simple and I understand the reasoning for it because it's the whole idea we've seen in horror movies where a character gets away to go get help and they're trying to close the stage. This, this whole scenario that our five friends are in is a stage. And obviously there's the issue with the tunnel and they, you know, have a have a hiccup there, but it's about closing off and keeping the stage, keeping the setting contained. I get that as a manipulator and that, okay, we need to keep the stage set here and only here. I think the fix there, even though I do like the wall death and don't have a problem with it myself, but if, if somebody were, said, were saying, how would you make this stronger? Let's just say he doesn't make the jump. What about that? What do you think of that? That would have been just fine. I would have preferred that. Yeah. Makes sense. And so I'm, I don't have the problem with it you have, but if you were to say, is this the strongest way they could have carried that scenario out? I would say not necessarily. That it's a cool surprise. Well, it's, but then, then again, it's not even a surprise when you see what happens to an eagle uh, earlier in the film. So if they hadn't shown that and that just happened, and then maybe the, you know, you have the, uh, you know, our filmmakers, I'm calling them. Yeah, Brad, we Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins going, wow, I didn't think that new technology would even work. Huh, how about that? But then that would go back to your point that direct interference is something that they want to shy away from. And so right. from a from kind of a, I guess you could say from a philosophical standpoint, I get that there are forces at work that are trying to keep the horror movie at play in one setting. So I get that they'll do anything to make sure it doesn't leave that setting. If he leaves, it threatens everything that the, the whole big plan is. But I still think, it, like like you're saying, I, I, I can agree to the point that it would have been stronger without the wall, per se, uh, so to speak. And if he just doesn't make the jump or something else happens, they messed with the bike or there something go. else they goes down. The bike. That's what yeah. I was going to say. But wait, yep. you honestly, you can sit there and tell me you don't think that they're breaking their own rules in that kill? Well, and that that's where I'm at this moral gray area because there are so many instances of, I mean, is, do you consider the closing of the tunnel to be a rule break of this film? No, because that you've seen that in movies before. You see something like that happening. That's something that we've seen in movies before. If this is the case and they could just do that, why don't they just build... Um, uh, a hammer made of that same material that the wall was made of and just hammer them all out one by one. Boom. Show's <laughs> over. People are appeased. Roll credits. If they could do that, then why not just do that? 
That's what I don't get. That it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that 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 is an interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting way to look at it. I I guess I think it's just passive enough. And, and is it passive? I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess in my mind, it's just passive enough of an interference to not anger the not anger the powers that be. And so by keeping them in the same setting, because it's not like they're actually pressing a button to kill anybody. You know, they've already done that. They've already sent, you know, they've already, the, our characters have already transgressed by raising their, the, the movie's threat. And so... Yeah, you know, I, I can I can say that there there is a problem there in that this wall, it's debatable whether it's passive interference or active interference. It's not like it's a sniper. No, but look at it this way. Let's pretend that this movie is just a regular movie about kids going in the woods and, and this, I forgot the family's name, but them being resurrected Buck, Buckners, by, yeah. by, okay, there you go, by the chance in the book etc evil dead style whatever you want to do let's pretend you're watching a movie like that and in that very movie a guy does that and hits a wall and it's never explained and it's never referred to again <laughs> you would be you you would stand up and say what the that's ridiculous yeah, you'd be mad about it if it was a movie so i don't think it's fair to excuse it because of what we learn uh, because of the type of movie it is that's just where i said it, it it doesn't seem fair to me it seems like a cheat Sure, and you know what? I'll tell you this. I wouldn't stand for, for any other movie except for this one because we are seeing the extra lengths they're going for this manipulation for to make things happen as they're happening, and they'll go through great and possibly impossible lengths to do so. And yeah, I don't I don't love it. Like I said, if they'd messed with the bike, that would have mm -hmm. been fine, but I think I'm in the camp where it's just passive enough. It's like the same to me as locking the doors i mean if anything i have a problem with you know thor walking down the hall he tells everybody the smart thing that you're not supposed to say everybody stay together and then for whatever reason some inhalant makes him go split up i'm like huh really how'd it make him say that <laughs> you know right. it's a little, I, I, I think I, I, it's i'm not crazy about it but i can i can accept it because i'm just i can accept that but I just cannot accept. Can't accept this. Okay. Well, yeah. you know what? I, I do think that's a valid criticism. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I slightly agree with you. I'm like sort of on an 80-20 thing because I do think it's. I don't think you're wrong, but I do think it's passive enough of an interference in the scheme of this movie only. Now you're right. Would you would see a tunnel cave in in a normal movie that this is trying to, uh, you know, that that this is trying to be an analogy for. We would see a cave in. We would see a bridge go out. You know, and yeah. presumably, let's say they did that in an other they did that to ash and evil dead they made the bridge go out they did okay i get that no wall you know i think they're i i just kind of get this idea that they're saying we've got this world contained do not leave and this wall as maybe silly as it is as much as i'm not in love with it i do think it, it obeys the rules of keeping the setting closed now granted like i said i would have liked it better if they'd messed with the bike or if you know something happened they cut the throttle that would have been better if they cut the throttle and he just goes off the edge and plummets mm -hmm. and we seem I splat i am with that and so i i see your criticism and i don't I, I i do think there's there's validity to it man because if you did see that in another movie yeah uh, it would be like what is this what 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 force of of nature is causing this thing what is that thing and i kind of even wonder that in this movie too like what is that wall <laughs> so. right and then and they're trying to <laughs> That's what they're trying to mask it as. This is a this is a regular horror movie, much like all these other horror movies that we're going to be bringing up and, and, and showing examples of. So, if you're going by that rule and saying we can't interfere and these are the way horror movies play out, it wouldn't work in a regular horror movie. So therefore, I can't 
accept it here because I'm just trying to, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just rubs me wrong. I'm like, eh, just why not have the bike be messed with? Because I, I was yeah. going to say that, but you said it before me. So we're, we're thinking alike that if yep. we were riding this, that's what we would have done. <laughs> so yes. me and you could sit here and say, hey, mess with the bike. Pretty easy. You know what I mean? But, Absolutely. I, I am with you on that, man. Yep. All right. Cool. All right. Well, you have one more? I have one more. Tell um, it. Now, this might be Dave Z being, uh, not being able to pay attention, and you're going to say, oh, well, wait a minute. Okay, so just okay. we'll see, though. I don't understand the new guy that's hired at this place and how he has no knowledge of the company that he's working for, and he doesn't seem to agree with it, and he, he has a very different approach to everything that's going on here, and he obviously is a new hire so he knows the job yes. he's going in for i don't get that character at all and on top of it i don't know if anything ever comes of that character are we to believe that he messed with something at some point and that's what happens later when they said we never got the order and did i blink and miss something and he was responsible for that and he was sabotaging it or was that dropped and does any of that make sense to you uh, yes, it does. And, and when we get into spoilers, when, or when we get into the after party, I will tell you exactly because, well, Skylar, my son and I were watching this for uh, his second viewing of it. It hit me. And this is probably my like, I don't know, maybe like eighth or ninth watch of this movie, maybe seventh or eighth watch. I never noticed why I always wondered, like, what went on with uh, the, the, the sort of the mishap with the tunnel? Why didn't that go through? And it hit me this time. Why? And it has nothing to do with this new hire. I'll, I'll tell you in the after party. But I guess... When it comes to this new hire, I don't like it. I think they didn't really, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say I don't like it. I get why they have it there. It's to, it's just to, to get more exposition. That's all he really is. He didn't, he didn't sabotage anything. That, that, that right there with the, with the bridge has something else completely going on. And I will tell you the moment and the reason why things happen as they do. It's very, it's, I can't believe I never caught it. I was going, whoa, Skylar, I, that's the reason why that didn't happen. We were both like, whoa, but. As for this guy, I think he's just exposition. Likely he's some military, because he's very militaristic. He's very a military guy by the right. book. He doesn't understand the nature of the job he's taking. He should. My guess is some, maybe he was good at being, say, a Marine. They need some no-nonsense bodyguard in case the worst happens. And, hey, uh, just do that and shut up. I guess it would be kind of just my whole take on his character. I don't really think he's that important, honestly. He's I mean, kind of he's just important. a background. Right, right. He's yeah. not, he could almost have done it without him. And yeah. I just don't see working at this type of job and not being told what is going on here. It just, I, I it, it's it's not as hard for me to swallow as the wall and Thor. Uh, sure. But it's, it's something that I'm watching and I'm like, I just... I don't like it. That's why, to me, this movie's not a masterpiece. A couple reasons like that. Just little things like that throw me off. I'm like, eh. I, I, well, I look, just wish they wouldn't have done that. And that Look at it this it way. Is. Maybe maybe he was just sent there just by orders. That's kind of what I've always thought. Like, his character's just ordered to be there. Here's your new job. Your orders are to say to go report here and just go do it. Well, I'll tell you what. I like that, and I honestly wish that they would have included that. We have all this background information about all, all this other stuff, and I have some opinions on that, and I wish it would have been handled completely differently, but I think one of the things that could have been done, and it wouldn't have taken long, is maybe open the movie with him getting hired and, and, and him being kept in the dark 
so to speak. Like, just only being told so much, oh, so-and-so, this is classified uh, something. This is a very important special ops mission for someone of your caliber. Blah, blah, blah. You know, some military thing, uh, some meeting in an office. And him saying, now this is, uh, this is like Area 51 type stuff. You're going to learn on the job, but be, be aware that you're selected because you are very important because of your pedigree and yada, 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 yada. I Dude, that, that right there sounds fantastic. And then you can even have Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford kind of making fun of him for not knowing what's really going on. Yes. That, yeah. That would be, honestly, that right there, that would honestly be perfection right there to kind of tie up any loose ends. As far as I'm concerned, he's so unimportant to me that I just kind of have in my mind, okay, somebody told you to be here. And there you go. And I kind of write it off. But I can see why focusing on that would make his presence you know, more impactful and it would make and strengthen the story. The fact that, I mean, you got to know that, the, I mean, you got to realize there are people who work in this, 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 this place and have to do these crazy things, the, these very otherworldly things. And you know, that, that is going to take a toll on you. And so uh, it'd be nice to see what it's like for somebody to enter this organization and what that means on day one, you know, especially if it's also day, uh, your last day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a head scratcher to me, and when that and that's my thing. That's when I have head scratchers like that, and I can't come up with a a good reason why. Or I can sit down with you or any anybody that I podcast with, or even just myself, and say if I was writing it, I would do this. Anytime I I, I say if I was writing this, I would do this, and that would make it better. That is going to affect ultimately my experience with the film. Other times when I watch a movie. And somebody questioned, well, why did they do this? And I sit down, I'm like, you know what? I could not have written it any better. I can't think of a better idea. Maybe I'm not crazy about what they came up with, but sure. I can't think of another way they could have really pulled it off that would have been any better. So that's how I, that, that tends to, that leads to the way I rate films when I watch them for podcasts. It's like, I think about things like that. And if I could have add, added something or if anybody could have, that, that would have worked better. And you know, oh, sure. just like right now, we wrote something better. We did it again recently when we talked about, um, what was it? What's that? What was it? Yeah. We, did we that are still here. We've done that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. We, yep. With we the had our own cut. Yep. Yes. With the town. We did. That would have worked better. Yep. So that's why I can't rate a movie a 10 out of 10 when I sit there and I say, well, I, I don't, nope, nope, nope. I can't say that. I give Friday the 13th a 10 out of 10 and I will say it that I would have easily written Mrs. Voorhees coming in because she was the cook and the cook is the first person killed he should have gone someplace and seen her and say hey the girl never showed up and he goes hey mrs christie or mrs christie hey <laughs> hey yeah. mrs Voorhees, hey steve christie yada, yada, yada. would you come and cook for us we lost our cook yes i'd be glad to help out for a few days till till you get on your feet and you can get a permanent replacement as a cook for the summer and then she has a reason to be there and there's no cheat so yeah but anyway, but you sorry. still give it a ten, despite the cheat. You still What's give that? it a uh, Friday. You still give Friday a ten, despite the cheat. I do. That's what I'm saying. That is the one instance where I do. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I don't think it's a cheat. I, I, but I can, but I think that I could have written that better, saying, sure. why not introduce her as the cook, and now she has a reason to be there. You know, it would have yeah, worked a little you know, better. I, I like the way that you are. We you know we talked in in the uh, the horror deep dive about how you know our inner voices you know kind of interact with the art that we're seeing, and I like that you do that. That you kind of uh, engage with the idea, the the plot, 
and like, okay, could I do better? You know, could you know, could you know, and and I and and base your rating on that. That that, that that's pretty cool. I like that because I do that too. As far as this guy specifically, he was just such in my periphery. I never really even noticed him or thought of him. And just kind of thought, okay, he's just the the new bodyguard guy. He probably got told to be here by orders, and then he's just out of my mind. So I can see why he would be a, uh, you know, why you might have a spotlight on him. And what we came up with would make it stronger. But mm-hmm. I guess for me, the reason I'm not bothered by it is because it's just a non-issue for me. Well, and and okay, we're gonna do an exercise just like this for my dislike. So listen, and and I want to see where you stand on this because you might you might uh, agree or might be like, nah, it doesn't bother me. Check it out. So if I had to point out anything that I would have liked to see the story do differently, same way, you know, you were talking with the wall and things like that, it essentially, so, okay, I raved earlier about the character dynamics and how the script essentially defies convention by allowing these people to be complex and layered, okay? However, while I stand by that, and I do, I think the movie missed an opportunity to uh, an opportunity to hammer these things home in a more profound way because it feels to me like our five main characters embraced their more expected uh, archetypal roles a little too quickly. I would have liked to see a more stark contrast between who they are at the start and who they are more or less forced to become later on. And of course, you know, that statement won't make a lick of sense to people who haven't seen the film, but if you have seen it, I mean, would not that have, would, would that not have solidified this story to its fullest? Like maybe Thor gives a drunken lecture on class consciousness and the means of production or what have you to drive home the idea that he's a sociology major with a full scholarship, right? Maybe hot pre-med girl demonstrates her abilities before the powers that be diminish that in her. Maybe our final girl acts a little sluttier in the beginning, you know, sluttier at least than our blonde bimbo, so we can see that not everything is quite where it's supposed to be if you compare it to the old tired tropes. Like, many of these things are addressed quickly in passing. In the intro, they, they you see them. They're talking textbooks in college. You can tell that, you know, like I said in my first like, these characters don't fit the mold like they're supposed to, but they do become archetypal a little too quickly for me in that first act. Now, that's probably just a nitpick, you know, something, you know, I'm probably just nitpick, nitpicking something fierce right now because truthfully, even with what I'm saying here, while a good idea, maybe that's just asking too much for a film that really tries to go above and beyond as far as character dynamics go. Maybe maybe I'm coming off like somebody handing me a five-course meal and I'm complaining because the lobster was hot. I, I don't know. What do you think, Dave Z? <laughs> I, no, I listen. I, I understand what you're saying. I really do. I have some, again, it's kind of spoiler in a way, but I have a similar questions i have similar questions about the characters and the way they were written like sure to sum it up i mean okay titles of horror athlete scholar fool virgin right yeah. basically but they they weren't really that's not really ultimately what what they were but, but they had to make them into that you see that's what the manipulation comes into play and you know it's kind of like directing a film you know and that's kind of, you know, they are the actors in this stage play and the, the, the directors and producers got to make them be their role to appease the masses, you know? And he even says, ah, oh, we work with, or I didn't right. well, uh, say we work with what we've got. That's true. But they flipped him. But they flipped him. Like, the scholar was really an athlete. And the yeah, athlete he was, a jock. was really a scholar. And, yep. and yeah. the fool was the smartest <laughs> person. <laughs> yeah, the bimbo's pre-med, the, 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 the virginal final girl, you know, she'd be, you know, boinking her professor on the side. I think what was important is that they take on the characteristics of these roles in a certain way. And you know what? To, to the virgin's credit, she does this in that she is the, you know, oh, can I just take it slow? 
and these sorts of things. Like, they should have pumped her full of some drugs that uh, inhibit her libido, so that way she's not trying to get with that uh, buff uh, a scholar jock guy or whatever he is. So she could be like, God, normally I'd be boinking him on date one like I always do, but man, right now I'm just feeling really like, can we take this slow? And you know that <laughs> that that would have been funny to me. And, and you know, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, and but at the same time, I'm like, they did give us enough to work with, so you can see it, and so it's there. But as far as just me and how wordy I can be, especially if I had my own script, I would have hammered home the point that things, you know, it's not the the. Let's take a little more time to get to the tropes. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying, and that's my big kind of like the one thing when I watch this movie, I'm always like, oh man, if, if they had, and and I still rate this high. Believe you me, boy, do I ever. But if I I see that, I'm just like, man, ah, uh, it just 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 these little things adjusted can make the perfect recipe. So that that's kind of where I am on that. Okay, folks, if you are listening to this portion of the episode, that means you've either seen the film or else you don't mind that spoiler talk because that's what's going down right now. Consider yourself warned because it's happening right now. All right, so Dave, one of the one of the more interesting facets of the horror genre is how we audiences have a tendency to root for the killer in a lot of instances. You know, we, we, we're familiar with this, and obviously doing that in real life is reprehensible, but when we're dealing with horror fiction, there's this academic idea. I've talked about it before since the horror corridor days, since episode one, 2016, back in them days. It's this academic idea called dispositional alignment theory, which asserts that we viewers enjoy seeing people die on screen who deserve it. You, you've heard of that, right, Dave? Absolutely. Yeah. So with the cabin in the woods here, the entire plot is predicated on the stereotypical notion that our five main protagonists have transgressed, so to speak, right? They've sinned and must now be punished via human sacrifice. The nature of their transgressions is meant to be pretty much the same as any group of protagonists we've seen in horror movies over the decades. They're young, they're beautiful, they're partying, they're making love. You know, they, they've read from a cursed book or played a haunted game or trespassed where they don't belong. You know, generally speaking, these protagonists have done whatever you've got to do to bring the story's antagonists to life, right? They bring this on themselves and must reap the consequences for our entertainment. This is the way these stories operate. You know, you put a bunch of cliches together in a room, or in a cabin in this case, get them to conjure whichever antagonist threat applies, and then watch them die in formulaic succession. I mean, how many times, you know, since the 70s have we seen this exact story template in action? Like, literally, what do you think, Dave? How many stories, how many How many times? Hundreds upon hundreds? Is that a fair number, you think? <laughs> Dozens? <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I would say closer to hundreds than, than dozens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, exactly. So, but here we are, you know, the 21st century hits, right? And honestly, not much had changed, you know, the, the st same tropes are still in action, the same stereotypes are being recycled, despite the very real innovation at work within the genre, because we're getting tons of that. We've still got a multitude of films that play out the same way every damn time, same way things played out 40 years back, right? And I can see why the filmmakers, you know, Goddard and Whedon, felt frustrated at this. You know, why are the good films with nuanced characters and plots the exception and not the rule? You know, what's obviously cream, you know, the cream of the crop, you know, the, the good the good stuff rises and, you know, but but I think they're just, they're, they're in this headspace where they're like, what's going on? Why is it like this? What, what Why do filmmakers choose not to better the genre with, with fresh ideas? Why do audiences repeatedly eat this stuff up? And so I think these guys got a little kind of cocky with it. They're like, all right, let's make fun of this lack of innovation. Let's make fun of these reprocessed storylines. Let's make fun of these tropes. Let's make fun of the fact that the general audience 
has gotta have them cliches or else they'll revolt. Let's imagine that there's a grand reason that these stereotypes exist. Let's imagine that it's all a big ritual designed to squeeze the unique humanity and complexity out of these diverse characters in order to make of them these these like these reductive sacrificial lambs that are required to satisfy the lowest common denominator and that's what's at work here my friends you know people i think people are missing the point dave you've probably heard this criticism before but people are missing the point when they call this movie like a hate-filled commentary on the genre and the people who love it like i've heard this interpretation and it's flat out wrong like i'm i'm rarely Dave, you know me, I'm rarely combative with my views on a film, but I've heard podcasters say this about The Cabin in the Woods, and all I can say is that this movie went over your head if you really think this is a hate letter to the genre, and I'm willing to do battle, man. <laughs> this story is not, this is, it's not what this story is about at all. This is a movie praising horror fans who value the genre for all its intricacies and varied commentaries on the human condition and all this stuff we always talk about. You know, this movie celebrating originality, or at least the desire for such a thing. You know, the, the people this movie is chastising are the hacks. You know, the people who don't want to see something different, who can't accept that things naturally grow, mature, and change. You know, and if you're for these things, you know, the movie's not pointing its finger at you, plain and simple. Do, do I sound like I'm on track, Dave Z? What do you think? Yeah, I... It's weird, because I've maybe heard, maybe once I've heard somebody say that about this movie, and oh, okay. I never took it that way. To me, it's like, it's not necessarily different with than the rules that they talk about in Scream, you know? Oh. When he says, oh, these are the rules, you gotta follow me. He says this, this, and this. That is, that's really no different than what they say here, honestly. How, how, how is it different? And people don't think that Scream was making fun of anything. No, they don't. I've, yeah, I've never heard anybody saying that Scream looks down on the genre, but I would hear that, and I couldn't name names, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. And uh, one of them's a podcaster I disagree with all the time, even though I do think, you know, I do like him, but I, I never agree with the guy. And he, he felt like this movie was just a slap in the face uh, to, to the fans. And I was just like, what? Really? Okay. I'm glad you said you haven't heard that much. And so uh, heard that criticism very much. That, that, I guess maybe I let the couple times or like maybe the two or three times I heard it, maybe maybe I kind of conflated that. No, conflated is the wrong word. Uh, sort of inflated that and thought more people were saying it. So that's good that maybe that's not the general consensus. I'm happy to hear that. So, um, you know, I just want to talk about this film really quickly from a structure standpoint. And I think structurally speaking, this movie is everything I, I want to see in a script. You know, we've got this organization who represents filmmakers with Jenkins and Whitford standing in for Drew Goddard and Joss Whedon specifically, you know, as the writers of the film, the, the manipulators. We've got them working their asses off, manipulating these characters who themselves are very human and complex in the way that we really are as people, but that's not going to fly. Okay, that's unacceptable. You gotta flip the fit the cliches, or else the elder gods, aka the audience, will rise and lay waste to everything. So we watch as these observers shape and reshape the reality of our five central protagonists, so that things go as planned. And what happens if our filmmakers can't craft the movie that's expected of them? Well, it all goes to hell. It's a flop. No one cares. The ancients win because they aren't pleased. You know, I guess it's not a Yelp review, but you know, maybe negative Twitter posts and you know th things like that, and you know, podcast episodes talking about how it sucks ass. You know, but the irony here and that that makes all this so much more meta than anybody thinks this already meta movie more meta is the fact that because of how different this movie is because of how 
you know, how bold of an approach it takes to crafting an original story, the ancient ones, that is to say the general audience, I don't think they got this movie. You know, it faced a tremendous amount of backlash. It got shelved because of what was it, MGM's bankruptcy. When it finally did come out, it wasn't really that big of a hit. It made its money back, which is good, but it just, it didn't, it wasn't the hit maybe it should have been. And, you know, how is that for truth and action, right? I mean, it, it kind of predicted maybe its own sort of rise to mediocrity. What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> Hmm. Rise to mediocrity, huh? In in back in a box office uh, sense, I think it you know it, it it wasn't critically panned, and I think audiences did kind of you know like it, but it wasn't a hit. But it did get that hype that a hit would have, you know. It did get the hype, yeah, because uh, I guess because of the people behind it, maybe. Oh, that's a good point, especially Whedon, who was about to, you know, enter Avengers territory along with Thor, you know, here pretty soon. It'd be like later that year, I believe it was. So, yeah, yeah that's pretty crazy. And so, but yeah, it's just like, it's sort of meta that this movie is so different and it's kind of saying, hey, movies that are different maybe don't do so well. And this one, it wasn't a flop per se. It did make its money back, you know, maybe not quite twice over. And so that's pretty good. But, it, you know, I think it was like, eh, you know, it's kind of middling. And, you know, it was definitely nothing like, say, a paranormal activity or a happy death day that just skyrockets. And you're like, wow, how about that? But, you know, I, I think, OK, let's take it down a little bit. Or, well, Dave Z, do you have anything you want to say before I go on to some like just little specific bullet points I've got? No, I mean, I'll, I'll bounce off of you. I think you have okay. things to say. There's a few things I want. to. Most of my stuff is just a couple notes, a couple questions. And then the one major thing that I think would have uh, made the movie better for me. But oh, cool. All right. So, all right, then, yeah, uh, so I've been focusing on these bigger, kind of grander cosmic aspects of the film, and I want to zoom in a little bit and talk about some smaller scale things that this film gets right. You know, I want to talk about the idea of protagonists and antagonists here, kind of how, how that scheme goes. On the surface, we're meant to see our five college friends as the movie's good guys, you know, and as you start to see how they're being guided toward their own eventual slaughter, you know, it's tempting to be like, okay, these eye in the sky people, these observers, this organization, these are the bad guys, but the trick the movie pulls that makes it so complex is that these people are also the film's protagonists, except they happen to be tasked with having to save the world by doing some pretty dark things. And this approach to protagonism, it's hardly ever attractive. It's too gray, you know, and, 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 but doesn't that make Jenkins and Whitford kind of that much cooler? <laughs> I don't know. To me, it does. And so uh, at its core, it's really a conversation about how morality applies to the collective versus the individual. And, you know, if you want to get master's level on this bitch, and believe me, I do, it's utilitarianism versus Kantian ethics, okay? Uh, and let me explain that. From a utilitarian standpoint, our filmmakers are doing something good, even as they oversee this ritualistic slaughter of innocence. You know, and how is that good, you might ask? Well, from this teleological moral viewpoint, the end ultimately justifies the means. Okay? They are killing a few to save literally everyone. And here's the deal. No one likes to hear someone good say that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, especially if you are part of the few, right? But on the other hand, if you take a deontological moral approach here, which is Kantian ethics, Immanuel Kant, who wrote Perpetual Peace in 1795, you know, if you've ever taken like a any kind of maybe not literature, but philosophy courses or political courses, you'll run into Kant eventually, German philosopher. But here's the deal with him. You know, you're not focusing on the product or the outcome of your action like the utilitarians do. Instead, you're looking at the morality of the action itself. 
So as we sit there at the end of the movie, our final girl Dana has to make a choice to either kill Marty and save the world, which embraces this system of ritualistic slaughter in the name of the greater good, or she can do what's ultimately morally right from a Kantian perspective by letting him live in order to bring down systemic corruption. So if you're asking me which I think is correct on a moral level, I, I don't think there's a right answer here on paper. You know, there's that whole scripture, if you want to kind of turn it around in the Bible, you know, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul. That comes to mind if I'm being Kantian about it. But you know, hey, ask me to kill my son to save the world. I'm going to watch this trash burn and no November Watsy episode. <laughs> For sure. <buddy>. But, <laughs> but however, while I don't fancy myself a utilitarian in my daily life, you know, I'd sacrifice someone less important to me to save it all. I'd hate myself a little, but at least I'd only have to kill one to save. And here's the number, 6,873,741,054, which is the official body count of this movie, because in 2009, that was the projected population of the world. Much, much bigger now. We're, what, at like 7.6 billion or something like that? Man, we're, we're, we're going, oh. but <laughs> yeah. Uh, in any case, one of the things that appeals to me so much about this movie, what rockets it up to that 10 range for me is the fact that it engages me on that lofty cerebral level like that and when a film can do that when it can hit me when I can sit there and go oh shit I took notes in in my political classes or my philosophy classes or my literature classes and hey this movie is going along that same track that the philosophers did then it just it, it ignites my brain up and it makes it gets me excited to be you know ha happy to be a horror fan and happy to be watching and so Dave I don't mean to get back into this again okay but I think that's why that's why I'm not as bothered by the force field cheat as you are. And yeah, we did write a less problematic version of this scene by having the dirt bike not work or him just not make the jump. I can't argue that we kick ass, Dave. <laughs> uh, you know, we do. Yeah, yeah. And sure, you know, you, you wouldn't see some camp counselor bump into this invisible wall if they take one look at Jason Voorhees, right? And they just decide to do what I would do in a horror movie and they're going to run in one direction for the next several hours straight. I've got good, well, I, I, my cardio is not like what it was maybe earlier in the year, but it's not that bad. I will run in one direction until nightfall. That's what I'm doing. And but so you, I'm not going to you know you're not going to see a character collide with an invisible wall, but when I step back a little from the finer details and look at the bigger picture, the force field scene kind of reinforces the idea, for me at least, that this organization is in control of what goes in and out of this stage they've set these boundaries. And furthermore, check this out, Dave. While the force field does reveal the artificiality of the whole thing, you know, I think it's kind of simpler than I, I, I couldn't say this while we were in, um, I almost said party planning, I couldn't say this as candidly as I wanted to while we were in, in showtime, but I guess it's kind of simple, like, I guess as long as the right people die when they're supposed to, you can bend the rules pretty far, you know, and it was just Thor's time to die. Now, this might be utilitarian of me, but I think the end ultimately justifies the means here, and that's why it doesn't bother me too much because if the ancients represent us as viewers, Dave, I mean, let's face it, if a movie manages to get certain things right that please us, we'll put up with a cheat or two, you know, a, a cheat here, a cheat there. Think of literally any of the big franchises, you know, as long as things go according to plan in the end, we do tend to overlook things and be forgiving if things play out like we want. And I think I couldn't quite say that, but that's kind of what the force field death illustrates for me a little bit as an ancient. So I don't know if that makes sense, Dave Z, but I couldn't quite say that in Showtime, but that's kind of where I wanted to go here with that discussion and you can respond to that. I could understand that to a degree. And I sure. like the fact that you said that the ancients represent us as the viewer. I, I never thought yeah. of uh, it from that perspective, but... Oh, really? Okay. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Uh, but of course, that's, you know... In a way, it's stretching at that saying that if we're the ancients, then we all want the same thing. We all want there to be 
a jock and a slut and an order and a death, a order of death and everything else and the final girl to, for this to happen and that to happen. Now, of course, if you talk to a lot of horror fans, they, you know, they may see that as tired tropes and they may just see that as that's the way it happened to play out primarily in slashers and stuff like that. But that is an interesting concept. I never thought of the, uh, us being, you know, the, the duality of that, uh, of us being the ancients, the representation of us being the ancients watching horror films. That's, I, I wish I could take credit for that, Dave, but that, that is what the filmmakers uh, have said, that the ancients are essentially sort of the the lower common denominator audience who calls for that stuff. They're not talking about us, people like us, and I think that's where some of the backlash came mm, from, because okay. I think some people were like, oh, so you're saying all whore fans want the same old, same old? No, that's not true, but I think it is talking about sort of a, a sort of that you know, LCD, that lowest common denominator that's just like, just give me the same old, same old, and, and I'll shut up. And I won't, you know, tweet bad stuff at you if you don't give me what I want. And, I, you know, I'll destroy the world of your film. And so, yeah, they, they did say, I wish I could take credit for the being the first person to say the ancients are the audience. But that is the, that is what the filmmakers were going for, that they'll rise up if they don't get what they want. That it is, a, that the cliches are a sacrifice to us, but not, not you and me, not a lot of people listening. I think the audiences are really well informed and a lot of, you know, especially us hardcore horror fans, you know, we want to see different things, but you know, a lot of people don't and it's speaking to the machine that doesn't, if, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. No, I get that. That, that, that's a cool theory and it's, a, it's not really a theory if they are the ones that came up with it. Yeah. And, um, I've never heard that before. So that's really cool. Oh. And man, I find it interesting that you haven't even mentioned the whole Lovecraft thing where a, a lot of people that are really into this film are really into more the Lovecraftian elements and the Elder Gods than anything. Where that's that doesn't... I mean, yes, it's an obvious thing to uh, you know someone like you, but I mean, it, it sure, has sure. nothing it to is. do with your your love for it. It could be something completely different. You're you are more into everything else outside of that. That that you know that that's that's a side dish compared to the stake that you're digging into uh, and what you take out of it. And that's cool. Like I said, a lot of people that are really into uh, Lovecraft and Lovecraftian movies and things like that, hail this is one of the, uh, you know, a great representation of simply because of the Elder Gods. You know, th Dave, that's a really good observation. And I guess I did want to avoid any allusions to Lovecraft while we were in Showtime. Because if, let's say, there are people who have never heard of, you know, heard of this movie, or maybe they've heard of it and never seen it, you, you mention the word Lovecraft and suddenly things get big. And, and it goes beyond a cabin. And so uh, I was kind of avoiding that. But I do like that, even as I do see that the, you know, the, the ancients are supposed to be, you know, representations of a viewing audience that is, uh, whose, you know, thirst and hunger is only slaked by cliches and, and stuff like that. So, but from strictly as a, from a story standpoint and getting out of uh, allegory, I think it's great that, you know, I remember when I saw the movie and when Marty has his off-screen kill, the stoner, and suddenly the whole temple or the, the organization's kind of, you know, office or whatever it is shakes. I, I turned to my friend Aaron and I'm like, there is something much bigger here, and I have a, and I think I said, I might have used the word Lovecraft or Cosmic, I said, there's something, like, other, like, Cosmic or Lovecrafting going on here, just you wait, and, and he was like, really, and yeah, I'm like, just, just watch, I guarantee, so I do like that aspect about it, because I have read a ton of Lovecraft, I'm no Brian Sammons, but I've read my fair share, 
So what do you think about that bigger aspect of it? Because I think, you know, you were talking earlier that when you went into this, you were expecting kind of a smaller, uh, you know, and so was I, man, just kind of a basic cabin in the woods narrative, but then it goes huge on us. It goes universal. And so what do you think about that? I remember quite enjoying it, mostly because of everything that takes place in the third act and the way it's explained at the very end. And and I was really popping for the the elevators and all the different creatures in each one. And, and you know, the, uh, what's his name? Like, the, the knockoff of uh, Pinhead and this and yeah. that. And just, it would have been so amazing if they would have gotten the rights from all those and had oh, all the legit monsters baby. in there and everything else. But the idea of it, I popped. I, I was really ecstatic watching, you know, all that stuff take place. So that's what I ended up taking from the movie and saying, this is the movie I want to sit down and show friends of mine. And then when I watched it again, it isn't that I didn't like it as much. It's just that I don't know what happened. I still enjoyed it and I've always enjoyed it. I just, something about, you know, having my cherry popped that time, I I could never, you know, I I was kind of chasing the dragon on it, you know, is what it comes down to. That does happen with some movies I found for me where I get that same bang for my buck that first time around that I same exact same one I got with this movie here. But whereas this movie has that repeat uh, that 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 repeat value to it, uh, some seem like they should. And for whatever reason, you know, whether it's in me or with the film, it doesn't. And I'm just like, well, it's not that I like it any less, but that first time is the best and maybe I won't be revisiting this as much as other films. So I, I completely get that, man. And I, I, I do want to run something by you that we talked about and alluded to in Showtime. So, you know, the only time we see the ancients express a little disappointment, you know, I, I talked about how Marty's off-screen death, you know, we've come to find out that Marty didn't actually die. And so when they release the fool's blood, uh, you know, we, we get the shaking and it's the kind of your first clue that you're going like, what is going on here? Like something, there's something bigger happening that this that even this organization isn't telling us, you know? And so it's right here that I noticed for the very first time in this viewing with my son, his second viewing, that it was Marty messing around with the wires down below that messed up the tunnel demolition. Did you catch that? No, I did not catch that. Yeah, a character even mentions that there was a mysterious power reroute that messed things up. And of course it was Marty who wasn't really dead messing up the wires. Oh, it's, yeah, Yeah. it makes perfect (laughs) sense. It's almost like I'm, feel stupid for not noticing that Dude, before. Wow. I, I asked my son, I was like, did you see notice that the first time around, computer guy? He's like, no, I didn't. And, and maybe people out there will be like, yeah, duh. But dude, I've seen this like maybe maybe seven, eight, nine times. Never noticed it. Catching it for the first time this time. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, I do want to point out something that, that just really tickles me about this movie too. And I, it, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with sort of the, I, I don't want to say desensitization because it's not quite that. But I remember when I was in youth group, I was like 19 years old and I showed a buddy of mine Friday the 13th part two and he was appalled and he, he was a punk rock dude, he, but he didn't know a thing about horror. And he was just like, he was appalled that I would be thinking watching people die on screen is fun. And I'm like, well, it's performance art and I appreciate the stuff that goes into the performance art. It's not that I want to see anybody die for real. He couldn't connect with that idea. Fine, horror's not for him. But for those of us who have ever, you know, cheered at a, yes, Michael Myers stabbed her with a gun, you know, (laughs) which that's what, I love that kill. My son and I think then, what is that, Halloween 4, where Michael stabbed somebody with a gun? Oh, yep, yep, the the, the shotgun and and, um, Kelly Meeker, yep. That's it. We think that's the funniest thing ever because we have 
jokes about guns that my if you if you all could hear the stuff my son and I talk about when no one's listening, you'd be like, my whole credibility would be lost. Everybody think you have an IQ of twenty. <laughs> you are officially. <laughs> You should be certified in in, in, in a freaking yeah a soft room with a with a nice jacket that keeps your arms from scratching your face off. But so I want to get back to this whole kind of desensitization thing, or you know, if you've ever rooted for a killer, there is this dynamic where we we're, we're rooting for that antagonist to a degree or to see what's going to happen. And what's really cool about this movie is it gives us this kind of dynamic from both sides of the camera, so to speak. We get to see the tension of our five main characters having to deal with the threat, and then, so we have that and we're rooting for them. But then when we pull back the curtain and we're kind of rooting for what Jenkins and Whitford are doing in the whole organization, we're, we're rooting for them simultaneously because, I mean, especially if you know what's going on because you don't want the world to end, but it's almost like, wait, can I be rooting for both at the same time? What, what's going on here? And, and I think this this movie kind of does a cool psychological experiment when, you know, it, and it's just like that. When you pull back the curtain, it, it's okay to maybe be a little desensitized and kind of cheer at the deaths, but then you put that curtain back on, you're like, gosh, I hope these people are okay. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but that's just kind of something I've observed about this film that just kind of tickles your old boy, Mr. Watson, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I dig that. I dig that. Yeah, I ha okay, and so the last thing I have in my notes before I kick it off to some of the questions that you you know you were kind of alluding to, uh, just kind of a few bullet points here is the intro. Jenkins and Whitford are talking about how there was a mishap in 1998 that was all the chem department's fault. It's just right there in that first scene. Uh, first time watch, you you're not designed to even know what that might even mean. But I've read and heard that a lot of people seem to think that's a reference to the faculty 1998, which could make some sense since there was a drug in that movie that seemed to mess things up. And if the chem department had been doing their job, maybe the drug wouldn't have taken. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, was that not also in 1998? Now, correct me, Dave. Was that not also the same year that the ring came out in Japan? So maybe or how ring came out in Japan. So maybe we messed up here in the U.S. and didn't complete the ritual. But Japan got us and saved the world in the end with ring. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about that? I'm spitballing here, but. Wow, I like that. I'm all for that. Yeah, I thought I thought you might thought you might yeah. dig that. But so the last thing I have in front of me is a picture of the whiteboard that the people in the organization were using for their betting pool. It's got a list of all the monsters there that our five central protagonists in the cabin could have conjured up there in the basement and the cellar. So if you'll indulge me, folks, I'm just gonna read that off really quickly. We've got werewolf, alien beast, mutants, wraiths, zombies, reptilius clowns, witches, sexy witches, not to be confused with witches, by the way, they are two very different things, <laughs> demons, hell lord, which I think is our, our reference to Pinhead, angry molesting tree, I wonder what that could be a reference to, <laughs> evil dead anybody, yeah. giant snake, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> deadites, how about that, wow. the next one is says Kevin, which I think is a, re a to me, it's got to be a reference to Sin City, like uh, when Elijah Wood was uh, that like serial killer cannibal. Yeah, I think that's it's got to be a reference to that. That's all I can think of. Uh, there's Mummy, The Bride, The Scarecrow Folk. <laughs> I like that. Mm. Snowman, Dragon Bat, Vampires, Dismemberment Goblins, Sugar Plum Fairy, Merman, as we see later in the in the film, The Reanimated, Unicorn, Huron, which I think is that that we see a Native American character scalping one of the one of the people down there in the in the the compound. I think that's who that is. We got a Sasquatch, Wendigo slash Yeti, dolls, the Doctors, zombie redneck torture family, which we get, uh, jack o' lantern, giant, and twins. 
And then I have a little small additional list here of the other monsters that are seen in the film that weren't on the whiteboard. And so I'll just, they're in alphabetical order right here in front of me. So I've got American slow walking creepy girl. I like that it's American slow walking creepy girl. We get the ancients, balding menace, have no idea what that is, the blob, Boomer, which is based on the monster from Left 4 Dead. If, you've, if, if anybody here's ever played Left 4 Dead, they have the special infected monsters, all of them in the scene where you can see all the, like, you know, the, the cubes floating around. All of them from Left 4 Dead are there because there was supposed to be some downloadable content where you could play around the cabin in the woods and then eventually go down into the compound. It, it, it would have been really cool, but it never took. Uh, we got Bullhead Phantom, Cow Skull Giant, Charger, also Left 4 Dead thing, Creature with Pattern Segments on or of armor on its head i okay creeping shadow cthulhu creature cyclops dark spirit face peeler floating leech creature flock of killer birds four-legged saddle creature garden gnome boy giant alligator giant ant ape cat centipede crow deers ferrets floating head insects lizard millipede owl tarantula toad woman and demon uh yeah woman and then th that was all had giant in front of it uh <laughs> did you see the giant woman in there <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> I did, and the, Skylar and I paused it while we were watching. I'm just laughing, like, what would she have done? I'd have been like, hey, come on in. Like, we, we're making dinner. <laughs> Are you, wait, you're going to kill us? How? <laughs> uh, well, step on me? Like, that's not fair. Um, We got Gladiator Demon, Ghost Gorilla, Hell Lord Minion. Uh, that was the person helping out the, uh, the pinhead guy. It says the humanoid. Hunter from Left 4 Dead, Japanese floaty girl, killer robot, the KKK, the Kraken, man in transparent tarp, mutant girl, mutant in hospital gown, ogre, pale serpent, phantom, prince of darkness, pterodactyls, which was from a deleted scene, puffy tentacle creature, rabid dogs, reaver, savage with hatchet, a slimy horned cloak creature. There's a lot here, folks. Smoker from Left 4 Dead. It said, this one just says the old man. One says the red fiend. Reptilian, Suffocators, Undead Warmonger, Tank from Left 4 Dead, Tentacle Thing, Troll, Two-Headed Creature, and The Witch from Left 4 Dead as well. So all that I just listed is everything you got to see in the third act. So that is that is nuts. And that ends my notes, man. I said the high concept stuff I wanted to say. I talked utilitarianism versus Kantian ethics. I talked about desensitization and this and this, the ancients being us, the whole allegory of the whole thing. I've said my my stuff, I my, my bullet points are checked off. Dave Z, uh, what uh, were, were the points that you, you said you had some questions and some points to raise yourself? I, I'm feeling good about this, man. Hmm, let me see here. You know... That's nitpicky. I don't have to say that. I'm going to give um, props to the entire Jules wolf scene because... Oh, incredible. gosh. That girl, wow. Anna <laughs> Hutchison is a very, very, very... Stop me when I've said very enough. Uh, <laughs> a beautiful young lady. My goodness. But man, the, the ability to do that, that... Man, amazing. I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm there. Okay. Uh, I would love to see a cut of this movie. I wish somebody would put it together without any uh, of just the cabin, the kids going to the cabin without any of the other stuff just played out as like a regular horror movie. And, uh, just to see how it looks. I wish somebody can construct it yeah, and put it together wow. and it'd be like an extra on, on, on a Blu-ray or something like that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I would love to see this as like a regular horror movie. Just It'd probably only be like 45 minutes long, but... Yeah, yeah. I think it would be fun just just as a gag, just to check it out. It's, that's a bonus feature I wish that, that, that somebody would think to put out. 
button. Oh, that would be so freaking cool. Would it? Yeah, <laughs> I just want to sit down and see it that way. Yeah, just to yeah, see. totally. And and I do have something to bounce off of that as well because I've heard people say, well, there's no tension in this movie because of how we know what you know the, the how the organization or whatever you want to call them is manipulating everything. So nothing in the cabin has any tension, and I I've never understood that criticism because these characters don't know what it's it's dramatic irony is what it is where we know something the characters don't, and we these characters don't know that to to what extent they're being manipulated, and where they are dying. It's not like they're safe. In fact, nobody's safe. And so I still, it's not like the movie scares me. I don't think anything scares me. And uh, But I, I still do, I'm still rooting for the characters. Like, go, oh, like, oh, shoot, this character's gonna die. That sucks. And I, so I'm not, I'm, I'm still feeling the tension I would feel anyway. I guess just without the added bonus of the little, tiny little bit of elevated scare I might have if the humor and the organization weren't there. I guess like say with like Evil Dead 2013, which is a direct product of this movie, I feel like. But yeah, I don't know. I, just, I don't understand that criticism. These characters are still in peril. So that's just me though. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. Okay, that about cool. It. That's, right on. I think it's a, a ridiculous uh, complaint. No, I, I'm, I'm down with the tension. But, but, okay, let me just say this quickly. And I can't, I can't um, even claim to be the one that came up with it. Uh, actually, the very t- I, I did speak of this movie once before on a podcast. It was the very first time uh, Matt Wazell and I did a show together. It was the very really? first podcast I was ever on. Uh, I did one show and with with one other person, and it was a, a um, what the hell was it called? The Dirty Bay Horror is what it was called. And it was that's me why the- you said that you had reviewed this, but something that nobody could ever hear. Yes. So we did that wait, together. So Dave, you're te- we did one show. Dave, wait, before you go on, you're you're telling me that your first review you did on a podcast was this movie? No, no, it wasn't the first review I did. The, the oh. first episode one was Lords of Salem. It was just me and um, this other guy. And then episode two, I thought we needed a third and I wanted oh, it to be okay. Matt. And that was the first time Matt and I podcasted together, which then led to Banana Laser. So it was the first time that Matt and I okay. did anything, and it was the second time I did anything ever. And I want that sound bite, Matt Wazell, Matt Wazell. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. But he doesn't know who I am, damn it. All right, well. Oh, man. I keep know. going, Dave. Sorry, I just like, I, this This is really cool. This is like history uh, uh, kind of being revealed to us here. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, here we go. So me and Matt and, um, and this guy did the show, and uh, Frederick, that was his name, uh, did the show. And on the show... Matt said something that had always stuck with me, and and I was like, wow, you are right. That would have been a much better idea for this film. And this is what it is. I wish that this movie would have played out like a regular horror movie with no background information. The intro would not have been that at all. It would not have been... We would know nothing about any of these people. We would just see it play out as a regular horror movie until that scene where... The stoner and the other girl come across the elevator and they see something that's going on here. And then when that happens, then we see it all go flashback style as to what led to what. So we were in the dark the whole time and then boom, oh, look at this. And then flashback, almost like Saw style where... That, you know, they show the boy getting the, the steam in the face when he changed his mind suddenly. And they go back and they show this and they show the guy in the beginning saying, so uh, eagle's leaving the nest or something. So we as the audience are not in on any of this. So it comes as a total surprise and we're all like, oh, this is what's happening. Boom. And then it goes from that big reveal to that amazing third act. 
and then you would have a masterpiece of a film. Uh, you know what? Let me just say, I I think this is a masterpiece of a film, and I think that would have been an also masterpiece of a film as well. Holy crap, that would... If you saw a movie like that, would that not blow your mind? Yes, it would blow my oh, mind. Oh my gosh. Wow. Dude, I, I'm with it, man. Just imagine, every time I watch this movie since he said that, I make up this thing in my head as it's going. Like, I, would, I could imagine showing this here and this here, and I, I've almost made my own cut of the film, which sadly will never be seen, but it could really work. And, and it, I think that, I think the movie would have been a much bigger hit and people, it would be more beloved had it played out that way. And, and because of that, sure, because of that, that's why and I said it earlier on the show. When I, when I can sit down and say, I think I could write something better, which would work better. It, it's going to affect my, my experience of the film and, and the way I rate it and, and whatever. As soon as he said that, I was like, wow, that blew my mind. I said, you know what? Bravo to you, sir, because now that movie will never live up to the expectations that I have in my mind of what it could oh, have been. And every time I say bad, that, though. I, when I, every time I say something, you know, is a missed opportunity or what could have been, a lot of times, you know, I'm going to score it lower. I'm still giving the movie props for what it is, but man, there still is that, that wiggle room for me where man, this could have been that, and I would have really in- enjoyed it more. So do you think it's fair to do that, though, rather than judging the movie on what it could have been rather than what it is? Or are you saying, because I want to I understand this, because I do this too with plots where I think of things that could have cleaned it up, but at the end, sometimes I feel like if I do that, I'll drive myself crazy. You know, does, does that make sense? It does make <laughs> like, sense, but we were talking about it earlier, and back, and back then... I think you agree with me. When, when I watch a I film did. and I say, you know what? If, and I complain about something in that film or say, oh, well, I, I know that I could have written something better. If I can come up with a better idea, yeah. then I'm going to take points off of that film. Then I'm going to say, well, there you go. What could have been is what I could have done. Just like we talked about earlier when we talked about, um, um, <laughs> we just spoke of it. Um, we are still here. How we could have written that. Yeah. That would have been better. Anytime yeah. I watch a movie and I, and I say that now, but it, it it goes on the other side too. If I watch something and I, I'm not crazy about what they did, but then I say to myself, well, what what's the alternative? What else could you have written? I won't come down too hard because I'm like, well, you know what? They did the best they could. But when I look at something, oh man, imagine if that could have done. And, you know, then I'm like, well, I think it is fair to critique a movie that way. Like Freddy vs. Jason. I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but I'm I'm not going to insult it too hard because um, getting those two together, you know, I'm thinking, what could I have done that would have worked better? And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I could have written something better to bring them, to, to have them face off. Uh, I'm Ultimately, I'm not a huge fan of the movie, but I don't come down too hard on it because of that. Because what they did come up with was still a, a concrete enough idea that I'm not going to criticize that aspect of it. So that's why I do think it's fair for, to critique something. Okay, th- no, that's fair. You explained yourself really well, and that's all I guess all I ever ask of anybody who, you know, talks on podcasts. I guess for me, I do, I do that too. I can't say I don't. I have this dance in my head of, okay, but this is what the movie is. Let me judge the movie as it is and not as I want it to be. But in a way, when you are bringing your own personal sensibilities to an art piece and you're judging the art piece from your perspective, which is the only perspective we've got, 
Um, I can't say that's necessarily a faulty way to do that because, uh, you know, faulty way to critique because, I mean, we all look at art from our own eyeballs and our own baggage like I was talking about earlier. So, you know, in the horror deep dive. So, um, I guess I'm just, I'm, I kind of, I don't know where I always land on that, Dave. And I, I see where you are on it. And I, I'm not saying I don't do that because I do. Uh, but I, like I said, there's just this, I'm on this teeter totter, my friend of going, oh, but this is what the movie did. And you, you don't think Cabin in the Woods tried their best? I'm not saying they didn't try their best. I'm just saying sure, if they okay. had better writers, that it could have been, that had more, a more creative idea. Like uh, yeah. a regular Joe, like Matt Wazell, sat down and said, this would have been better. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> yes, sir, that would have been better. Too bad you didn't weren't able to put input on this film because it would have right. been more enjoyable. Well, well, do you think there's still room for that movie, though, that it could be pulled off? Maybe not to us. Like, it wouldn't surprise you and me and Matt and anyone listening to this. But do you think that movie still could exist where there's a slasher or a, you know, some horror scenario that, you know, with which we're all verily familiar. And then all of a sudden, two thirds in, we get a third act comparable to this one. Because um, I still think I think that movie could be made. I think it should be made. I don't know. I think people will complain and call it a cabin in the woods ripoff, even though it was, it was, it was the, the exposition is different. I think that's what they would ultimately say. Well, I look at the video game Dead by Daylight, which is a basic slasher scenario, but it's lorded over by a supernatural entity who is making everything, who's very Lovecraftian, who is making everything happen. He's the it, it is the thing that put the survivors in the scenario and the thing that also put the killer there. And, you know, in a way, I feel like you could get away with something like that uh but you know maybe it could just be a dead by daylight script but then everybody would know you know what well everybody who plays the game would know oh there's something more to this i don't know you know you maybe maybe it's too late then maybe that ship has sailed but man i i'm kind of i would almost that almost makes me like cabin in the woods that more that it has such an impact by being so original and so interesting that now nothing can quite follow in those footsteps without kind of tarnishing itself i don't know that that says something that, that's why my number one like was it's a brilliant concept because it is yeah. 100% it's a brilliant concept the same way Nightmare on Elm Street was a brilliant concept it was fresh yeah. and scream it was something fresh so I give it props for that and that's why I score it at an 8.5 and, and, and I don't go lower now uh, so I, I still will give, it, give the devil it's due but you know I still have that in the back of my head every time I watch the film now Oh, man, that is too bad because I, I feel it because, listen, let me tell you something. That movie right there is, is awesome. But I, I guess I, I'm sort of on the side of, well, so is this. Uh, because then I don't think that script allows for tequila is my lady. Then we don't get any of the characterization that we get with our organization. And so I guess there is, you know, to, to strengthen the cabin sequences, you got to, you know, in Matt's, I guess, movie, Matt's version of the movie, then you take away from all the things we get with the organization, which I also like and feels valuable to the film because it's never been done. But what else has never been done is Matt's version of it as well. So I guess it, I guess it'd be if you're willing to take away the things we get in the characterization from the office people, because if you're saying they don't show up till the third act, you're sacrificing a giant portion that makes this film strong. True. That is a fair point. And some things would have to be sacrificed. You are right. Uh, but again, it's what you said earlier. The ends justify the means. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Damn. Well said, buddy. <laughs> Utilitarian as ever, man. Well, shoot, uh, I, I, I can see no better way to, to end this after-party segment. And I'd like to know what people think because, man, I, I got to say, you know, that, that, that version of the film, it's going to be etched in my mind. Not when I see this, though. I think when I see the next slasher that doesn't do that, it's going to be like, oh, man, 
I want to see something more. And I will say, there is a movie that came out, I'm not going to say when, I'm, I, maybe last year, maybe this year, that uh, pulls this a little, but not quite. And I'm not going to say the name of it, because it, it, you know, if and when you see it, Dave Z, you'll probably know, oh, that's what Watson, Watson was talking about, a slasher where there's bigger things at work. Okay, that's kind of cool. Uh, it doesn't go to this level, and it definitely doesn't go to the level of the story that Matt, you know, had proposed. So, <laughs> the end justifies the means, damn you, Dave Z. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, uh, that does it for me. I think I've said everything we want to say. I think the party's over, dude. What are you thinking, Dave? Yeah, yeah. It was a hell of a party, and it was a hell of a show. And I'm really glad that you, my friend, got to discuss this movie because I know how long you've waited to, to deep dive on it and, and to give all the that wonderful information you had. So I'm, Thank I'm you, Dave. Really, yeah, yeah. I'm really happy we did the show. Oh, awesome, man. And folks, get ready for The Innkeepers next week, and I'm going to be giving it my first time watch. I can't wait, and it's going to be spectacular, so we will see you in December. Yeah. Love you guys. To quote the great Dave Z, peace. Peace. (laughs) 